Warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest. If you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode Leftovers. Ladies and gentlemen, the leftovers are tonight's entertainment. <laughs> Thank you. Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Welcome back, Jake. You took a fucking hey. week off. Sick, man. Oh, I know. I know. I'm still like not 100%. It fucking sucked. Yeah. And I didn't miss any work because of it either. So it was just like, uh, this week was a slog. Well, you got tomorrow off. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, that is that is great. That is great. So yeah, big shout out to uh, Rebecca for jumping in for me last minute there. I really appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, it was a last uh, like I don't know. It was like you know I, I wanted to I wanted to get somebody else on here that's been on here a while, a pro, a veteran, because I had some two newbies coming in, and uh, Rebecca just filled that uh, filled that Jake gap so well. She did fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I can't think of anyone else. Honestly, I'd rather have replaced me if I couldn't make it. Yeah, so uh, let's see here. We are not alone this week. Uh, it's been a while since we've had this person on the podcast. I think I think we were talking about it before. It was solo the last time we had him on. But welcome back, Matt Kirby. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good. Doing good. good. Doing good. Got a lot of stuff to talk about. Uh, going to have uh, first, like, we're going to jump into our regular stuff, iTunes and all that good stuff. But we are going to, I am going to have a non-spoiler, uh, no, excuse me, a spoiler-free, yeah, non-spoiler, uh, kind of like uh, take on Daredevil Season 3. I have watched the entire thing, knocked it out in a couple days, and I want to give my overall kind of like surface thoughts on the season and uh, if it's a, if it's a good season or not. So we'll definitely dive into that here in a moment but first we're going to jump into our itunes reviews iTunes reviews this week. Jake, we got a lot of them. 
No, I'm excited. Did you hold off for me last week? Yeah, I held off for you last week, and then I noticed there were some that like didn't pop up uh, initially, and now they have popped up as reviews. So we've got a uh, fuck ton of iTunes reviews this week, and the first one comes from Kiss Chaos, and it's titled "Not Your Mama's Podcast." Hmm, is that a dinosaurs reference? Uh, not the mama. I don't think so. <laughs> I think it's more of like. Uh, you know, it, it, ain't, it ain't mother friendly. This ain't your mama's podcast, you know? Okay. Okay. Yeah. We do some swears. Yeah, we do some swears. Yeah, I don't know. We talk about uh, female masturbation. And I think if you're you're lying to yourself, if you're saying that your mom's not doing it. And we've talked about it, Jake. We've talked about it on many occasions. Yeah, I agree. We've, we definitely have some mom listeners out there. Yeah, we we, ha- we do have some mother listeners out there. So I think, yeah, I don't know. It's a four-star review, too, so I'm not 100% down with the review. Oh, the four stars get me excited. Yeah. What, oh. is, their one, what is the one nitpick? Let's hear it. Hey, we, this one doesn't get into the nitpicks, but it does. We do have a four-star later that does, and so we'll get into that bad boy. But this one says, great podcast, guys. Keep it up. I have been listening since February of 2018. You had me rolling a few weeks ago with Cliff Steele, Brendan Frazier. And that's the end of the review. Hmm. Yeah, that is very odd. Maybe they're just really stingy with that fifth star, right? It might be. You've got the people that, uh, you know, they don't want to give everything like the five star. There's always a little bit of a room for improvement. And that's what Kiss Chaos is saying here. And I'm not even going to, you know, it's like, I guess I could ask the question of like, hey, what could we do to make this a five star podcast for you? But I really don't give a fuck. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not catering anytime soon. No, it's it's that's not happening. So uh, here we go. Next one. But yeah, I think I'll take four stars. I ain't got no problem with four stars. Yeah, right. Nothing to complain about in the review either. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah. that was OK. It was fine. I'll take it. Kiss chaos. Uh, next one comes from Batman destroyed my vagina. So basically he named his iTunes reviewer handle after our uh, DC bumper. Yeah, I'm not, not 100% sure what I think about that. I like it, man. That shows like, uh, you know, hey, I listen. And it shows, you know, I don't know. I don't have a problem with that. You forming your thoughts on that, Jake? A little bit. Do you think this is a female listener? I, ooh, good question. I don't know. <laughs> man, I don't know. Maybe if it's not, then this could be a very big problem. We should get on social media and attack this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I, I, it does. I, I think it does weigh in on my decision on whether yeah. or not I'm okay with this name. Hashtag vagina washing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's, uh, it's titled "Perfect." The next big problem in Hollywood. It is. It is. <laughs> yeah, we're going to be pioneers and we're going to attack this. Don't don't you dare speaketh about the vagina unless you have said vagina. Yeah, they'll cast like Brad Pitt as Anne Frank. Yeah, yeah, Fred. He'll, he'll be standing up doing the vagina monologues, won't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you know what movie I haven't seen in a while? Tootsie. I haven't seen Tootsie in a while. Oof, it's probably been over a decade for me, too. That's a great movie, though. Yeah, it's a good one. It's a good one. And when, when are they going to reboot Tootsie? That'll happen, right? Oh, 100% yes. I, I give you five years or less. Yeah, who's it going to be? It's going to be, uh, it'll be Anna Ferris this time, though, and she's a man now. And it's oh, uh God. <laughs> oh, g- gender swapping Tootsie, yeah. 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 I could see that. Yeah. 
Hey, this one's titled Perfect, and it goes on to say, This podcast is perfect. Brian is funny as hell. I've been looking for him on social media so I can see what he looks like. I need to put a name with a face. Jake is my guy. Isn't it I need to put a face with the name? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All name right. with the face, face with the name. Name with the face. Now I'm, con- now I'm confused. No, you, you know my name. I get, it's, a, well, it's a face to the name. It's a face to the name. Yeah. Face to the name, yes. Yeah, don't fix it. You fucked up. Just leave it in there, buddy. Uh, Jake is my guy. Long live post credit scenes. LOL. Never change what you guys do. I look forward to hearing from you guys every week. This podcast keeps me sane while I work this nine to five. When are they going to reboot nine to five? Dolly, no. Dolly Parton. Uh, maybe 10 years or less on that one. You think? Yeah. yeah. Remember when it was a TV show? No, I do not. Yeah, it was a TV show for a while. Was it, was it Sally Struthers? Was it Sally <laughs> Struthers and the 9 to 5 TV show? You're, I'm not the 9 to 5 TV show historian here. I didn't I didn't even realize that existed. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to find out. Information. Totally existed. I think it was like you yeah, watched. I'm out on this one. No, it is. You watched, I think it was like Charles in Charge, and then they were like, hey, now finish off this amazing comedy block with 9 to 5. I don't know. I'm making that up. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor was in it. Really? Yeah, Sally Struthers, Struthers. Yeah, I thought it was Sally Struthers. When she wasn't asking for money for kids with, like, flies on their lips and shit, she was like, hey, work 9 to 5 with Jeffrey Tambor. <laughs> yeah, well, did you watch that show? Is it good? I used to watch it. Yeah, it was just on. Like, back in the day, we didn't have, all like, the cable channels that we do now, like, the streaming stuff. And so when yeah. it was, like, it was, like, Saturday at, like, fucking 2 o'clock in the afternoon, it was either that or, like, the WGN afternoon movie. And, like, when that sucked, <laughs> I was watching 9 to 5. <laughs> yeah, I got. Yeah, the movie is kind of just like Tootsie, where yeah. back then it was just on HBO all the time. So I've probably seen it so many times, I yeah. don't even ever need to see it again. Ah, let's see here. This one, next one is uh, by Only Use iTunes for Reviews. It comes from uh, that person, and it's titled uh, A Must Listen. It's a five star. It goes on to say, I logged into iTunes, which I don't use to listen to, any, which I don't use to listen to anything. Specifically to make this review. I, I, did I fuck up that <laughs> sentence completely or did they just write it down weird? No, I think they wrote it down weird. This whole thing is really pretentious, right? How it's so? like, oh, we get it. We get by your username oh. that you don't use the Apple iTunes. <laughs> so you don't need to clarify it again. That, it, they, kind of, it, they kind of want you to appreciate the fact that they've done this just to leave you a review. That's a bit, a bit odd. Well, maybe this is like a diehard Android person. You know what I mean? And like this is like they've gone out of their way to get onto like the the evil iTunes, the evil Apple, and agree to their evil terms and conditions so that they can leave us an iTunes review. I I don't know. I'm a little flattered. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you, you, you're, 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 yeah, you're privy to the rest of the review. That'll definitely help form my opinion. All right, goes on to say, like I had to reset my password because I didn't remember it and everything. So let that tell you how funny this show is. I found it when I was looking for a podcast about the show leftovers. You guys, <laughs> you guys should cover that sometime if you haven't in the past. Bye. Hold on. I like the review. I enjoy the review. I loved the show leftovers. Me and Jake, we both watched that all three seasons. We were huge fans of that show. We have covered it 
um, in the past. But, um, yeah, it's nothing that we've followed up on because it ended like a year ago or so. But uh, I like the review. I'm a big fan. I like it. Yeah, I've won 80. That really won me over, too. So, yeah, keep loving your Android guy. I don't care. <laughs> love what you love. <laughs> oh, man. If loving Android is wrong, I don't want to be right. That's what he said. <laughs> anyway, yeah, back to robot really, sex. Robot sex. Yeah, he got me with the leftovers re- reference. Too. I've always wondered, like, yeah. how many people have listened to us thinking that we were a leftovers podcast. Hold on. We were out before the leftovers, the show. Well, yeah, but yeah. people find, you know, podcasts just become more and more popular. No, 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 no. Then. I'm not, I wasn't saying anything in like rebuttal to what you said. I was just saying to people like, hey, we came out first. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I guess that, <laughs> I was just, I guess I was just like stopping that huge argument before it happened. <laughs> We're kind of just like the show too. Like half of us disappeared since we started. <laughs> it's totally true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh man, that's crazy. I can't really answer why. Yeah. That, it'll, the answer to why is never really the point of our podcast. Exactly. And we'll never actually explain it. We'll never get around to it. Yeah, we are def- <laughs> we're like a Damon Lindelof fucking show. It's crazy. Ah, <laughs> uh, this next one. Here we go. Here's the four star. It's a uh, it's a four star. It's titled for uh, titled "Good Show," but could easily be condensed. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Here we go. It's from Kenny Nine. Kenny Nine. Not the number nine. It's spelled out. Kenny N I N E. And it goes on to say, This show touches upon everything pop culture, new and old. I have been turned on to new shows based on their recommendations, and the hosts are entertaining. I only wish the show was condensed to about two hours. I believe this is definitely possible if the host did not repeat themselves so often. <laughs> What's he talking about? Did we repeat ourselves, Jake? Do we? Re- I don't, Jake, do we, do I don't we- think we do. <laughs> Maybe from episode to episode, I we do. potentially reiterate some stuff. But I, I don't. I think on. we do a pretty good job not saying the same thing over and over. Again. I do. I'm guilty of this. I've always been like this. I can't change this. I. Uh, I guess the la- during the last like really boozy hour, it can get kind of weird. I've always been like this, even if I'm sober though. Like I think I like. Ooh, Brian, you make a good point, and then I fucking reiterate it twenty goddamn times. I. I I've always. <laughs> always been like that and i think it like stems from like uh uh just kind of like who i am and how i've always talked to people that's just kind of who i i can't help that that is like that is a flaw that is a human flaw i'm actually i'm 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 taking ownership of this jake this is 100% me i do this i i find a point that i like and then I just say it over and over again. Sometimes I don't even switch it up. I don't even change the way I'm saying it. I basically, I just said it, period, end of sentence. And then I start up again with the same thing. And I say it over and over and over again. I am, uh, yeah, I do it a lot. I'm taking 100% ownership of this. I do it all the time. I can't change it. That's just who I am. Even, I'm not even, very, I'm not. Even really explaining. I'm aware of that. I'm going to start trying to pay more attention. Even ex- don't point it out to me. It'll fucking throw me off my game. <laughs> but I'm just saying, just like take note of it in your head. You know, like even explaining this, I've probably repeated the same thing over and over and over again. <laughs> I, that's just who I am. I can't help it. Like I can't get on here and be like, well, I'm going to try to change that. I can't. It's just who I am. It's in my goddamn DNA. 
man, yeah. Condensing the show to two hours. Can't, no. Come on. Guys. I'm not going to do it. I can't do it. And I can't stop repeating myself. Anyway, here he goes. Making some more valid points here. Sometimes it sounds like a vinyl record skipping. Uh, I personally have no problem listening to long podcasts if the conversation is flowing. But these guys dwell on subjects and repeat the same sentences way too much. I will keep listening because the show is very informative and I do like the hosts. But I will continue fast-forwarding through the parts where they get stuck in a loop. That being said, thank you for the podcast, PCL. I give it a taste. It's a four-star. Oh, man. When we get stuck in a loop, I got to be honest, it's probably most of my favorite moments in the entire history of PCL. Yeah, it, it, like, this one didn't hurt my feelings. It's like, I'm totally aware of it. I've been told, like some people, like, I guess, like, let me get away with it. I've actually been called out on it, like in a couple past relationships that I was in. I'd get told, oh, you, you keep saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Well, shit. I'm sorry. There's nothing I could do about that. I can't change that. So I could, <laughs> it's me. I do it. Whatever, fuck it. Um, you know, I'm not going to deal with it. If, I, if that's the worst thing I fucking do, Jake, I'll take it. Oh, yeah, you're ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you're killing it in life. <laughs> Next one <laughs> comes from Metal Myers, and it's titled Great Snoochie Boochies. It's a five-star. That's a okay. uh, Kevin Smith, uh, Jason Muse reference, which we have no affiliation with at all. <laughs> <laughs> I like the disclaimer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I threw a little asterisk in there. Uh, sitting on the... Oh, I read this one, didn't I? Yeah, see, those were the other ones that got lost in the shuffle that I just recently read. So here we... I, that that's, a, that's not a new one. Here we go. Here we go. Let me get to the newer ones. Here we go. Uh, here yeah, we go. I didn't remember snoochie boochies. I don't either. I don't either. This one... Uh, okay, here we go. Bama Boy 28749. Sends us a review here, and it's titled, Not a Giant Pussy with a Heart Condition. And he goes on to say, Fantastic Podcasts. Uh, podcast. Host and co-host banter is right up my alley. This show is responsible for a lot of my interest in pop culture. Been watching since Infinity War. You've been listening since Infinity War, Bama boy. <laughs> you nutbag. Uh, been listening since, uh, he says been watching since Infinity War and haven't been. It's like, like we're right there with him, man. It is crazy. It's great. Man, I don't know. Take your meds, buddy. Uh, been watching since Infinity War and haven't been let down yet. Except if he does take meds, I apologize for that comment. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of disclaimers this episode. Totally. Totally. <laughs> Very insensitive this episode. Uh, let's see here. I haven't been let down yet, except maybe your review for Deadpool 2. That was f- a fucking masterpiece. But everyone is entitled to their wrong opinion, I guess. And then mm. I got, yeah, keep it up, guys. post credit scenes. Brian sometimes reminds me of the sham wow guy. Just saying, wow, I fucking, what, what do I do? I slap hookers around? What's going on? <laughs> That, didn't that guy get in trouble? Sham Wow guy. Yeah, it's a, you, we've got these infomercials over here, and I'd say a little bit more than a decade ago, there was this uh, fucking asshole that used to get on and talk about this amazing Sham Wow. It's like this uh, lambskin fucking like cloth that you it soaks up a shit fuck ton of water and liquids and stuff like that. And this guy apparently was like, I don't know, spraying his liquids on hookers, and then he'd beat them up. Nice. Yeah, he got in trouble for that, Jake, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the sham wow, man. It sounded pretty powerful. (laughs) Super shammy. 
You know, you know what uh, picks up more liquids? What's what, what's what was even more super absorbent back in the day? No, the uh, Billy Mays from OxyClean, his beard. I guarantee you that fucking beard could slop some shit up. That guy died. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, that's sad. Did he, what are you like drinking the OxyClean or something? Yeah, he, he was drinking OxyClean and dying. <laughs> Oh man, he's like that review. I, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, nah, I was just gonna say maybe this can like maybe this can clean up my mistakes in life. And then he drank it and died. That's dark. Wow. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. Oh no, apology needed. I, I just I, I hate butts in reviews. Yeah, especially when they seem so obvious that they're coming. Like I was like ahead of that review like God. by a mile. Right. I mean, it was yeah. an it was an okay review. I don't want to spit on it too yeah, much. Yeah, but, but like the like, fact that you got to throw out that Deadpool in your opinion was a Tupperware and it was this and that. Deadpool too. It's like I don't know. That's that. I mean, I, does it really matter what we think at the end of the day if it's still a Tupperware to you? You know. If you still love the movie, what does it matter what Jake and I thought? I gave we gave it a I gave it a high taste. That for crying out loud, it's a good review. It's like, he acts like we fucking like shit on this movie. Yeah, I I mean I think we did talk talk it down a lot, but I think a lot of that's comparing it to the first one was kind of you know where we came at it from. Yeah, I don't even feel like I need to explain myself. I do yeah, need to explain myself. I do need to explain myself for like you know some of the past things I've said earlier in the episode about Billy Mays, you know. <laughs> rest in, rest in peace, Actually, I Billy. think you do need to explain yourself like three times the exact same way. <laughs> Don't knock it off. I, I owned it, and I fucking I can't do anything about it. Do not make me self conscious about it, though. No, I, I was not. That was not a jab at you. It's just an overall joke at previous material. Yeah, womp womp. I, yeah, I know. I know. Kirby loved it. Fuck you, Kirby. Kirby cracked up. Yeah, I think Kirby took it as I was being mean, and that's why he laughed so hard. <laughs> anyway, next one comes from uh, LOL. Talk to you later, XOX BFF, and it's titled "Awesome." It's a five star. This podcast is so hilarious and keeps me entertained during homework. They should be very proud of that, LOL. Although although their personalities could be considered immature because of their interests, their opinions on the pop culture they voice is so well thought out and insightful that I feel like I'm taking a college course on all the cool things I love. Freaking great. Just great. Wow, nice. Gen Z loves us. Who? (laughs) Gen Z. I'm not catching what you're putting down there, Chief. Oh, it just sounded with that username and just the way they talked. It oh, sounded Gen- like someone very young. I th- I didn't know what you said. Gen Z. Now I, I thought you were talking about like Gen Z. I was like, is this some weird anime <laughs> character you're into? I didn't know. <laughs> yeah, ginseng. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ginseng. Uh, maybe if I took ginseng, I wouldn't repeat myself so goddamn much. What huh? the fuck does ginseng do for you? What's the? Uh, it's supposed to give you a little, like a natural boost of energy. And, uh, back in the day, they used to say it would actually help, like, build muscle. I don't know if that's been debunked or not. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, you had to take, like, nine year old ginseng root, and the powder wasn't as good as the liquid form. Yeah. I, yeah, I've been reading the men's health. Give me a break. Anyway. <laughs> and we didn't have phones back in the day. You had to read something. You had to read something. Exactly. Uh, this one's titled, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm. That's the title? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. It's, uh, from Fall On 1092. 
Uh, it's a five star surprise. Oh. Yeah, I know. If I had a dollar for every time Jake started a long analysis, starting with "Yeah, I don't know," after Brian asked him something, or if I had a dollar for any time anyone said "You know," I would be able to buy all the movie rights to DC and actually make DC EU movies that are worth watching. Keep up the good work, guys. Love your podcast and love being a part of the Leftover Army. And that comes from Fall on Ten Ninety Two. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> no, I do say that. I, uh, he said, uh, for any time someone said, you know, I always say, you know what I'm saying? I say that all the time. It's another thing yeah. I do. It's a great transition when you're doing a podcast and you're not in person with each other, though. It instantly, like, gets out there that you want the other person to relay their thoughts. Like, it's so fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, fall on. Fall on my dick, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, fall on a pit. Uh, no, thank you for the five stars. It's much appreciated. Uh, I guess. Yeah. Uh, next one. Jesus Christ. So all the iTunes reviews. Man, they spent 30 minutes on iTunes review without any content. Get the daredevil. And then that guy repeated himself 27 times. Anyway, <laughs> get the fuck over it. Hit that fast forward button that you fucking harped on so much that you love. Uh, this next one, it comes from Snig555. And it's titled, uh, it's like hanging out with your friends. And it's a five star if I didn't mention that. If I did repeat it, that's expected of me because that's what I fucking do. <laughs> anyway, uh, it goes on to say this podcast is like hanging in the basement with your close friends gossiping and going on long tangents about relevant and random stuff. The format seems scattered and all over the place at first, but once you get into the podcast, it is very organized and well put together. You will feel both violated and satisfied by the end, a beautiful combination rarely found. This is an amazing podcast that you will either end up respecting or being horrified of. Enjoy! <laughs> I, kinda, that's, I think that's my favorite review so far of the episode. I liked it a lot. Yeah, they're right on the money about how polarizing we can be. That's true. There, there are definitely some uh, some cutting out there, chief. Uh, you, you cut out there. What, what did you say? Yep. I said there were definitely some some poster taglines in that review. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you cutting out? What's the quote? Uh, what was it the uh, horrifying and enjoyable? Was it respect? <laughs> yeah, you uh, you'll either end up uh, respecting or being horrified of. That's the one. Yeah. It's a great tagline. Yeah, it is good. I like it. That's a good review. Uh, let's see here. This one comes uh, from Triple HDX7. Holy shit. That sounds like, doesn't that sound like Vin Diesel fucked like Triple H or something? Like that would be <laughs> yeah, like right? <laughs> a movie starring Vin Diesel and Triple H. Triple HDX7. And then they're like, they're like. Uh, I feel like there's a robot in there too. Yeah, there might be. There might be. I don't know. I, I want to see the Triple H Vin Diesel team up movie where they're like they're skiing down a slope and like <laughs> dodging missiles, right? I had skiing in my mind too, so you're definitely on to something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's titled PCL Better Than the Rest, five star. Hey guys, I love your podcast. I do landscaping for a living, and what better way to pass the time than to listen to PCL? I look forward every week to your podcast because you guys know your shit. You always have your finger on the pulse of the pop culture world and have never steered me wrong. I chat with you guys back and forth on Twitter. Sometimes. 
It's great. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. It's great how quick you are to respond to your fans. I'm here and I'm never leaving. God, I wish your podcast were longer so I can keep this hard on all day. Thanks again from your fan and friend, Semi Dry Chicken. A lot of weird stuff going on there. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to pull apart there, right? Like, A, you can just listen to the podcast again and keep that stiffy going. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. It ended with semi-dry chicken. That's how he ended it. <laughs> I like to think that he, he that that's not like his nickname, that he just ends everything with semi-dry chicken. For yeah, some I like way. that, dude. He just throws it out there. And just, just randomly, just to take people off their guard, you know? <laughs> oh, man. I also like to think that uh, the reason that we're his favorite podcast is we're the only one that's loud enough to hear over landscaping. Yeah, that's yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I like to hear. No, I like to hear what people do when they listen to this podcast. Even if it's oh yeah, for sure. Even if it's like masturbating, tell me about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, landscaping with a boner. Let's let's know about it. Exactly. I this guy's tombstone when he dies. I hope it says "semi dry chicken" somewhere on there. <laughs> you know what? A, what a like closing for your emails. Semi dry like chicken. Yeah. How do you get that? Is that a nickname? Chicken. Did like he self christen himself semi dry chicken, or did like, or was that something like he was given? I feel like he probably gave it to himself. If I were to guess, oh uh, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Next one comes to, from uh, an industry prevails, and it's titled "Forced to Be Reckoned With." It's a five star. I found my way to PCL after seeing the Last Jedi and desperately wanting to hash out what I just saw. The only problem. Married nine years with two young kids and a crazy work schedule means I barely have time to see a movie in the theater, let alone keep up with friends to talk about films, TV, and pop culture. Man, sounds like he's uh, trapped in a loveless marriage there, Jake. Yeah, he was kind of letting it go on us there, huh? (laughs) I know. Dude, it's okay. Matt, what are you thinking about that? We lose my life a little bit. Oh, wow. Whoa. I hope I hope Catherine doesn't listen to this. Um Yeah, she's she's sitting right there, she just turned around and gave me a fuzzy look. Oh, you're in the doghouse, man. I'm in trouble. Yeah, you're fucked. If we lose Matt here, we'll all know why. Um it goes on Jeez, to say- Matt, we're not even an hour in to be I saying know. stuff like that. I'm not even drinking. <laughs> oh shit. It goes on to say I can find plenty of guys married. Uh, to my wife's friends who can give me the scoop on sports or find out who their favorite contestant in The Bachelor is. But finding those people that you can talk to about the nuances of really great art is no easy task. Enter PCL. I was a bit staggered seeing the runtime of the episodes, but immediately realized that it's completely necessary. The variety and range of subjects can be quite massive at times, and the last thing you want is for them to rush it. Just like anything good, they take their sweet time making their magic. We make sweet love to these episodes, Jake. We really do. Mm, mm. And we take our time. We can't not do that in two hours. No, we are gentle and attentive lovers in the podcasting bedsheets. Yeah, exactly. We make sure everything has been pleased by the time we check out. Yeah, if a finger needs to go in a butthole, we will do it, too. That'll happen. (laughs) We have no shame when it comes to that. No, we don't kiss and tell either. Uh-uh. And we don't beat up any hookers either. <laughs> but if we did, 
we'd have plenty of cleaning materials. Yeah. <laughs> and we do it thoroughly, apparently. Um, <laughs> that was fucked up, Brian. Uh, <laughs> the variety. Yeah, just like any, where are we? Uh, host, Brian, will almost routinely comment on how terrible an episode is after things have gone off the rails, but shortly after we'll follow it up using his audience voice to have a little argument with listeners who don't like the direction he's going. This podcast has had me laughing and listening for almost a full year and on many occasions hunting down films and TV shows I've never heard of until shared about on PCL. If there's a part of the episode that isn't your cup of tea, that's what the skip ahead button is for. I'm not huge into comics or anime and I've missed like 90% of the thousand of MCU movies, but I don't gripe. I skip to the parts that interest me and keep moving. At the end of the day, this podcast is a Tupperware party, and if you don't know what that means, then you're just some weirdo reading a long iTunes review without without just listening to the show. Kind of love this guy. Kind of love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, this was a great review. This was a great review. He had a lot to overcome, too, with his username. Yeah, oh, yes, yes. And industry prevails? It? No, you're fucking... Your whole little spiel here prevailed, buddy. You did a fantastic job. Yeah, that was that was great. I really like it. I really get where he's coming from too about how hard it is to find someone to talk to art about, right? Because yeah. I'm sure you get this a lot too, Brian. Like people know you do your movie podcast, and so you have to hear like the most inane opinions and like news that you heard like two months ago from like people that know these things, and you're just like, ugh, I roll, I roll, you know? I I really don't. Most of the time, I don't tell people that I do a podcast that I come into contact with um, because, I don't know, It's it, I actually had, like, um, I was doing a job uh, for work and a lady, you know, I was talking to her about movies and stuff and she was like, you should be a movie critic. And I didn't say one thing about my podcast. Not a damn thing. I just said, oh, yeah, thank you. Uh, and I'm not a movie critic, people. I'm just a pop culture I guess commentator or whatever you want to call us. But, um, yeah, it's just like, I, I find it hard sometimes cause like we're really deep, knee deep into this shit, Jake. I find it sometimes just hard to talk to casual people about stuff because I feel like my opinion is so passionate and, and you know, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's really shown like this year too, with like the Marvel movie stuff, right? Like hearing like layman talk about like the infinity gauntlet war stuff you know it's like yeah. okay do you think spider-man will be back you know <laughs> and like all that kind of stuff it's like oh boy he's dead i told him they're all he's dead he's not coming yeah, back. yeah no no he's not coming back tom holland yeah. wouldn't sign a three-pitcher deal so they axed him exactly uh last one comes from uh eager solutions and it's titled is this fast enough and it goes on to say been listening to pcl for about a month really love the show especially when the host Go off on the uh, go off the rails. The long in depth conversations are great. The best part for me is going back and listening to some of the older shows and hearing their predictions. Sometimes spot on and sometimes really really wrong. Can't wait for the next episode. Keep them coming, guys. Man, that's funny. I, I would have loved to have heard some extreme examples there. Oh, we I'm sure we have them. But see, that's part of the fun of the discussion is like trying to come up with like uh, what do we think is going to happen, and then yeah, of course we're going to be wrong a lot of the times. But uh, at the time, you know, it's just something to talk about, and it's fun to speculate. 
Yeah, you got to throw it all at the wall and just kind of try to, you know, figure out what's going on. And yeah, the movies have in the last 10 years have just become so much to like think about the future with these mass franchises. When you it's throw, even more fun than ever. When you throw it all at the wall, make sure that you clean it up with a sham wow super shammy. No, doesn't get more absorbent than that. <laughs> it does not. Have you ever bought you ever bought a shammy, Jake? I- I have not had a ShamWow before. I've never had one in person. I had a chamois. Are they called chamois? I thought they were, I think Matt called it chamois for the yeah, look of it. Yeah, we, we call them chamois over here, like chamois like, cloths. The, yeah, the, the, they're called chamois, but like ShamWow oh. had like, they called it the, it's a chamois, but they just called it ShamWow, so it's, it separates them from other said chamois. Ah, dis, dis, distinctive. Distinctifies them. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, yeah, it, uh, it's, you know, like you've got, uh, what is it? Uh, like Jello. Jello. Yeah, you can buy other gelatin products, but there's, there's the one original. There's Jello. Or like tissues. Kleenex. Some people just call Kleenex, uh, tissues Kleenex. That's just, the, that's the name of the brand. It's not, it's not the actual, it, it's, it's a, it's a fucking tissue. This is a good episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm very much enjoying it. <laughs> Brown talk is always good fun. Oh, man. Hey, uh, Jake, yeah, we're done with the iTunes review, so thank you, everybody, for the four and the five stars. Uh, been talking a lot about mashups in the past few weeks, and uh, last week I brought up some mashups um, uh, that I wanted to see Michael Cannon, our artist from Hawaii, kind of attack, and I, 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 I was not easy on him last week. But you know what? He pulled through. Uh, I gave him, uh, Clitoris Cassidy, which, is, <laughs> and then I gave him, um, uh, the, uh, Snapple semen mashup, Fapple. And then Ooh. I gave him, uh, Apollo 13 Reasons Why. He did an Apollo 13 Reasons Why piece of art that I posted on the PCL Facebook page and on our Twitter. And oh my god, it was absolutely fantastic. So good. And then, he, and then he, and he's very family friendly with his art, so I couldn't believe he did this, and it was so cool, but he did a Photoshop of Fapple, and I also posted that on the page, and it was great. It was so good. I love Fapple. Is the concept that you, you're just buying an empty bottle, basically? No, it's got semen in it. It's semen flavored. Well, it's uh, not okay. actual semen. It's semen flavored Snapple. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> but he has been killing it. And Michael, honestly, after this week, let me know. Like, if this is burning you out and you are totally done with this and you're like, Brian, stop it. Let me know. But I do have some, um, more mashups that I've created in my head for you this week. And you don't have to do it. You don't, I feel like I, I don't want him to feel like obligated to do these, Jake. Yeah, yeah, we don't want to scare him away. Exactly. No, Michael's been listening to us since, uh, what was it, the San Andreas episode, I believe, if I remember correctly. So he's been with us for quite a while. And uh, the, rock, the Rock movie? Yeah, I think that's the first episode he listened to. Not Was it San Andreas or was it something else, buddy? I can't remember. But you've been with us for quite a while, and I appreciate Michael Cannon. Uh, he's fantastic. But uh, here we go. Uh, here are the three mashups this week. Number one, Macaulay Vulcan. It's a mashup of Macaulay Culkin and a Vulcan from Star Trek. Oh, I love it. I love it. I think that's way easier than anything you gave him last week. Oh, I'm making it easy on him this week. It was rough okay. last week. Okay. Okay. The next, give him a break. Yeah. The next one is 
Rachel Ray Charles. It's a combination of Rachel Ray, the uh, kitchen cook lady, and then and then Ray Charles, the uh, the blues and the blues guy who who uh, who died. He, yeah, right? diet diet Pepsi jingle guy. You got the right one, baby. Yeah, and then the final one. It's in honor of Daredevil season three dropping. Is um, Swear Devil. It's he's just like Daredevil, but he curses a lot. <laughs> I like it. I like Swear Devil. Can he see? Oh, he can totally see. He's just a man that wears like a devil costume and he curses a shit fuck ton. <laughs> totally has eyesight. Like, yeah. No powers, no abilities. Just just wears a devil suit and fucking curses. So it's Swear Engine from Deadwood. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like a crazy bomb, basically. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing it. 38 fucking minutes, people. I apologize. <laughs> I, is, I applaud it. This, this this is fun. This is garbage. This is hot fucking garbage this episode, Jake. Oh, no. Not already. I don't know. Well, uh, what I'm going to do is we're going to jump into I'm, – I'm actually – I'm not going to bury the lead. I want to talk about Daredevil Season 3. Um, and, Jake, I know you haven't had a chance to start it. Matt, you said you've watched half of the first episode? Yeah, about that. Okay, what have you thought so far about what you've seen so far in Daredevil season three? Um, it it looks like Daredevil. I mean, it's it's as good as the other two seasons seem to be. Um, the well, I've just got to. Um, they've just reintroduced Finn, uh, uh, Wilson. Wilson ah, Fisk. Yeah, talk, yeah. Thank Wilson Fisk. Um, and yeah, it, it's. It's got me. I'm intrigued to keep watching it. Basically, at the moment, I mean, I'm still too early to really tell what's going on, but yeah. um, I'm definitely going to continue. All right. Okay. Cool. So yeah, um, I uh, like I said, I just want to. It's only been out less than two days, guys. I, I really just kind of like want to give my surface thoughts and give you like the thumbs up or the thumbs down whether you should continue with Daredevil season three, and um, I thought that the first three episodes were really good. It's when you get to episode four in season three that this show picks up steam and does not let up. It does not let up. I would say there, you know, the first three episodes I'd give, I, I honestly would give those first three episodes high taste. It's the rest of the season from four on is just 100% Tupperware. This is so fucking good. It just does not let up. It is so fantastic. We get a an amazing origin story kind of weaved into this story for Bullseye. Um, Bullseye, who we've been begging for uh, since season one. And they finally introduced the character here in season three after teasing him in season one. And the origin story that they give us for Bullseye is just absolutely incredible. This is great storytelling. Um, we get an awesome story arc for Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin here. An amazing story arc. Um, this goes back to basics, but nothing from the previous seasons is kind of thrown out. They, I mean, you've got Matt Murdock kind of like rediscovering himself, who he is, and... There are twists and turns. There are some huge reveals this season. 
they are doing really interesting stuff with Foggy this season. Um, Eldon Henson, I've been up and down with his character of Foggy. For me, Foggy Jake, like when I thought of like who I wanted them to cast as Foggy, I think Eldon Henson has the look, but he hasn't always delivered in my opinion. In season one, he did in the latter half. And then in season two, his character was too whiny and kind of like I was really upset with Eldon Henson's Foggy in season two. And because I always kind of like imagine like look wise, he does it, he does it. But I always I always kind of imagine like a a young Bo Bridges as like my Foggy Nelson. Mm -mm -mm. I can see that. I can see that. I agree with what you're saying, too. I I think this Foggy definitely has the look, but definitely the acting hasn't necessarily been on a steady course for the entire run as of what I've seen so far. Um, Episode. How's Karen? Uh Oh my gosh, she gets better. It's, it's one of those things at the beginning of the season. It's like, I, the actress, I loved her in True Blood. I thought she was really good in True Blood. She's taken, like, it feels like in every scene she's crying. Um, she cries really, really good. Like, she can cry at the drop of a fucking hat. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, she's one of those people that can, like, make themselves tear up and cry. And, and I feel like, yeah, that's one of her strong part, part points as an actor, but they use it way too much. I feel like, I feel like if <laughs> her there was, face gets all puffy. Yeah, like you, you ever yeah. see like somebody do like a compilation video on YouTube of like Homer and all of his different dough, you know? And like, yeah. if they did a compilation video of like Karen Page like crying in Daredevil, like it would be at least like a ten minute video. It's just oh, she no. cries a lot, but she does take an interesting story arc here, episode ten. It's a pretty much 100%, almost 100% Karen Page dedicated episode, and it really takes a deep dive into her past, and it's really, really good. It's a fantastic episode. Don't know who directed it. Didn't really, I didn't look into it, but they did a fantastic job there, and uh, you learn a lot more about Karen in episode 10. Um, one of the greatest additions to this season of course, I did say Bullseye, and the actor that plays him is great. Dude, the origin story for Bullseye and just the way they've kind of, like, taken this character and they've, like, kind of showed us his mental illness. And they've just done such a great job with Bullseye. But another character that I really loved this season was uh, Special Agent Nadim. This guy is so good in this entire season. Such a great actor and really adds a lot to the story. I didn't know how media role this guy was going to get. And they gave him a huge role to play throughout this entire season. And this guy just delivers so fucking good. So fucking good. Um, Is he kind of like a liaison between Daredevil and like the crime? It he's <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it uh a lot happens with this character. You can kind of say at one point in time he's kind of like involved. He's got his hands in everything. He's got his hands in everybody's cookie jar within this entire fucking season. Um, and um, I don't want to say too much about him, but he's such a great character in this season. Daredevil season three, guys. If you were worried about it, if you were worried about these Netflix shows, we've had some announcements come out recently. If you were worried about these Netflix shows, I don't see Daredevil going anywhere. This was just brilliant. It was a masterpiece. The um, It's a Tupperware all the way through. Uh, I'd say once – and I'd say the first three episodes are very good. It's just for me, once you get to 
Um, episode four is when it just does not let up. Like this show just grabs you by the dick and says, welcome. It's, it's daredevil back, <laughs> bitch. And it just, it fucking is amazing. It is so good. It is a am- Vincent D'Onofrio is just, he's kingpin. He's the kingpin that we want. He's brutal. Um, bullseye, uh, his character story arc does kind of like it does. Um, we do see some things happen here with his character that are directly pulled from the comics, which was very cool to see. And I am just, I am so thrilled with this season. Season two is not my favorite. I, I think I gave it a taste it overall. Um, Matt, yeah, I was low on it myself as well. Sounds like Matt and Matt, you're not wrong. Like, it sounds like you loved it. I know I, there are people out there that actually prefer season two to season one. No, season season one is still my my best of the Netflix yeah. shows that there have been. Season two was okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I enjoyed season one of that so much, it kind of followed through. Um, whereas I haven't really enjoyed any of the other Netflix shows as much. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of why I've, I've jumped. I mean, I have I haven't gone back and watched Luke Cage or Iron Fist season two. I've, I've but I would quite happily go back and watch Daredevil season three because I've, I'm invested from yeah. the two seasons worth. Yeah, and I think I think honestly, like this might. I, I need to watch it again, but to be quite honest with you, this this if I put this up against season one, there are definitely moments in this where I felt like I felt that feeling again. Like I was talking to, um, we were doing uh, the I do an Oblivion song podcast where we review every issue of Oblivion song. I was doing it with I do it with Rod, Joe Stark, and. Um, Rebecca and before the episode started I was telling Rod I was like yeah you know it's you know some of the new car smell like wore off on Daredevil but man this brings it back there were moments where I felt like I was watching Daredevil season one where I could not stop watching and I knocked out eight episodes the first day it would it dropped and then I finished the rest today and I was just wow the finale, the season finale episode is just everything that you want. It's everything you want. Don't let this one slip by you. If you're a fan of season one and season two let you down a little bit, jump back on season three. It'll get you back on and you'll be ready for season four. It's, sure. it's Charlie Cox is great. He's separated from Karen and Foggy for most of the season. So they're all kind of doing their own things. And it's great. I, I I love seeing him kind of on his own here and doing his own thing. And he's back in the black suit. Oh, that's cool. With the bandana wrapped around his face yeah. again. Or- and I'm not saying that you won't see the red suit. But I'm saying he's back in the black suit this season. And it is awesome. This is so good. This is one of the... This is, this is what we came here for. This is like, this is why we showed up for Netflix Marvel shows. This is back. It's, I mean, this, this, I'm not going to say it's better than season one, but it definitely rivals it. And I, and there are mo, and I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's worse than season one either. Like I have to really watch this again for me to kind of like formulate and say, I have to watch them back to back to be quite honest with you to say which one I enjoyed more because they're that mm. damn good. It is so good, Jake. It is Man, really that's, good. That's really encouraging, Brian. And that gets me really excited. I, 
I'm really curious at how D'Onofrio gets a lot of time, too, because it's really kind of heavily advertised that he's a very feature player this time around. He is. He is. Um, he's very much involved in this season. Um, they do a great job, a great balancing act here of of setting up what he's doing in this season and his story arc and where it goes, but also giving us a really awesome and interesting bullseye origin and they do it in there's moments in this where they're where we're watching they really do a deep dive into bullseye's past like going back to his childhood i'm not spoiling anything here but they go back to his childhood and we get to see where he came from and and they've done this with pretty much every character that we've seen in daredevil that's been a big player we've seen matt's childhood we've even seen kingpin's childhood going back to the first season where he like kills his father with the hammer they don't stop here we go back to bullseye's childhood and it's a lot of the same like kind of like beats that they've used in the past with like past characters and it does a great job for also setting up the origin of bullseye and for us to understand this character because this character is not a throwaway character in my opinion bullseye is one of daredevil's greatest adversaries and I think they, mm-hmm. they really do him justice here, Jake. And I think I think you, by the end of season three, will be very happy with the direction that they've taken Bullseye. And you'll see kind of like the connection to the comics. And you'll be like, wow, this is great. Yeah, that's really exciting. I mean, Bullseye is definitely one of my favorite parts of Daredevil. And knowing that Kingpin is a future player, I got to imagine that they – they're going to tie some of that stuff together too, mm-hmm. and that it's all a little bit related. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely excited to see. I had no clue that um, Bullseye was even a player here Big until time. you started talking about it. Big time. I mean, it, 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 it all starts with Bullseye in episode two, and um, it continues to evolve from there. They really take their time with this character, setting up a great origin story. I'm repeating myself, aren't I, people? It's happening. <laughs> I had not noticed until you pointed it out. Please watch Daredevil season three, everybody. Like this is a ret- like I'm not even saying like it's a return to form for everyone, but for me, it was a return to form. Like it was like it was so fucking good. I can't believe yeah. how good this was. This was a fantastic season, and I had a blast. Like. You know, so much came out this week that, um, and I, 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 I took in a lot of content and like making a murderer season two came out and like, I haven't even started it yet. I wanted to, but I haven't even started it yet because like this was priority. Like once I got, oh my God. And you know what, Jake, we fucking, we fucking ragged on hallway scenes. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. A couple previous episodes, we ragged on the hallway scene before. The first time we saw it, it was just uh, amazing. There is a quote-unquote hallway scene in this, and it is it is a it is beautifully executed. It is so good. And even though when you're watching it, you're like, you know, this is the hallway scene, you're still like, fuck it, this is awesome. This is really good. It's 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 so amazing. I'm not going to tell you what yeah, episode. Yeah, I mean, if it's good and it's fun, it makes you less forgiving that they're just kind of retreading the idea again. So, I mean, it's possible. I it's so good. It's so good. Like I I couldn't even sit there and sit back and be and uh, be snide about it 
and and I can't even say that. It was it was one of those things where I was just like, I know this is the hallway scene, but my God, the way that they just started it without me expecting it, where it's happening, what's happening, it's broken up a little bit and then it continues. I it was just awesome. So fucking good. Thank God I wanted this season to be good. I w- and I went in kind of skeptical about this season. And then once I hit episode four, and there's going to be people that tell you like it's a, it's a Tupperware from episode one. And good, it, that's fantastic. I'm just saying like for me, it was really episode four where it started and it just did not let up from there. It just fucking grabs you and doesn't let up and it is just amazing. Guys, you gotta watch Daredevil season yeah. three. You need those story building episodes, right? You need the, you know, like you need the wood to build the fire. Like yes. it, it's yeah. It, you know, it's not going to be as good as it is in episode four if you don't you know slowly put all those pieces together. Yeah, it, it, so. it all goes back to just great casting too with Charlie Cox. Like this guy, oh, he's, he's so good. This guy's my Daredevil man. Like, and he proved it this season. Um, there's a lot of other stuff that really guys that I haven't gotten into. I, I you know, I bas- I, ba- I, ha- I barely touched the surface of this season, um, because I don't want to spoil it for you. It's been out less than, you know, by the time you're actually listening to this, it's been out by probably a little over two days. And so I don't, I just kind of like want to give it like my Tupperware, my fucking stamp of approval and say, watch it and see for yourself. Cause I, I 100% fully endorse this season and the direction that they're taking. And I think Daredevil's back in my opinion. So mm, that's great news. That's great news. Yeah. So, and you were telling me before we started recording that I can just skip defenders, just watch this. If I love Daredevil one and two, I'm yes. not going to miss anything. Yeah. And like Matt said, before we recorded, like the recap does a really good job of catching you up. Yeah. All right. That is awesome. I, I'm super excited. I, I can't wait. I'm excited to see what the uh, the new uh, stairway hallway scene mm-hmm. trick is now. When when I start like these shows, and I and I get through them so quickly the way that I do, I when I first start them, a lot of the time it's because I I, I do it for the listener. I, I want to let you guys know, like you know, like <laughs> I want to let you know if it's worth your watch. What what ended up happening though, is it became more of a selfish kind of thing for me, where I like it wasn't about you anymore. It was about me wanting to finish this because it was so fantastic. <laughs> well, that's good, man. I mean, a Tupperware. I had no idea going into this like what you were gonna think about this. And honestly, if I were to guess with no information, I probably would have guessed taste it. Just kind of with the track record that's been going on with a lot of the netflix shows lately and sure. and just i didn't think season two really left much room for ex- an explosive season three like from on the surface from what i saw it all comes down to kind of like vincent d'onofrio's performance here what they do with him and how they use him and then also of course you've got bullseye and introducing his character and setting up that origin there were a lot of fucking like uh they were spinning a lot of plates this season, Jake, and they and they did it because we also had Matt Murdock's story. We also had like what Foggy's up to and they handled that great. Like um 
you know, uh, Foggy's character kind of goes on an interesting journey here, and that really got me excited. And then, um, you know, even Karen, even Karen was really good. And then the introduction of uh, Agent Nadim, I was just like, I really like this guy. I really, oh man, it's so good. Matt, is this something, have I kind of like excited you to kind of finish the season and to kind of like do a deep dive into it now? Oh, definitely. Definitely. It will be on my morning watch list from now on until it's finished. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, I will tell everybody like at least, at least finish episode four and then make up your mind. Give it the four episodes and then, and then go from there. Yeah. I mean, that was the, that's the only thing I would say is that with Defenders is, is the, the only story throughout Defenders that you should be interested in is what's happened to, to Matt Murdock, obviously, because where yeah. season three picks up is directly after season, uh, the first season of Defenders. Um, and his state of mind at that time yeah. is obviously reflected in the previous series. So, but the re, as I say, the recap does a really fucking good job of just filling you in on everything you need to know and throwing you straight back into it. I agree. And it's, it's one of those things for me when, when I did watch Defenders and I did kind of talk about it on a past episode. Anything good I said about Defenders was about Charlie Cox and the way... Yep, mostly. Yes. I mean, he... Like, anything good out of Defenders was Charlie Cox and was Daredevil, so... Yep. In my opinion. And, you know, I guess it, it was nice to see Danny and, and Luke Cage together, but for the most part, it was it was definitely... It was definitely Charlie Cox. Um, let's... So, yeah... Guys, watch Daredevil season three. Do yourself a favor, watch it. It just have a great time. I had a blast. I really did. So watch it. Um, our listeners definitely should. Uh, if you're waiting to hear my review and what I thought about it, yes, 100%. Watch this. Um, let's take a quick back, uh, quick break. Yeah, let's take a quick back. <laughs> All right, whatever that is. Oh no, let's take sounds a sounds good. Sounds yeah. kind of pervy in a way. Right? I could use a new back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Jake, man, you're killing me. Yeah, Jake. Oh, Jake, man. It, so, uh, yeah, we don't need to get into that. Yeah, we'll bring it up later or something. Yeah. All right, let's take let's take a let's take a quick break so I can learn how to speak again, and um, <laughs> we'll be back and we'll uh, jump into good pop, bad pop. Back. It is now time for Good Pop, Bad Pop. It's time for more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. 
The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. All right, first thing I want to say is uh, next week, I'm not going to, I can't review it this week, I haven't seen it. Gotten some requests to watch uh, the new uh, um, Netflix film, The Apostle, and uh, it stars Dan Stevens from Legion. It's directed by Gareth Evans. He's the director for both Raid films, and uh, with all the new stuff coming out, I just did not have a chance to see it this week. It is something that is on my radar, and I'm definitely going to listen to it. If you do want to listen to a review... Uh, check out uh, Dan Ramirez, our buddy over there at Heroes of Noise. He does talk about it on episode 39 of his podcast, so check that out. But next week, I will have watched it, hopefully, and I will talk about it. Uh, I did want to say I finished The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix. Have either of you guys started this one? I watched the first episode. I have not watched any of it. Oh, my God. Finish it. It is so fucking good. Yeah, I, I really liked what I saw, honestly. Um, it definitely was one of those shows that like requires all my attention, though, which is why I didn't move on to the next episode. I was kind of multitasking. But um, it definitely, like, after about 15 minutes in, I was just freaking glued to it. Yeah. And I definitely need to continue watching this. How many episodes is this thing? It's 10 episodes, and my God, it is so fantastic. Uh, things really take a huge shift in episode five. It's a very much a kind of like a study, a character study of all these, you know, people in this family that lived at the Hill House and it's not a traditional horror. Um, <laughs> it is a Tupperware. I absolutely love this one. I, I finished it uh, before I started Daredevil. I talked about it last week and how much I really loved it. I was five episodes in at that time. And I've uh, finished the uh, latter five, and it is so good. So if you haven't started The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix, definitely start it and finish it. It is so good. And, um, yeah, it's... It seems really smart. Like, um, it seems like it really takes advantage of the fact that it's a TV series rather than a horror movie and is able to, like, do a lot more deep dives into, you know, backgrounds to make things even more scarier. Like, I, I, I wish more we'd get more horror series like in this vein, you know, that instead of just trying to be a 10 hour long jump scare movie, that it was actually like doing more stuff with that time. Cause it seems like they're just going to be all over the place as far as like bouncing around in time in yeah. the series. Yeah. It's, it's definitely kind of like a, a puzzle that they give you pieces of the puzzle when they want to give them to you. And, um, <laughs> it's, it's very satisfying. I, I had uh, a lot of fun watching this one. And if you're scared of, like, horror stuff, like, yeah, it, in some ways it is a horror, but in a lot of ways it's 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 a family drama. So I, I'd say it's a family drama first, and they just happen to be – it revolves around what happens, um, the supernatural shit that happens in this house. So it, it is getting a lot of press for how scary it is, though. I'm seeing lots of clickbait articles that are, like – People passing out when they watch this show and wow. people getting sick yeah. when they watch Haunted House on the Hill. I know. That's why my mom, uh, The Haunting of Hill House, not The, ha- the House of Oh, my bad. No, it's fine. Uh, um, 
my mom won't start it because she's heard those stories. And it's like, I think she would really like it if she actually just gave it a shot. So yeah, definitely check it out uh, on Netflix, The Haunting of Hill House. Uh, next thing I want to talk about real quick is I watched Camping on HBO. Uh, a man's camping trip with his wife and, his, and friends spirals out of control. It's the U.S. adaptation of the British series Camping. Matt, have you ever watched Camping? Not that I know of. Okay, yeah, this stars Jennifer Garner, David Tennant, Brett Gelman, and Juliette Lewis. It's on HBO, and um, I it has a lot of promise. I, I think I'm worried about this one getting canceled before it really gets going, and we've seen a lot of these. We've seen some of these, like, UK to US adaptations get canceled, like Coupling got canceled here, and that went on for a few seasons over in the UK, but we've seen, like, other shows like The Office kind of thrive, and um, you've got Jennifer Garner. She's very neurotic and very orderly, and she's thrown into like this camping, uh, <laughs> camping scenario here with people that are very disorderly and um, you know kind of out of control. And and I, it has its moments. There's this lesbian couple that runs the campsite. They are absolutely hilarious. And, of course, Brett Gelman. I love him. I think Brett Gelman's great. We didn't get a lot of him in this episode, but what we did get of Brett Gelman was absolutely fantastic, and I loved it. So this one I'm going to give a high taste it to. I don't know if it's – I'm going to give it high taste it. I enjoyed it. I, I see some people watching this and dropping off after the first episode, and I think it really has to get going before you really see where this goes. But um, David Tennant's good. Uh, Jennifer Garner. Her character is a lot to handle in this episode, but man, I, I'm going to keep watching Camping on HBO. It's not my favorite, but I think this could be, I think this could turn into something really special. It's only one episode right now, so yeah. Mm, yeah, hard to tell by a pilot, right? A lot, it could get a lot more funny in the next episode. Yeah. Uh, next thing I want to talk about is something that I asked you guys to watch. Uh, Jake, I know you watched it, Matt. I hope you did. It's uh it's an 18 minute short film called Souls of Totality and it's uh free to watch on Vimeo and I got to thank my buddy Daniel he texted me about this he actually saw this at a uh film festival Cinequest and he said that I have to see this and it was going to drop on Vimeo and so it dropped it's directed by Richard Raymond He's a director from London, England. He's around our age as well. He was born in 77, and it's written by Kate Treffrey and Ben Balea. And this was uh, actually filmed during – I don't want to get into spoilers on this one because I, it's 18 minutes. I don't want to – I just kind of like want to get your guys' thoughts on this one. Matt, did you get a chance to watch this? Yes, I did. And it was filmed during the actual solar eclipse that happened here in America. And uh, it stars Emmy Award winner Tatiana Maslany from Orphan Black. And then Tom Colon, who was in Black Mirror. He was also in um, uh, Downton Abbey. And uh, Souls of Totality is a love story about the intensity of a looming moment that can change everything. And I don't want to spoil a lot, like I said, but before I kind of like get into it a little bit, what did you guys think of this one, Matt? Um, I thought this was really, I, mean, I enjoyed it, but it was really strange. Um, the, the subject matter was a bit 
uh, a bit of an odd one for for me to take as a Brit because it's not really the sort of thing. We don't have a lot of that kind of stuff going on over here that I know of, um, without spoiling anything. Um, it was shot beautifully. The acting was great, and the the story was compelling. It was just a bit. It was a bit. Um, almost a bit uncomfortable at certain points, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. What did you think, Jake? Um, oh no, go ahead, uh, Matt. Go ahead. No, yeah. no, no, no. That was it. That was it. That okay. Was it. I was pretty blown away by this, to be honest with you. I, are we rating this thing? Yeah, go ahead and rate it. I, I'm going to give this thing a Tupperware. I it was pretty astounding for me. Um, I don't even know what is and isn't spoiler, so I'll try to be really vague here, but. Um, it's a subject matter we've talked about from other shows a few times here. I think it's something that I know it definitely interests you, Brian, this subject matter. Yeah. And this was a really different portrayal of it and from kind of a totally different place. And that combined with the acting from Tatiana was just blew me away. And just like the money shot, like the, the, the fact that they did this during the eclipse and what they were able to do with that was just really blew me away like this must have taken a lot of pre-planning just like the technical feat of it all blew me away and and that's not all like it every piece of it the performances the sound the, the shots they were able to get with such a limited time and setup like i would honestly watch like a half an hour documentary about the setup and making up this movie if that was available yeah i'm going to talk a little bit about how this was planned and everything here in a moment but i also got to give like uh a little bit of credit here to the cinematographer on this. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm going to butcher your name here, but um, Yaren Blaschke was the cinematographer on this. And it was just beautifully shot, the entire thing. And I made sure, you know, Daniel told me, he's like, don't watch this on your phone. He's like, watch this on a, you know, watch this on something bigger than your your phone screen. I'm glad I did. I, I Like I talked about last week, I purchased a Roku and uh, I watched, I downloaded the Vimeo app on my Roku and watched Souls of Totality there. And God, it's just beautifully shot. Matt, what what are you going to rate this? Um, I would probably give it a high taste it. That may go up if I watch it again. Um, I I didn't watch it on a phone, but I watched it on my iPad. So I'm, I might try and put it up onto the TV and watch it again. Um that makes sense to me. I, I like, like you said, the subject matter is not as like as home for you as it no, is ex- for exactly. us. It's not. It's not as close to home. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, I agree with everything you're saying. There, there's not a lot that would would stop me from tipping it to a to a Tupperware very easily. The reason I'm kind of like, um, I, 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 I was so emotionally invested in this, and it was only 18 minutes, and by the end of it, I. I was literally tearing up at the end of this. Agreed. And it was, oh God, it was just so beautiful. What a beautiful story in 18 minutes that was told. And Jake, this is going to blow you away. It was shot in Oregon. And I found out that the whole thing was planned in four weeks. Wow. Yeah. All the pre-production was four weeks? Yes. It was, this was originally just supposed to be a family trip. Um, the director, um, Richard Raymond. It was about, it was going to be a family trip, and 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 they were just going to watch the eclipse there in Oregon, and then it just kind of turned into this production. Um, Raymond was quoted as saying, "I suddenly had an epiphany at dinner: an eclipse, actors, writers, and I'm a director. We should make a film." 
the problem was it was only four weeks until the eclipse, and we had no story or script, no money, no crew, and no equipment. We were at the mercy of an impending deadline set by the universe. <laughs> I love that. That yeah, I like it too. That he's a creator, and he saw an opportunity here, and he didn't know what he was going to do with the eclipse. That's what it started with. It started with an actual like an, an event that was actually going to happen by from nature, and like that's what inspired this amazing, beautiful story that I watched play out on my screen. And um, yeah. so sorry, family, we're not going to Disney World now. We got four weeks <laughs> until well, they, the eclipse is here. They had planned this trip to Oregon. It was just like it, the family trip just kind of turned into a production, and I it, it's just incredible because and 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 my buddy Daniel he was like gushing over the the tracking shot that is timed with the eclipse and like how perfect it really was and how it went from like yes full yeah, that was incredible it went from full sun then to darkness and then back to full sun and you get it in one complete shot and like this is like this isn't something that you can fix in post with special effects and if you if you then did if you did fix it in post that you've compromised like the whole thing like and if one person messes up, then it's over and you won't get another shot at this. So it, it all comes down to like the, the direction. It comes down to the actors doing what the actors can do to get this done correctly. It comes down to the director. Everything is all kind of dependent upon them. Um, the stories come yeah. out. The story, uh, that shot yeah. though. I mean, like I refer to it as the money shot. It's it, not only is it the cinematography, but the fact that both actors had to freaking one go at that too yeah. it just blew me away. I know we're not like giving away spoilers on this, but I think that that's the best way to watch this. And if you have 18 minutes to spare and to get onto Vimeo and watch this, I think you should. This is really cool that like this started as like, um, a family trip about an, uh, going to see, catch an eclipse in Oregon. And then all of a sudden it actually turned into what we see here. And it's like, you've got a director with a vision here and he didn't even know what that vision was to begin with but he capitalized on it and he and he did it and so cool and it's like you could say oh it's a gimmick but it's really not it's it's inspiration it's like it's creating something from i, w- I don't want to say nothing it's creating something from something actually happening and it's like it's it makes that eclipse even that much more memorable to them and then it's something that I won't ever forget. Like I will never forget this. This is such a cool fucking short film. I loved it. And I've actually I'm gonna post the link to the film in our show notes so you'll be able to watch it from there if you need help. But yeah, I tell yeah, it was pretty it was pretty easy to find um because I, I actually you sent me the link, Brian, and I tried to um mirror it from your link to my TV, but because you sent me the link in Facebook, it wouldn't let me do that. And so it was like a five-second Google, and I found it all over the place. Yeah. So our listeners, but that's great. You're going to post it too. Yeah, I'll post it just so you have the link and you know where to find it. But a, a I, reminder to watch it. Yeah, it's a Tupperware. It is so good, and like I am, I'm literally tearing up at the end of this thing. It was so good. It was so well done. It's crazy. And this uh, this director has now been lined up to like do other projects now, and like this one, like a shit ton of. Uh, awards at different like uh film festivals and stuff so 
pretty awesome. Um, I'm gonna. Yeah, pa- I saw all the like stuff on the poster. It had a little like yeah. crowns and leaves all over. It looked like it won like three or four different short film awards. Yeah, again, that's uh, Souls of Totality. You can watch it for free on Vimeo. And uh, I'm jealous of Daniel because he got to watch it. I'm sure on a big screen. <laughs> so, you know, I'm watching it on my 40 inch LCD. But anyway, uh, I'm gonna pass it off to one of you guys, Jake. What do you have? Um, I wasn't. I didn't get to show up last week, so I didn't get a chance to talk about a Star Wars Born. So I kind of briefly wanted to touch upon what I thought about that. Yeah. Um, I, I assume you guys reviewed it last week. I talked about it last week. I saw it. I'm actually gonna go see it again tomorrow. Nice, nice. I um. Um, just a little precursor to talking about it. I, I'm a big fan of like Lady Gaga's music, and I actually listened to the soundtrack about two weeks before the movie came out, just because I was. And normally, I try not to do that kind of thing with movies, but I was just excited and wanted to hear the music. Yeah, and I was actually um really nonplussed by the soundtrack. Like I, I listened to it, and I actually listened to it twice. I was like, that really didn't do anything for me. And before listening to that. This was probably one of my most anticipated movies of the year. And it kind of like the soundtrack kind of put me in a mode where it's like, okay, I still want to see this movie, but I know not to get as excited or hyped for it as I kind of thought I should be. And oh, wow. Like it was a complete 180 after seeing this movie. Um, I Tupperware this movie. And it was just, it was a case of if you're hearing the music and the songs without any of the context of the lyrics and the emotions and the story behind the songs, they really just don't hold as much weight. At least that was the case for me. I mean, to each their own, but after seeing the movie, like the weight and the context of the songs, like it's almost like I'm listening to a completely different album. Now when I listen to that soundtrack, it's so crazy. I'll never make that kind of mistake with this kind of movie again, but I mean, Oh, the performances were so crazy. I just did not expect, like, Gaga to be able to, like, turn in that kind of, like, emotional performance on screen like this. I mean, I know we'd seen the American Horror Story stuff, but I actually, and I know she was, you know, critics really ate that up, but I was personally not that big of a fan and didn't see much of a difference between her persona there and what we'd seen on MTV music videos, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Bradley Cooper was amazing yeah. um, for this being his like, directorial debut. He just blew me away. Um, I told Michelle after this movie was over, I wish I could talk as cool as Bradley Cooper for the rest of my life as he, the way he talked in this movie. Like, it was crazy. Like, he was so mumble mouth, but you never needed subtitles. You understood every word. Like, oh, man, well, and it, he it sounded, was crazy. His, he sounded just like his brother in this movie, Sam Elliott. Yeah, yeah. And that brings me to the supporting cast just fucking blew me away. Yeah. Um, oh man, it was great seeing Dice and his performance in this. I, it was a little small role and everything, but he was so great and just brought so much charm to the story and like levity for the stuff that was going to happen, like in the latter half. And, you know, relationships always, a relationship movie is going to have some up and downs and this movie definitely has that. So, um, yeah, I, I, I freaking loved this movie. I can't wait to see it a second time. I can't wait to own it. It's one of those movies that I'll probably watch like once a week for the first couple of months that I own. Uh, it's It was definitely one of my favorite movies of the year, and I just absolutely loved it. Um, what did you think of it, Brian? Did you Tupperware? I gave it a Tupperware. Yeah, I loved it. I, uh, I'm... Man, I sound like a huge pussy this episode because I'm crying at every fucking thing, but like I was fighting back tears watching this movie. Yeah, it was incredible. I, I thought like um, the whole movie was great, but like man, the first thirty minutes was was pure movie magic to me. Like from yeah. the moment it started to the scene when they're in the parking lot at the grocery store, I just yeah. thought that was one of the most incredible scenes I'd seen in any movie. Like, and I 
one of the most believable scenes of two people getting to know each other and falling in love was that grocery store parking lot scene. And yeah. just like talking about it gives me the shakes. Like it was just so incredible to me. I, I just did not expect like to be welled with that much emotion in the beginning of the movie even. Yeah. You know? Well, I so. think, I think in my opinion, I think the first two thirds of the movie are better than like the last third. So I agree with that. I agree with that. And, but I mean, that's by design, you know, I mean, I think you're, I, I, I just leave it alone, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's what an incredible fucking movie. Just absolutely amazing. I cannot wait to see what Bradley Cooper decides to pick up next and do next. Yeah. Um, it, it's also hard not to want Bradley and Gaga to do something together again because their chemistry was just amazing. Like it like oozed from the fucking screen. Yeah, there's no reason why they shouldn't try to work on another project together again. I mean, and this is this role suits them so much, I think. Like, you know, with her being like a big pop star the way she is, you know, I and for Bradley yeah. Cooper to be able to sing the way he does, like, and I know that Gaga gave him like singing lessons throughout this whole thing and like really helped him and so I, it's he also worked a lot with um Willie Nelson's son, and you said you're seeing it again tomorrow, Brian. Yeah, I'm seeing it again tomorrow. He's very visible in a ton of scenes in the movie, and looks just like a young twenty something year old Willie Nelson. It's almost freaky if you pick him out and start looking for him. Wow! But he he worked with both Gaga and Bradley Cooper during the making of this movie. Um, she actually like toured with him for a few months and did backing vocals on his newest album. That and took no credit for him. Like you didn't find that out until later. And if you listen to this stuff as a Gaga fan, you'll be disappointed because it's the pure essence of backing vocals. You know, it's just yeah. recording a dub track and playing it over. Like you wouldn't even know it was her unless someone told you. But yeah, I found that really cool. Um, and like I said, keep an eye out for him on screen, and you'll kind of be wowed by it. It's just it looks like Willie Nelson is like Benjamin Button. Oh wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I'll check that out. Do you know who the uh limo driver was no no greg grunberg oh yeah oh i did notice that i didn't notice until he um there was the scene where he came to the door to get her yeah and then and then i was like oh my gosh it's freaking greg grunberg yeah it's uh snap wexley <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of the most memorable episode seven characters <laughs> I got, I got, I, I, he's, the, uh, he's the pilot from Lost, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big J.J. Uh, Abrams guy. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I tell where the fuck out of this. Dave Chappelle was great when he showed up as well. Oh, Dave Chappelle was great. Yeah, just all the little notches. Um, man, and the time just flew by watching this movie. I, I didn't even realize that it was as long as it was until I saw the time, like, when it was over. I was just so soaked into this movie almost more than anything else i've seen this year yeah it's uh it's gonna come i mean this week it'll come in at number three so yeah fucking venom will come in at number two and then of course halloween's gonna come in at number one that's just like killing the box office right now first man i saw last week and like that's probably not gonna make its money back unfortunately <laughs> No, that seems like a giant flop, and they spent a ton of money on it. Well, and it's a great movie, too. It's really good. It's really fucking good. Yeah, I, from what I've heard, it's a little bit of the bait-and-switch is the problem, right? They People are expecting the grand space adventure, yeah, but it's really more of a personal journey of Neil's yeah, life. Yeah, it's like people are expecting Apollo 13, you know, and it's like you didn't get that. So, I don't know. I, I still loved it. I thought it was great. 
Nice. That was a Tupperware for you? Yeah. First man? It's definitely, definitely a Tupperware. Claire Foy's great. Ryan Gosling's great. Um, the, you know, one, uh, spoilers, once it gets to the fucking moon, it, it's, it's amazing. So good. I really, really enjoyed First Man. That's one I I didn't get to see it in IMAX, and that's one that I want to go back and I want to see it in the IMAX. And I heard that they only filmed the only IMAX scenes that they filmed in it was when he hit the moon. Oh, that's interesting. I kind of like that technique in that way, though. Sure. Like that's kind of it. Yeah. Kind of gives it that otherworldly, like something you know different that has never been done before is happening. Yeah. That's an interesting way to do the transition to IMAX and back. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more like nuanced than like some of the other, you know, well, sure. we're just going to switch aspect ratios anytime it's an action scene. Yeah, big action scene, and then we get the IMAX. This is like. You've been watching this whole movie, and then it kind of like opens up when you're actually on the moon. So, yeah, a little bit of the Wizard of Oz effect, right? When it yeah. when it turns color when you enter Oz in, in that way. It's fucking October. Halloween's coming up, you sons of bitches. So that's why I've been watching a lot of horror movies, trying to watch horror movies in the theater. So I wanted to catch Hellfest before it left the theater. This is one that I was actually anticipating. Uh, a masked serial killer turns a horror themed amusement park into his own personal playground terrorizing a group of friends while the rest of the patrons believe that it is all part of the show it's directed by gregory plotkin um he uh he's worked on other movies he worked on happy death day uh he worked on get out he didn't direct those but he did direct a movie called the ghost dimension which i have not seen uh this one stars rain edwards uh bex taylor klaus and uh she's really great in this movie she's really fun she's got tons of energy and i found out that she's the voice of pidge in the netflix voltron series so um Hmm. that would make sense someone with that much energy you know being a great voice actor are we ever gonna get that live action voltron movie they were talking about um i don't know i feel like movies like that haven't made enough huge box office for the needle to move fast enough on that yeah it's like yeah we saw pacific rim have a really hard time in the box office yeah that feels like a litmus test right like the people behind spending the money on voltron probably see stuff like that and get discouraged yeah but we also got transformers which like came out of the gates you know just what what are you thinking matt you you want a live action voltron um yeah i'd be up for it i think if i do it they do it justice, do it right, and don't try and Michael Bay it up. I think, yeah. yeah, why not? It would have to be a bit campy to work. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't. You don't want them to Michael Bay it up, but you want but, it campy. Well, yeah, but it, campy in the in the way that it still looks like the cartoon does, like it's like a sort of nineteen seventy, late seventies animation kind of. Okay, I thought you aesthetically don't want them to Michael Bay it up. No, 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 no. I don't want stupid explosions. <laughs> I want it to look like it should look. Well, you know, the and same then, as we want. We're getting with our Bumblebee movie. Hopefully, that it's going to look and be like yeah. we've always wanted the adaptations to be on the big screen. Yeah. Um, it's too bad we can't do one of these live action mech dramas as like a series on like a big network, right? I feel like. I feel like we've seen the two-hour version of this kind of thing so many times that to actually give a little bit more character to, and then to have the big destruction stuff would work really well on yeah, like a grander I mean, scale. But just, just so much money to spend, right? They're, they're, like an HBO, like Robotech live-action yeah. series. 
I mean, I the only I could see like Amazon possibly doing something like this and like breaking the bank to do it, but you know, like I don't know. Also, I don't know who owns the TV rights to Voltron. The property's been around for so long. I would imagine that TV rights land somewhere. Yeah, I'm just thinking like much like Game of Thrones kind of made it mainstream for people to enjoy a fantasy genre. I, I think the mech like city destruction genre could use a, a boost in that way. Yeah, well, I, I I don't know if American audience really care for it, right? Yeah, that's true. But like I said, that that's where you that's where you kind of change the game and like alter the genre, right, and make it more like it's it's not just the the spectacle of it all like you actually have because it's a series you can have in-depth characters honestly i i I think what's scaring studios off from doing a voltron live action movie is the performance of the last live action power rangers film oh that's a that's a great point that's a great point like it barely even knew whether or not it was going to be able to have a sequel yeah yeah uh this movie also stars amy forsyth uh she's from season two of channel zero which is a show I keep hearing great things about Channel Zero, and I, I need to fucking watch this. I keep hearing amazing reviews about Channel Zero. It's a sci-fi original, and people are just saying it is great. And I'm not just talking like regular people. I'm talking like actual critics say, like, you need to be watching Channel Zero. It's really good. Uh, Tony Todd, our Candyman, is also plays like a, a bit cameo role in Hellfest. But... Um, this was one that I was wanting to watch. I was kind of like, I saw the trailer for it. It looked fun. You know, it's Halloween, man. Let's get into the fucking Halloween spirit and shit and watch some fucking horror movies. And um, I will say this. This movie, it's fun. Um, you've got characters being stalked by a real killer in this kind of like haunted house entertainment uh, amusement park environment. And uh, they talk about these stories that they've heard about, you know, um about uh, a, a real killer loose within a haunted house, this traveling haunted house, uh, before they heard like a woman had been killed. And for three days, people at the haunted house didn't know that uh, this woman was a dead body, a real dead body. They thought that she was a prop. God, that's creepy as fuck. And so, yeah, I like, I will say this, like I had fun. It is fun. Um, it's it's a slasher film. It's just a slasher film. You get like, you know, and it's not as great as like, you know, of course, like Scream and like other slasher films that we've seen in the past. And I was upset. Like one of the most likable characters kind of dies at the beginning as well. And I was like, oh, oh man, that sucks. But it's it, it, the ending of this movie is actually pretty fun, too. And it definitely sets up for, like, multiple sequels going forward. I'm going to give this one a taste it. I, I do think that um, this is something that you should watch. If it comes out on Netflix or HBO or something like that, definitely watch it. I'm not saying you have to see it in the theater, but it's. It, it, I think it is a fun, maybe a fun date movie. Like, you know, if you want to just see a fun date movie. It's not the best, though. I thought that this could have been executed a lot better. I'm going to give it a taste it though. It's a fun concept. Um, it's just not on a level of like Wes Craven scream, which I think like if you get like a, you know, you know, rest in peace, Wes Craven. But if you did have like Wes Craven involved in this project, it really could have been something amazing, but it only cost five and a half million dollars. And over the first weekend, I believe it made like 10 million. So it's doubled its Mm. profits. So, and then they did like this promotional 
thing for the film where the production team, they actually designed a walkthrough haunted, ha- haunted house experience um, that you could check out if you were at uh, one of three Six Flags. L.A., St. Louis, and Chicago. They did a they did a haunted house that was kind of like Hellfest. Um, and Where they put a real dead body in there? Yeah, they put a real dead body in there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, they got sanitary. After three days, it starts to smell. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I you know I was thinking like. You know how like movies come out in theaters and like later we get like the unrated cut of the movie? Yes. What if a horror movie was also filmed as like a rom-com where like the killer like either doesn't show up or just like makes like a silly mistake at the beginning of the movie and dies or maybe he has like a brain aneurysm and dies and then the rest of the movie plays out the way it starts like a rom-com and we get like a rom-com edition of a horror film. I think this is kind of genius, actually. I like the idea of it being a rom-com, but when it becomes the unrated cut, it, it's a horror movie that you never knew existed. <laughs> like, you, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like, so it's like, that well edited together. Yeah. So, like, the flip of what I just said, kind of. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We're like, um, you don't find out until the home video release and the unrated, uncut version comes out that there's this other, like, slasher film subplot that was happening the entire movie during ah. the, the touching rom-com yeah i like both because like in this one like one of my favorite characters kind of died and like what sets up like a fun romance is like ended prematurely here and so and so it's like i kind of wanted i was thinking to myself man i kind of wanted to see how this movie would play out if they just went through the haunted house and they fell in love <laughs> oh i got i know it's, i get that way with movies like you like a character so much like even when you're watching yeah. the movie the second time you're like come on yeah but i like what you're saying too like if you go see like the newest like i don't know the newest fucking uh I'm trying to think who does a lot Jennifer of Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, maybe like a Jennifer Lopez thing where she Oh, it, it like yeah, it's a movie she comes out with and it's called Second Try and she like she like her husband's she finds out her husband's been cheating on her and so now it's like she's getting that second try. She's going to fall in love again and meet a new man. Or Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah, Reese, this plot is perfect. I Reese, see where you're yes. going with the twist. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. And you go to the movie and you actually just watch the rom-com, right? Yeah. But, like, they have, like, the slasher edition where, like, by the end of it, like, her love interest is killed and, like, a lot of her friends that are, like, the, you know, comic relief within the film also get killed. That would be yeah, – we're- I like that, Jake. I, I love it. I like the, I like your plot too, where it's like you leave out the part where the person that she's not with anymore is like the slasher villain. Yeah. Oh fuck me! What a twist. <laughs> <laughs> so what you saw was like you know them having you know the ending was okay, yeah. but what you don't realize was all the fucking shit they had to go through to fucking even get married. Right. Oh my god, so. they should be doing this, Jake. What do you think, Matt? You think we're onto something here where like instead of an unrated version, like you get a completely different movie when it comes to like home release? Yeah, it could be fun. Could be could, could you go back and do it with old rom coms and sleepless in Seattle? <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. Sleepless in like, Seattle. Like a Forrest Gump horror technique there. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Start editing in like slasher films into old rom coms. Serendipity and <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I like it other ways too. Like the movie is a scary slasher film, but then the unrated cut comes out and it's like a slapstick comedy now. 
Or like, oh, like we get a new Ghostbusters, but like we find out like these guys are all like there's no ghosts and they're just suffering from mental illness. Oh man, <laughs> right? And that's dark. I like it. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I kind of like it, man. I think we're onto something here. Um, I, I I went and saw I went and saw quite a few movies this week. I want to talk about one more, and then I want to jump over to Matt and see what Matt's got for us. But uh, yesterday, this is a movie I've really been looking forward to. It's called The Sisters Brothers. Have you guys seen trailers for this one? Yeah, yeah. I, I know of this movie. No, I haven't seen anything about it apart from the uh, the poster you put up on the wall. Okay, yeah. Uh, it's based on Patrick DeWitt's novel. The Sisters Brothers revolves around the colorfully named gold prospector Herman Kermit Warm, who's being pursued across 1,000 miles of 1850s Oregon desert to San Francisco by the notorious assassins Eli and Charlie Sisters. So it's two brothers, Eli and Charlie, and so they're called the Sisters Brothers. Except Eli is having a personal crisis and beginning to doubt the longevity of his chosen career, and Herman might have a uh, might have a better offer. Uh, it's directed by Jacques Audiard. Um, he's directed uh, some other movies I have not seen: uh, Deepon and Rusted Bone. Uh, this movie stars John C. Riley, Joaquin Phoenix, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Riz Ahmed. And um, this is a kind of like a. It's set in the 1850s. It's like got that Western feel to it. And I, I didn't. I honestly, the trailers did not mislead me. It's basically, I think, I guess, like in my head, I had like constructed like what I thought the movie was going to be about. And this movie, like it, it, it takes so many different turns, and it's not what I thought it was going to be. Um. First off, I'm going to say, like, the setting is absolutely amazing. Like, in Oregon, like, you get to see these beautiful, like, vistas of mountains. It's so beautiful to look at. And the production, the guys who did the production, the production designers on this did such a great job. Like, when you watch, like, like westerns and stuff like that, Jake, Matt, like, you know, like, you're going to go to, like, that western town that looks like the western town, Right. Oh, yeah. Like the, the classic yeah, trophy spaghetti western feel. Yeah. This takes you, though, like you get that in this movie. I'm not going to lie. You get that in this movie. You get like those towns. Like you get like these beautiful vistas of like Oregon and like trees and like, you know, fucking mountains and shit. But like when they get into town, it's like kind of like dark and dreary and there's like horse shit on the ground and all this stuff. It just doesn't look as like appealing. But this movie takes you to like 1850 San Francisco. And my God. Just for like that shit, it is so cool to see 1850 San Francisco. I would have loved to spend more time there. They uh, they go to this town called Mayfield and like they 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 steal a bunch of money and they go to they go to 1850 San Francisco and so they put themselves up in like this hotel there, which is like the state of the art like luxury hotel at the time, and they go to this room. This place is just it's lit by candlelight. They fucking go to their room. It's a beautiful room, very decorative. And then John C. Riley's character goes into like the bathroom and there's like this um it's like a toilet and you can pull this chain down and he pulls the chain down and it flushes the toilet and he, he yells at his brother to get in there, Joaquin Phoenix, to check this out because he's never seen a, a toilet flush. 
And it's just scenes like that that are so fun and so cool about this movie that I think, like, it's underappreciated. Because, like, first off, I'm going to tell you, this movie's a Tupperware. The story's fucking fantastic. But they put so much detail into this, too. Like, they go to this general store, and John C. Riley's character, like, buys a toothbrush and this powder, and it's basically, like the first toothbrush and toothpaste that has ever come out. And what's so funny about this scene is like when he gets it and he goes to brush his teeth for the first time, it comes with an instruction manual and he's reading about how to brush his teeth. <laughs> and it's so funny in that way. But this movie's also very dark. It has moments of like comedy, but it's also very dark. You have two brothers that work for like the Commodore in Oregon and he gives them these like kind of, they're kind of like bounty hunters they and sl- bounty hunters slash assassins and Jake Gyllenhaal's character kind of like plays a detective and their target is Riz Ahmed's character the commodore wants Riz Ahmed's character for a certain reason and it's to benefit the commodore and so they're supposed to hunt down the commodore well Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of like the detective slash tracker that finds him and then John C Riley and Joaquin Phoenix, the sister's brothers, they are there to kind of like extract information out of him by any means possible. And so it's like this long journey that takes place in Oregon and goes to San Francisco. And um, these guys are pretty fucking brutal. They're crack shots when it comes to their guns. They're brothers, so they love each other. But they're very different. You've got like Joaquin Phoenix's character who's a very brutal man. And he'll do anything to like put himself ahead and, and, um, he's very brutal. He'll kill. But you have Joaquin, you have, um, John C. Riley's character. John C. Riley, fucking, his performance in this, I thought Joaquin Phoenix was great, but John C. Riley is fucking amazing in this movie. His character is so fucking layered and so awesome. You have this guy who's like a killer, but on the flip side has a very, like sweet soft core he's very emotional and emotionally driven and soft and tender in these in in ways that are just strange for like someone in his line of work that goes around and pretty much is like tasked to kill people like the commodore tells him to kill somebody they kill him if you stole from the commodore these guys are going to come after you and they're going to kill you but he's he's such a tender and this oh my god I didn't know what to think about this movie like the first like 30 35 minutes going in and then after that I just fell in love with it I fell in love with everything about this movie I love this movie so much it's about it's a and there's also like a whole story about prospecting gold in this um Jake Gyllenhaal is fantastic in this movie Razan Med's character is great um, I love seeing all four of these guys on screen together. It is just a wonderfully put together cast. Um, you got to see the Sisters Brothers guys. Like if if you're not a big fan of westerns, this is. I think this. I think this might. This might be so different and something different that you've never seen before that you might love it. I'm trying to think of like any other movie that I could, it feels like it's a Coen Brothers movie, but it's not a Coen Brothers movie. I could see that from the trailers. It's got such a great cast. I'm surprised that they didn't spend a little bit more, a little bit more money uh, 
you know, getting the advertisement out for this thing. More marketing. Yeah. 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 It seems like, I don't know. It seems like this could have been a bigger hit than it was, but yeah. they kind of backed off, like really pushing it. It's uh it's a, well, here's the problem, Jake. It's, it, it's, it's Annapurna pictures and Annapurna pictures might be going out of business. They might be Annapurna pictures might not be anything anymore. Annapurna pictures is like, they're funded by a billionaire that, he just, this billionaire loves great movies. And the problem with that though is I, they need a big hit on their hands because as, as great as like these Annapurna pictures, indie films are, they're just not performing the way that they want them to be. And so mm, we, I see we might lose Annapurna pictures, which really sucks because <laughs> I love Annapurna pictures. They're so great. So, Hi, God damn it! I highly recommend this. It's so good. It is such a great movie, and it's so quirky and so good. Um, just like the, you learn a lot about these characters, and you're like these are these are brothers that you shouldn't like. You should be disgusted by these guys and like what they do. But by the end of the movie, you're just kind of like you kind of fall in love with these guys, even after all like the horrible things that they've done. It's such a great movie. I. I loved it so much. I love the sisters brothers. If you get, if, if it's in, you know, your city and you can watch this one, I highly recommend it. It is so good. What great performances. Riz Ahmed is amazing. I really loved his character. I loved seeing Riz Ahmed and Jake Gyllenhaal together in a movie working off of one another. And then just John C. Riley and Joaquin Phoenix. I was kind of like going, thinking to myself, like, I know John C. Riley can do dramatic. But I didn't think that John C. Riley would not only be able to hold his own against Joaquin Phoenix, but in my opinion, outperform the fuck out of Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. Oh, wow, that's a fucking daunting task. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, Jeez. Sisters Brothers. I give it a high, uh, not a high taste. I give it a Tupperware. I give it the. Uh, this is such a great movie, and just like I said, like you know, the production on this one, like 1850 San Francisco was so cool to look at. Jake, I, you don't see that in a lot of movies. They, they just take you to like these western towns where everything looks like it's a, there's a saloon and there's this. But like here you have like this bustling 1850 San Francisco. And I, I was just blown away by it, man. It was just so fucking cool. I was talking to my dad about this. My dad loves westerns. And I was like, dad, like they're showing you like 1850 San Francisco. And I'm just like – I'm telling him about like the toothbrush scene and and all that stuff and like him brushing his teeth for the first time and and I, it, I was just it was just so much fun the amount of like not only like uh, the great story but like the historical stuff here like yeah you people hadn't been brushing their fucking teeth you just had people with like fucking like rank ass breath making out with each other you know so <laughs> yeah i like how you're saying like they kind of connected to a lot of like the modern marvels of today's technology too like I, I like that aspect a lot that sounds really cool yeah it's just stuff that we take for granted now we're seeing like john c Riley like look at an instruction manual on how to brush his fucking teeth <laughs> and just being blown away by like fucking like a toilet flushing it was just so funny i just got a kick out of this movie so much so yeah, Matt, what do you got, dude? I have got very little, but um, what we have been watching is uh, Man in the High Castle Season 3. Oh, shit. Um, see, I see trailers for this all the time, 
and I have not started this. Now, did they start season four? No, the, the season three was dropped on the early October, so it's literally only just dropped. Um, and yeah, uh, so you haven't watched any of it either. No, of you. I know, I know, the, no. I know the premise. And the premise so, is absolutely amazing. I want you to talk yeah. about it. So, for everyone that hasn't hasn't watched any of this, it's it's based on a Philip K. Dick novel, uh, and it is the yeah in a dystopian America dominated by Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan, a young woman discovers a mysterious film that may hold the key to toppling the totalitarian regimes. So, it's a kind of it's a very very much an Elseworlds story of what would have happened if Nazis had won World War Two. And and how they portray this in the series is absolutely amazing. Um, you, the the way they 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 recreate sort of I mean it's set around sixty fifty sixties I think it is nineteen fifties nineteen sixties I can't remember the exact dates. Um, and and some of the sort of the buildings that they superimposed into cityscapes to show the Nazi buildings that they would have made and it's it's really really well done really great production values um the it, it's it's a bit slow that's my i mean i i do love watching this series it's 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 a tough way all the way through for me but i can't it's not something you can binge watch mm. um each episode's quite a slow burn there's a lot going on there's a lot of characters and um and some of it's quite hard to watch because it, it it was. It could have happened really easily. It, it could have been such a close call um, that we could be. We could have been in this situation. Um, but yeah, um, I mean, it's got. It's it's got a lot. Of, it's got a really massive cast. Um, Alexa Davalos, um, who you might know from Chronicles of Riddick, she played the the love interest in that. Um, Rufus Sowell. Uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name. Kari Haruku Tagawa. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm not going to do any more names because I'll just butcher them all. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, I definitely recommend it to anyone. It's a really good watch, but you can't really spoil a lot. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's, yeah. I don't really know what. No, it's, it's a tricky one. It's it's uh basically like the hook here is like if uh Germany won World War Two. Yeah, basically, yeah. It's what like, what it's, would our world be like? Yeah. And then, as I said, as, as the synopsis says, uh, these these films start um, appearing, which show our world and as as our world is as history as we know it, the viewer. So with with us dropping the bomb on Hiroshima, with winning you know winning World War Two and everything going continuing back to normal, they're finding these tapes from our world and it's starting uh, a chain of events in in their timeline that may or may not change their history. Wow. So it's it's really interesting and with. We're, we're three seasons in now, and we still don't really know what's going on. We've had some answers, and then we're getting more questions as well. It's kind of like watching Prometheus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you're getting a couple of couple of clues, and then and then they're taking it all away from you. But it's a really compelling watch, Shit. Um, and you really do care about all the characters a lot. God, I gotta watch this. I gotta watch. You this. really do. Yeah, they. Uh, when I go to. 
the movies, like sometimes before like movies start, even the movie trailers start, you know, Amazon, they, they kind of tout like their films. Um, mm. they buy ads, you know, before the movies and stuff like that. And they, of course they were like, you know, talking about Jack Ryan and everything, but like, this is one, this is an Amazon prime original that's been around for, you know, three seasons now. And they still are really promoting the show. And it's one that I haven't jumped on. And now I, it, it seems like within the last couple of weeks, I hear everybody talking about this show and it, this seems like how many episodes per season? Ten? I think it's ten per season. Um, there, yes. So we're twenty-two episodes so far, and they're dropping a new episode a week. I think at the moment. I gotta watch this. I gotta fucking start this. I really do. Yeah, I, I really would recommend. Oh, no, sorry, forty episodes we're up to. I like. So, I don't always mind a slow burn. I don't need things no. always kind of so, happening. Yeah. The only the only trouble we have is, is yes, it is a slow burn, but it, it, you can only really sort of watch the episodes feel a bit longer than fifty minutes ah. because there's so much going on, and you're kind of, you know, there's a lot of dialogue, a lot of hard watching, uh, but it is worth it. It really is worth worth slogging through a little bit. I think, and it, it's it's unfair to even call it a slog. Um, it's just it's just a slow, steady narrative. I get it. That I get draws it. You, through, yeah. you don't want to oversell it, but on the flip side, you're saying like you got to watch this. Yeah, yeah. I would definitely recommend it to anyone. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. This is based off the old Philip K. Dick, right? Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, this so is I haven't actually read, I haven't actually read the novel, so I don't know how the how it compares. Um, uh, it's got to be different material. for it to be four seasons long. I would think so. <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's, yeah. that's interesting. That makes me kind of want to see it now. I was uh, slightly interested when I first heard about it, but I am kind of fascinated as to what they did to um, milk this longer. And maybe not even milk is maybe the wrong word because, I mean, if they did it right, then it's it'll be seamless, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is the second Philip K. Dick thing that they're doing on Amazon, as far as I know. They, like, The Electric Dreams was, like, the other one, the oh, anthology. Oh, the anthology show. show? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. What else you got, Matt? You got anything else? Uh, the only other thing we've been watching is season three of The Good Place. Oh, shit, man. See, this is another thing I dropped off on. Everybody raves about The Good Place. Um, I would rave about the first season. I would say the second season is good, and the third season is kind of losing the way for me completely. Mm. It's it's not it's not toss it territory, but it's definitely gone down from the first season. I thought was a Tupperware, yeah, really good, really funny. Uh, again, if you don't know, it's about a group of people that die, go to essentially what is heaven, air quotes, um, where they're. The person that runs, so, so they're in heaven, there are individual little towns that people get assigned to, and the guy in charge of this town is Ted Danson, which automatically makes me really happy. Yeah. Um, and it stars Kirsten Bell, um, Ted Danson, as I said. And it leads you through the first season where she re- knows that she shouldn't be in heaven or in the good place because she is such a, a rotten, she's been such a rotten person for her life on earth. So it, it leads you right the way through with her trying to improve herself so that she doesn't get caught out for being in the good place. There's a really good twist at the end of season one, which I really don't want to spoil for anybody. And so we've now followed 
um, Christian Bell and three other characters who are relatively unknown actors. Um, I don't think they've done a lot that anyone would know of. Um, and we're now following them for reasons which... Uh, no, I'm not even going to spoil it for that. Now it's kind of gotten a little bit convoluted and... Yeah, it's really difficult to do it, to sort of say anything or sort of give you any clues without spoiling it. Um, but it, it's now it's starting to drop off, basically. Ah. As far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, it's it it's really not getting much better. It's all I believe it's all collected. Like the first two seasons uh, are all collected on Hulu for our uh, US listeners, so you can watch it on Hulu. I believe. Yeah, we've been watching it on Netflix. So. There you go. Um, season three is what's airing right now. Season three is what's airing right now. Okay. I would definitely watch the first season because it's really good, and I I never saw the twist coming at the end. Season two is good. Season three, at the moment, I would give it a low taste. It. Hey Matt, I got a question for you. Now that I'm thinking about it, has Titans yes, has Titans aired on Netflix for you guys yet? Not yet. Fuck, man, that's fucked up. I know. I think they're going to get it all at once, is what I heard. Really? Oh, don't say that. that yeah, sucks. I don't think you're going to get the week to week of it all. I think it, they're going to wait till it airs. I don't quote me on that, but I swear I've read that somewhere. Huh. So that means we have to wait until the what early part of next year. Yeah, yeah, I Ugh. think so. Oh, God, I hate the way I, I just. I, I honestly, I've I've said this before. I don't understand this you know, divided release dates on everything with the internet being what it is now, you're just asking for piracy. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's, and like yeah. uh, Aquaman is going to air, Aquaman is going to be shown in China two weeks before it fucking even hits the US. Oh, for God's sake. <clears throat> I don't get it. I really don't. Yeah, it's... Uh... Expected that when the show is finished airing in the U.S., all 11 episodes will be available to stream and download via Netflix in the U.K. Did Fans you? will have to wait yeah. until late December, early 2019. That's fucking bullshit. Yeah, that is bullshit. They should they should at least offer you the DC Universe streaming service. Yeah, which we can't get. Yeah, exactly. And so it's absolutely stupidity. And you're not going to get it because it seems like the deal has been worked out with Netflix. Yep. Yeah, if they, obviously, if they're making deals to stream it on Netflix, yeah. they're not anytime soon trying to let you pay seven ninety nine a month for it, which well, seems ridiculous. Seems like a lot of money to grab right there. The, the tra- yeah, exactly. Yeah, the trade-off is, though, that you don't have to pay for DC Universe. But on the flip side, you also don't get everything else that DC Universe has to offer as far as, like, you know, the limited comic content. But you also don't get to, like, watch, like, some of the old uh, – you know, uh, DC shows and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, even even the animated series in HD would be good. But right. yeah, I mean, the trouble is, is we, I mean, we, I know we've spoken about it with you before, Brian. Is is it's there's so many different fingers in different pies over here on what has distribution rights. Yeah, that it just gets so convoluted and people don't bother. Yeah. So I know Amazon does. Amazon's got the Batman animated series over here. Um, yeah, we got Netflix it. We got it here got too. Titans. We used to have yeah. it here too. The Amazon, uh, the the Batman and the Animes. Uh, I don't know if it's still on uh, Amazon here now that it's on DC Universe, but it it was for a while. Mm. It's crazy, yeah. but yeah, we just have to bite our bottom lip and suffer, unfortunately. 
So yeah, it sounds like uh, the good place. I've heard good things about it, but I didn't know anybody that was watching season three, and that's unfortunate that it's kind of slipping in it, uh, quality. It's still an enjoyable watch, yeah, because it's still Ted Danson and Kristen Bell, and I do love both of those actors. However, the story isn't keeping to what it was. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. Uh, At the moment, it might change. Do you have anything else? If you do, I do not, sir. Okay. Unfortunately, no sweat. I uh, I watch. I got two more movies that I want to talk about before we wrap. Good pop, bad pop. Uh, yes, uh, Thursday, guys. I did a uh, double feature. I, I went to Champaign, Illinois. I went to the art theater. I watched a movie, and then I went and uh, watched. Um, and then I <laughs> then I made a beeline to another theater and watched another film. But the first movie that I watched was The Old Man and the Gun. I saw the trailer for this one. It was it was basically, it was kind of like uh, touted as Robert Redford's final theatrical film appearance. And so I was like, man, and I saw the trailer, I was like, this looks really fucking good. Uh, it's based on the true story of Forrest Tucker, played by Robert Redford, from his audacious escape from San Quentin at the age of 70 to an unprecedented string of heists that confounded authorities and enchanted the public. Wrapped up in the pursuit are Detective John Hunt, played by Casey Affleck, who becomes captivated with Forrest's commitment to his craft, and a woman, Sissy Spacek, who loves him in spite of his chosen profession. Like I said, this is based on the true story. You've got a kind of like a career criminal here. This is a career bank robber. Uh, played by Robert Redford. Uh, this movie is directed by David Lowry. Uh, he was the director on the new Pete's Dragon film. Uh, like I said, it stars Robert Redford and uh, Casey Affleck, Sissy Spacex in this. Danny Glover's in this movie. Uh, Tom Waits is in this film. Keith Carradine gets fourth billing in the movie. He's in it for five seconds because they cut his scenes out. Uh, but they, like, the director said that he's gonna make it onto, like, the Blu-ray home release. So all of his scenes will make it there. I just thought it was so weird that he got fourth billing on this movie. Uh, John David Washington, um, Denzel Washington's son, who is also the star of Black Klansman, is in this movie, but he's barely in it, too. Um, it's based on a true story. You've got a guy here, this takes place in, like, the, um, the 70s? I believe, and he, it's he's a he's a bank robber, and he'll go in there. He wears like a little bit of a disguise, wears a hat, wears a mustache, goes into these banks, and is very friendly with the tellers and tells them that they've been robbed. And he'll compliment them and tells them that he hopes they have a great day. And they fill up his bag with cash and he leaves. And then he escapes, and the police can't find him, and and they don't have any idea who this guy is like and 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 uh in the meantime he starts up like this relationship with uh sissy spacex character and it's just a very charming movie i've never and, and this is based on a true story i really should have like looked it up to see like how this like separates itself from like the real story if there's like if they add any of that hollywood fucking bullshit in here just to you know make it a fun movie for people but the way the character is actually portrayed in the film is like he enjoys not only robbing banks, but he also enjoys going to prison and breaking out of prison. And this is what he like 
this is what makes him happy. He's not himself unless he's doing these things. He escaped from prison 16 times. And within this movie, they show you each and every escape in a very small kind of like montage. And in one of the escapes, they actually use footage of Robert Redford's movie, The Escape from 19, from the sixties. And I thought that that was very clever to include that footage and actually use it as one of the escapes within this film. I loved this movie. It was so much fun. It's only like an, it's only like an hour and 33 minutes if I remember correctly and it moves and it's, and Robert Redford is so charming and so fun in this movie. And it's a great heist film. Uh, Tom Waits is really good in this movie. They don't give a lot to Danny Glover in this one. He plays like kind of like one of like the aging, they call it like the guys that they, the guys that break into these, uh, banks, they call them the over the hill gang. And, <laughs> um, and it's Danny Glover, Tom Waits, and and uh, Robert Redford, and um, I loved it. I really loved it. This is a uh, uh, you know Matt, you're talking earlier about like you're gonna miss like Fox and everything. This was a Fox Searchlight film, and so we don't know what's gonna happen with Fox Searchlight. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's like I love Fox Searchlight and what Fox Searchlight has given us. They gave us uh, last year's what was it? Um, um, uh, ah, Guillermo de Toro's movie, the uh, uh, Shape of Water. Shape, yeah, Shape of, of Water. Water. That was a Fox Searchlight film, you know, and that was Picture of the Year. And um, so, mm, yeah. sounds like a good final swan song for Robert Redford too. Yeah, he said he recently said that he regrets making those statements. He wanted to go out and play a fun role, and now he's regretting saying that he's retired from acting. It sounds like he's going to come back and do something else. Mm. I'm kind of not shocked by that. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so good. If you, if you can see the old man and the gun in the theater, I highly recommend it. I, uh, I was so happy to see this movie. I give it a Tupperware. I absolutely loved it. His performance is so good. Casey Affleck, um, it's kind of like the reverse, like, uh, because you got Casey Affleck playing like the younger cop and like him playing like the older guy. It's kind of like the reverse of Catch Me If You Can with the relationship between those two characters with, uh, the Tom Hanks and Leonardo DiCaprio movie. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. He, uh, Casey Affleck's character is just obsessed with catching this guy. Uh, final film that I wanted to talk about and we'll end good pop, bad pop here is I saw the new Halloween movie in theaters. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation with Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since she narrowly escaped his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. It's directed by David Gordon Green. It's written by David Gordon Green. It's also co-written by Danny McBride. Yes, eastbound and down, Danny McBride. And you can actually see a lot of, like, his humor come through in this movie. It stars Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, Judy Greer, who is literally cast in everything these days. I see her in every fucking show. Um, Will Patton is in this movie, Toby Huss, and Andy Matichak. Um, this movie is actually considered, the way it's set up, it's a direct sequel to the first film, also titled Halloween. And the other movies don't exist in the canon within this film. Um, 
you guys probably you, a smart move. Yeah. Do you want to hear me? Do you want to hear my rating, or do you want to hear me talk about it? I want to know your rating. I'm on a little bit on the edge. Of, I I want to know if I should see this or not. This movie is so much fun. It is a Tupperware. I fucking had a blast in my theater watching this. I saw this in Dolby Atmos, and I'm not saying like that added to the experience, but it didn't hurt. This was fucking great. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis comes back and she's kind of like the older grizzled Laurie Strode here and she's been waiting for this day to get back at Michael Myers and to kill him and she's almost just as intimidating as Michael in certain ways in this film especially towards the end where they do something really really cool with her character that's usually reserved for Michael himself and I oh I loved that fucking scene it was so good and if you've seen this movie, you know what I'm talking about. The murders, no. the murders in this one, Jake, Matt, are brutal. People getting stabbed through the fucking neck. Like you see them get stabbed through the neck and the knife come out the other side. You see it. People getting fucking spiked through metal gates. Um, just brutal fucking murders, man. Just relentless, brutal murders. And it's fun. And it's, there's parts where it's funny, you know, and you can see kind of like where Danny McBride, like, lended a hand in, in this. Um, Vicky, this character who's babysitting this young boy, this young boy is fucking hilarious in the movie, and I loved it, and I wouldn't have it any other way. The humor was definitely awesome in this. It was nice to have a little bit of humor in a movie that's really fucking dark, but also so much fun. Like, ah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, they they also know like they've got this new um, doctor who's been watching Michael over the past forty years in prison, and Michael hasn't spoken a word in forty years. He's not said a damn thing, and this doctor's kind of obsessed with him, Doctor Sartan or whatever his name is. And when Jamie Lee Curtis comes across this character and finally meets her, he like has like such reverence for her because she's like a big part of the story, a big part of the lore. And she looks at him. She goes, so you're the new Loomis. She basically says what every audience hmm. member is already fucking thinking about this guy, that he's the new Loomis. And it, it's, it's a tough I word. like it when horror is self-aware like that. It, it, yeah. it dumbs down the audience when you don't like call out blatant stuff like that. Yeah. This, this movie's a Tupperware. I had so much fun. I had so much fun watching this movie. I did not think I was going to have this much fun watching this movie. And my audience had a blast. Everybody that I know that's watched this has had a great time watching it. This is, in my opinion, um, I, I was like, am I going to say this or am I not going to say this? This is my, this is the best Halloween movie since the original. Yeah, there you go. That that makes it worth it that they went ahead and just kind of erased canon. I, I think that's such a smart financial move, too. I mean, you kind of make people not want to see it if they think they need, like, seven movies of Halloween lore to understand yeah. this latest Jamie Lee Curtis returning. So cut it down to the one we've all seen. Yeah. We don't have to remember anything else. Who cares if she had a son or a daughter? This is what it is fucking now. The movie, I, I think it, I think it's brilliant. The movie's self-aware of that, too, and they also kind of spell it out for you if you're an audience member and you don't know that the other movies don't exist within this the canon of this film. You have one character that basically kind of, like, explains that those other movies don't exist. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, I Tupperware this. Oh, my God, I had so much fucking fun. 
it was so it was a blast it was great and uh yeah um stick around through the end credits because there is a reveal even though there is not a post credit scene there is a there is a reveal and it looks like blumhouse is like definitely wanting to make more of these i think because this movie cost $10 million and it's expected to make $80 million this weekend and even possibly beat Venom's record-breaking October. Yeah, I mean, it almost made its money back just like right away, right? It like $7.7 million, I think, for that first night. Yeah, so. that, that first Thursday. So, yeah. And, That's huge. And I think it made like 33 the next, if I'm correct. I don't know. But it's going to... I'm glad it's good. I'm glad you liked it. It's um, so good. Jamie Lee Curtis has been doing the talk show circuit a lot this week. Have you seen any of that at all? No, I have not. She's been really cool. I, I like how she's been saying that, like, if she were to die, like, tomorrow, and people just knew her as the Halloween girl, that she's perfectly fine with that, and, you know, how much love she has for the franchise, and that, you know, she wouldn't have any of her career, honestly, if it wasn't yeah. for being cast in that first Halloween movie. She's great. Yeah, I think that's really cool. You see a lot of people, I, Harrison Ford quickly comes to mind, mm-hmm. that seemed to very much shit on that very first thing, and that kind of yep. gave them notoriety, and yeah. she's very much being the exact opposite of that, and I, I really think that's cool. She's fucking great in this movie, too. She's kind of like, uh, you know, like, um, Terminator 2 when we get like you know badass Sarah Connor in that movie like that's kind of like where she is now like she spent like the last 40 years preparing herself it gets into like her relationship with her daughter played by Judy Greer we've got three generations of Strodes here because like Judy Greer's daughter in this is a Strode um, not her real daughter but like the girl that plays her daughter so we got you got three generations of Strodes in this movie and it's so well done and Michael Myers is just fucking relentless and just a killing machine. And it's like, you know, I talked about, um, I talked about the old man on the gun where you have like this old career criminal who gets like a spring in his step when he robs banks. Like you, that's the same thing here. You've got like old Michael Myers with a spring in his step. He hasn't been able to go around killing people for fucking 40 years. And here he is again doing it. And God damn, if this movie is not, I did not expect to like leave this movie and be like, oh, I'm going to give, you know, fucking Halloween a Tupperware. Even though I thought the trailers were great, I thought like, I didn't know how David Gordon Green was going to be as a director. Everything about this is great. Just like, just even like the opening credits and the music and everything is just fucking perfect. I loved this movie. I think bad horror movies have kind of the easiest time making good trailers right i mean <laughs> sure yeah i well i talked about hellfest which wasn't terrible but it wasn't a great movie either but it had a great trailer it had a really fun concept too you know so yeah yeah when you boil it down to that like 90 seconds of like all the best frights and all the best atmosphere it's really easy to make the biggest turd look like you know a really decent horror movie Fuck so it. you you never yeah. know until you see the movie when it comes to that genre Michael Myers is back, people. It's Halloween. Celebrate it by going to the theaters and watching Halloween. Do it. This is get into the fucking spirit of Halloween and fucking go watch this movie. It is really, really fucking good. I loved it. Halloween is an absolute Tupperware. So, and I, Danny McBride, I think was like invaluable to this. You needed some of that comedy here. 
And it was, yeah. and it wasn't just like stupid over the top comedy. Like my audience was having fun laughing, but also having fun, like, like looking at the Michael Myers kills and being like, Oh my God. Like there were times where it's like, I, I had to fucking look away. I was just like, Oh my God. You know, it was just, it was great. I loved it. Yeah, that that's awesome. I, I think you're exactly right. You need if it's just going to be a tropey slasher flick, you really need those moments of levity and those moments of fun, or it's just kind of same all, same all. You know? Yeah, yeah. All right, that's all I got for good pop, bad pop this week. Uh, I am cashed out. You guys got anything left? No, no. Let's take a pee break. Yeah, let's take oh, a pee break. The only thing I've been watching is I've been watching a lot of Pluto TV. They've been showing a lot of Rock of Love, like. <laughs> <laughs> I've, been watching, I've been watching the Rock of Love and Flavor of Love shows. Like the old ones? Yes. Oh, oh my no. God. And it, like, what is it? Uh, uh, the, the Ray J one with him. With, uh, for the love of Ray J. Oh gosh. That, I remember all that scandal. Oh my gosh. I, I was thinking like, what are they like, if they did like one of those fucking like competition dating shows, now like what would be the most fucked up one they could ever do and i was thinking like what if they did like a like a bill cosby one you know you know like at the end of um like uh like a uh, flavor of love he would hand out the clocks to the girls and like michael myers not not michael myers fucking uh, brett michaels <laughs> brett michaels would hand out like the vip passes to the girls that get to stay in the house and the other oh, one bill hands them all a glass of water and whichever one no the stage wins no uh the girl that uh that that uh the girls that wake up have to go home yeah 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 <laughs> we're saying the same thing yeah <laughs> that's what i'm saying anyway that was fucking not, that was fucked up. Anyway. All right. Let's take a little it, bit. A little bit <laughs> fucked up. Good for him. He's, uh, he's going to prison, isn't he? For, uh, is it going to be the full three years, you think? Should be longer, but god damn it. People waited around too much to bust this guy. Yeah. I'll be surprised if he does the full three years, but hopefully that's the case. It'll probably be a year. So, <clears throat> yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Oh, man, this episode sucked. Hey, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. All right. Hey, we are back, and it is now time for the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangsta as fuck, yo. It's gangsta as fuck, yo. All right, got news here from Dark Horizons. Uh, filmmaker John Carpenter has seemingly teased the possibility of a follow-up to his iconic 1988 feature, They Live. Jake, Matt, I know you guys have seen this. Um, Yeah, They Live is one of my favorite movies of all time. I mean, I know watching it recently that a little bit of that is due to childhood nostalgia, but not all of it. I mean, it really has some really interesting high concept sci-fi when you get past kind of the campy cheesiness that's going on. And I, I kind of think that's kind of what leads to its brilliance, right? It's got all this, it's stars Roddy Roddy Piper. Yeah. It's super campy, but I mean, under its surface is a really interesting high science fiction concept. Yeah. Um, you know, on first impact, I saw these headlines this week, and it, at first I kind of recoiled at it and was like, uh, I don't really want that without Roddy Roddy Piper. And then I, and then I kind of thought about it some more and was like, you know, I, there's a lot in that world to explore that you don't need Roddy Roddy Piper for. And then I had a conversation with Matt about 
the sequel to Escape from New York, Escape from L.A., yeah. and realized that I never want John Carpenter to make another sequel again for the rest of his life. Fuck, yeah, that's a good point. Oh, my God. I remember when that came out in the 90s. I was so let down. Oh, it's the worst. I mean, they, it's one of the greatest movies ever in New York, and then they just they just do the same movie over again, but everything a little bit dumber. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never seen They Live. Really? Oh my god, oh you gotta god. watch this. I know. You gotta I watch know. this, I'm, man. I will hold my hands up now. I've never seen Halloween either. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I, oh, I live crazy. a sheltered life. Yeah, you, you definitely need to see both of those movies. Yes. You don't need to see the whole Halloween library by any means. No, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't even bother doing that. I mean, Halloween's not really. I mean, I, I watched like Friday the 13th and, and Nightmare on Elm Street when I was younger, but I, Halloween just never interested me for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but no, I really should watch They Live, I know, because it's John Carpenter yeah. and I love you know New York and uh, The Thing and all the other films that he's done that are amazing. I really should watch it. But. Yeah. In many ways, it's probably his most high-concept science fiction movie. Yeah. yeah, it's a it's a 1950s inspired but 1980s set paranoia sci-fi tale starring Roddy Roddy Piper as a drifter who finds sunglasses that reveal the real world. Aliens are already living amongst us and use subliminal techniques to enforce subjugation. It's famed for its satirical humor, social commentary, and the extended fight scene between Piper and Keith David. The movie very specifically commented on the era of Reaganomics. This movie, um, I remember watching it as a kid and just, just being kind of like blown away by the story itself. You have, you know, um, Roddy Roddy Piper, he is this drifter and he, and he's working in construction and, and, uh, comes across these glasses, this, this, this box that has these glasses and he puts them on and he starts to, within these glasses, they're kind of like the old x-ray goggle specs ad that you see where you can see the skeleton. <laughs> but instead of seeing like people's like skeletons and stuff, he can see underneath what they really are and he sees aliens. There are aliens that live amongst us. And he also sees like on billboards. So if you see like a, like a Marlboro billboard back then or like a, a Bud Light, uh, like a Budweiser billboard, instead he sees like things that say obey and, um, conform. conform. And, yeah. Yes. And it's, it's reminders to these aliens on how to be like earthlings, how to, you remember to, you know, uh, do these things so that you fit in. And I also took it the other as like subliminal messages for everyone else too. Yeah, subliminal messages. To kind of keep everyone docile, you know? Keep them in line. Yeah, good point. Um, it also has one of the best like memorable lines in any movie when he goes into the bank and he's got a shotgun and he cocks it and he's wearing the glasses and he's there to basically kill these aliens and he says, I came here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. And it's just like, and it's an amazing scene. The fight between him and Keith David goes on for like, it literally seems like it's a fist fight and like a wrestling match because they do like body slam each other and all this shit. And I think there's actually, <laughs> it's, a, a, it's a back lot brawl basically. It, yeah. And I think like, I think Piper actually fucking suplexes him at one point, but it's like, it goes on for, it feels like 10 minutes. It's like the longest fight ever. 
Um, but anyway, uh, John Carpenter, he's out doing promotion for the new Halloween this week. He spoke to Den of Geek and he confirmed that Dawn of the Planet of the Apes director Matt Reeves was set out to direct at one point. Quote, there was a feature film. It was a feature film called Resistance written by, oh, the guy who did the Apes movie, Matt Reeves, but then he moved on. Uh, asked how Carpenter himself would approach a modern day take on They Live. The, ma- the master filmmaker says, well, I'm not going to tell you about that because it might be closer to reality than you think. The sequel is, well, we'll see. We'll just have to see. So, I, god damn it, like, part of me, like, wants this so bad, but, like, who are they going to cast in, like, the main role? We have, we had Roddy Roddy Piper, and if you fucking say that they're going to cast Ronda Rousey, Jake, I'm going to body slam you. I would never say that. <laughs> I would never say that. I'm also not going to say the next go-to obvious answer, which I think would people would like to say is the rock. The rock. Right? Just put the yeah. rock in there. No, I, after uh, John Carpenter saying how the sequel to Big Trouble in Little China with the rock is an abomination, I highly doubt that he would want to have the rock be in a They Live sequel. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I'd almost be more interested in a They Live sequel if it was out of Carpenter's hands. If that's, I mean, and that may sound terrible, but I want him involved. I, I, I as far as like his take on Big Trouble in Little China in the comic books, he wrote that direct sequel with Jack. You know, I thought he did a great job with with the comic there. So yeah, yeah just as just his track record in like his last like four or five movies hasn't been the greatest, you know. So yeah, I, I, it'd be nice to have him on maybe as a consultant, though. I, I think this this I think this movie with like the way the climate is in politics now is kind of like ripe for a a sequel, though. I really do. I agree with that. Like I said, when I mo- when I kind of thought about it, I was like, well, I'm being way too narrow minded, like not wanting this because there really is a lot more to like find out what's going on. Like I, I would be interested in knowing like how earth fared, you know, or what, what happens next. Yeah. So I, I, there's, there's a lot to explore there. I like the, even the name like resistance really like gets me thinking like that, that there's a lot of excitement and a lot of story there. So yeah, this could potentially be good. I'm, it's a very weird mixed bag, right? I see like yeah. ways that it could be the biggest turd ever, but I also see ways that it could just be phenomenal. Can I throw out a name as the lead actor in this one, Jake? Yeah, let's hear you. John Cena. I was thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, that makes sense. That almost seems like the modern, like, you know, right after Piper, you do John Cena. So, yeah, I, I think Bumblebee does good. And I don't even think it really rests on Bumblebee's shoulders. I think Cena's made enough of a name for himself that he could headline this. Well, he's doing the video game movie. Uh, who's the... F- oh, fuck. I can't even think of... The the dude with the buzz cut. The 90s video oh, game. Oh, Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem. Yeah, he's doing the Duke Nukem. Yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> I'm very much like Rock did Doom, huh? Kind of the same uh, career path there. Yeah, I don't know. I huh. I'm I'm fifty fifty on the They Live sequel. Like last week, me and Rebecca talked about Jeff Bridges interested in possibly doing a Starman sequel, and I was kind of like, no, I don't want to see it. But yeah, I feel like that's kind of past its time too. I don't. 
I feel like they live is more of a cult classic that people still know of than, than Starman is. I feel like Starman's been a bit forgotten. Oh yeah. Millennials have no idea what the fuck Starman is. And that shit, I don't even know if they know what they live is though, but I don't know. The pop culture of it all has still kind of carried through though, right? Like the bubblegum line you still see all over the place. Yeah. Like Duke Nukem himself ripped it off. Yeah, the last yeah, thing I want to see. So many places, isn't it? Last yeah. Thing, last thing I ever want to fucking see though is like a PG-13 They Live sequel. You know, I don't, that's, that's, I don't know. I just don't want to see him fuck it up. Yeah. I think the original ones really only are due to uh, language, right? Is it really that graphic? No, there's nudity too. So. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I don't know. I watch that movie every once in a while. I think it was on Amazon Prime or something at one time, and I watched That's the last time I watched it. But I love – I fucking love They Live. If you can find it, it's so good. It's got one of the best fucking movie posters ever. So – and I love the fucking harmonica music, the blues music, the – you know what I mean? Throughout oh, the whole yeah, movie. yeah. I love it. That's all Carpenter, right? He it's does all, all his Carp- music for all yeah. of his own movies. Yes, that's all fucking Carpenter. Uh, real quick news. I don't want to get into this too much, but there was a uh, New York Comic Con panel for the – Jake, I totally forgot about this one. Um, it was uh, the Netflix and Chills panel. The Jim Henson Company was talking about the Dark Crystal prequel coming to Netflix. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. I think they really started promoting this way too early, right? I remember when they first started, like, they had that teaser ad for it, and then it was, like, two years later, they're telling you. Like, even in that teaser ad, they were telling you it wasn't for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I kind of made myself forget about this because I'm very excited to see it, and it was like, why are you teasing me with this two years ahead of time? Well, they talked to Louis Lettier, uh, who's involved in this project from the the Henson Company, and... uh, um, he said, I love CGI, but we're not using CGI in this one. Puppets, man, puppets. So they said they, the only CGI that would be used is to kind of like remove some of the the wires and stuff like that from the puppets. But other than that, it's going to be 100% puppets. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I kind of expected that too. So, so it's the, not going to look the same unless you do that. And I think people want it to have the same look and movement to it. Sure. Yeah, with yeah I think as soon as you take the puppets out of it, you lose the whole the whole interest in the in the franchise, don't you? Yeah, is this going to be a big hit for Netflix? Do you think? Uh, I feel like this might be a flop. I feel like, much like Starman, we're kind of in the same territory here, where um, I don't think not enough people are going to be interested in this that it's going to be that giant of a hit. Would it be a good idea for Netflix to have the Dark Crystal on their service? Uh, it would be a very good idea. And not only that, but they should have it where it's like the, it's at the top banner when you go on to Netflix in anticipation of the new series, right? Yeah, I, I do think that the Dark Crystal has, I'm not saying a huge amount of like new people that are finding it, but it does help the Dark Crystal that over the past, I feel like three, four years here at least, Matt, in the United States – Fathom Events has been showing this at least once a year here in the U.S. That must help it. It's got I mean, to. I, I think yeah. if you look at it alongside Labyrinth, I think Labyrinth has probably fared better than Dark Crystal has in, yeah. the, in the fact that it, it's sort of kept a steady yeah. 
steady following in pop culture, whereas Dark Crystal, a lot of people have never, you know, you, you mentioned it to people, they've never watched it at all. It's true. And that's not even just, just, just millennials or younger kids. That's even people of our age that mm-hmm. just didn't see it. I think, yeah. Right. So I think Jake's probably right. I think this is probably going to be a little bit too, a little bit too late to, to sort of catch the bus, really. I think it's going to be good. I'm excited for it, but I'm just, I don't, I don't think it's going to like, move waves as far as like you know the pop culture zeitgeist goes so no, exactly. sh- should they just approach this as a one season and done kind of kind of thing yeah i mean that unfortunately that's probably their best bet like i would hope that they didn't write it with a giant cliffhanger and then yeah. realize that the interest isn't there anymore and now we're just left with this it's like oh i would have rather been left with just the movie at that point yeah i agree uh, another quick bit of news here and this comes from tv line real world reboot premiering on facebook watch in 2019 wow yeah the uh the one of the very first like uh reality shows you know i'd say when the first reality show ever would you say that was cops was that cops on fox uh, yeah, I don't know. What's the first show where they're following someone around with a camera like that? I mean, I guess Cops. There had to have been shows like that before, though. I would say Cops. Yeah, that's definitely up there. And then Real World came out. I know Fox had a very short-lived reality show for, like, one season. I don't even remember the name of it, but it would follow out. It would follow, like, young kids. And this was before fucking um the real world i don't even remember the name of it but even before that was cops i can't think of anything before cops and it's being credited i'm googling it there's a 1983 hbo show called an american family that's being credited as the first reality show interesting it said it itself heavily inspired the real world Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the real world is coming back. It's coming back on Facebook watch. Um, the new real world will offer multiple interactive opportunities for viewers. Not only will fans get to vote on one person to join the house before the season begins, but they will also be able to connect with the cast via Facebook live premieres and watch party. Additional social elements will be announced at a later date. So yeah, we're getting a new, uh, new real world. That could be pretty toxic, depending on uh, what happens during the season. I know that, like, I've watched my share of real-world seasons, and I don't know how great of an idea it is to um, having the fans interact with the cast after some of those episodes air. Oh, I think if it it's might, anything like the old show. It might, it might add to the fun, though, on the back end, though, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. It could kind of go both ways, right? Yeah. It could make it interesting watching, that's for sure. I do think the real world portrayed people sometimes in a positive light and then sometimes in a negative light where I actually knew a cast member that was on the New Orleans season. Like I knew him personally mm-hmm. and they cast this guy in such a negative light on the New Orleans season. And if you were to meet this guy in real life, he was the nicest guy ever. And so it was kind of like that kind of like opened my eyes up as to like how they edit these shows and how they portray people in the real world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's definitely a cut. It's an edit. I mean, it, it was on MTV for Christ's sake. So yeah. they're taking like all this time and boiling it down to like 
20 minutes of show. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, you got to make your characters. You got to make your heroes. You got to make your villains. villains yeah. I mean, that's that's the game, right? The show wouldn't have been the success that it was without some uh, editing manipulation as far as the characters are concerned. That's where, that's where the, the wrestler The Miz got his start was on fucking Real World. And then uh, Road Rules, uh, the, uh, comedian Theo Vaughn started off on fucking Road Rules. Yeah, yeah. The Miz went through a lot of crap when he joined the actual WWF because yeah. of that stuff. You know, it took yeah. a long time before um, he got any respect from the people. It, it pretty famously, The Undertaker had to uh, shove a people around backstage to uh, tell him to leave The Miz fucking alone, that he's paid his dues. Let's talk about this next story. This this story fucking fascinates me. It comes from Bloody Disgusting. Sylvester Stallone will battle an inhuman beast in Hunter originally a Rambo sequel. Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, I've read about this, that he wanted Rambo to like kind of fight a movie monster type character. I love that. Really? Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of anti this. I, I think it's the way they're doing. It's perfect to me. I, I don't think you should muddy the waters of, of Rambo and have it all of a sudden just become complete total fiction. Like oh, that. I think it's fun. I think it's so fun. I really do. I think it's yeah, a blast. I think you can make the meta winks doing it the way they're doing it and have just as much fun. I don't I don't see the how it makes it more fun if the character is Rambo. I do. I think it's more fun if it makes it Rambo. It's like Rambo, it's like basically throwing Rambo into a Predator movie. And who hasn't wanted to see that? I mean, that sounds so much fun. I just feel like you're you can basically still get that, right? Is it really the name Rambo yes. that, that ramps it up to eleven yes. for you? Yes. One hundred percent. Okay. 100% seeing Rambo take on an alien. We've seen this guy take on everything else. You saw him basically in the first one tackle, like, you know, coming back from the war and, and, and tackling his PTSD and taking on, like, the police. In the second one, you saw him, like, take on, like, you know, uh, rescuing prisoners of war POWs in Vietnam. In the third one, he basically turned, took on the whole, like, uh, Afghan army. Um, the fourth one, we saw him take on, you know, uh, bad guys in Burma. And if they were to have <laughs> Rambo take on a fucking alien like a predator, fuck yeah, dude. That's fun. That's a fun mashup. That's like Rambo taking on fucking like the predator, dude. Absolutely. I- I'm down. That would be such a fun twist to the character. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, I, I just can't share that opinion. Love it. I absolutely love it. I would have a blast watching Rambo take on an alien. That would be so much fun. Like, Rambo is like the guy that you call when they've always called upon Rambo when they've taken on tasks that they couldn't do themselves. He's the guy that they go to. What if there was a crash landing and there was like some kind of like alien or something that showed up in one part of the world? Well, like, who do they want to have explore this? You know, like, oh, they sent a team in there and none of the team came out alive. We got to get Rambo. Fuck yeah, man. Rambo's a little <laughs> over the top anyway. You know, the first one really dealt with like how, you know, soldiers deal with PTSD. And I think like mm-hmm. the, I think it, it kind of get, it got more silly with the second one. The third one was really in, it, crazy silly. I think, you know, Rambo itself, that movie, um, when that came out about 10 years ago, you know, brought it back a little bit, but it was super violent on the flip side. You know, I think this is just kind of like fun for the fans for like Rambo to go out, taking out an alien. I, I would have no problem with this. I think it would be a fun experiment. Yeah. I, 
I hear you. I mean, you're a bigger fan of the franchise than me, so if you're not offended, it's, then I'm not. who the fuck am I? But, but it's, yeah, I, it's I, not I happening. Touch this with a ten foot pole. It's not happening. Oh man, I think it would be huge. I think like people would flip their fucking lids if they saw a trailer for Rambo taking on a fucking alien. I don't know. That's just me. I don't know. That's just yeah. Me. I don't know. The more I think about it, it probably would be huge money. Uh, but anyway, it's not going to be Rambo. It's going to be they're going to just adapt this. It's going to. What the fuck happened there? What's going on? Did you guys hear I that? Know. I like heard myself. I don't know. Somebody hit something, some button on their thing, and I got to hear myself repeat what I just said, which is weird. It was like I was talking to myself, and I was I was bored. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> well, I got to hear myself again, repeat myself, unbeknownst, you know. And so that's what I do on this show. I just repeat myself. A repeat within a repeat. Exactly. I'm a fucking parrot. Apparently, to that one listener, it's like that motherfucker wants to feed me a cracker because I'm a goddamn parrot. Anyway, uh, no, it looks like Stallone is going to be making this movie anyway, but it might just be called Hunter, which is based, I guess, I think it's a adaptation of a novel that uh, uh, James Byron Huggins did uh, called Hunter. And so Stallone back in September 2009 said, it's a feral monster. It's a thing. It's an amalgamation of fury and intelligence and pure unadulterated rage. It's before, it's before men became human. Uh, this is when they were still inhuman. And so what Rambo confronts is something that is everyone's nightmare. He's going against a feral beast that has absolute cunning and intelligence and will uh, and a will to survive that is only matched by Rambo's. Well, that's not going to happen. That was his statements back in 2009. Um, we're getting a completely different Rambo movie going forward. Uh, Rambo Last Blood is going to be the title for the fifth Rambo film. It's I, it's just going to be him battling um, Mexican a Mexican cartel. But Stallone still plans on adapting the Hunter novel, Deadline reports this week. Uh, Balboa Productions is currently developing an adaptation of Hunter. Uh, Stallone is attached to star, quote, the book centers on Nathaniel Hunter, whose hyper tracking skills are employed to hunt down a raging beast, a half human terror created by a renegade agency that is threatening to wreak havoc on civilization. Um, I'll watch it, but I'm not as excited for it as I would have been had it been a Rambo fucking project a rambo film matt you haven't chimed in what are your thoughts don't tell me you've never seen rambo oh of course i've seen fucking rambo (laughs) (laughs) i love the rambo movies all of them including the two silly ones um but i've got to side with jay i don't want to see him fight a movie monster ah fuck you you fucking you unimaginative fucks yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I see it exactly the opposite, honestly. It, the, the whole idea seems very unimaginable. You'd rather see him take like on slap these two oh, together. Let's see, let's see him take on a Mexican cartel. I mean, come on, how many times have we seen that in a goddamn movie? I want to see. I Rand- mean, I, I'm not clamoring for that either, to be honest. I want to see him take on a fucking alien. That would be fun, just violent and brutal. You know, Rambo. Fucking, he's taking on everything. Here's his final movie, and he gets to take on it. Oh, it's gonna do disservice to the the original Ramp. Oh, fuck you! You want to match the fuck? <laughs> oh god! And then if it was like a huge hit, it'd be like everything, right? Then it'd be like, oh. okay, now John McClane's gonna fucking fight the aliens, and 
Rambo versus Dracula. And... Oh yeah, let's keep uh, let's keep the John McClane movies going the way they're going because they're going so great. Oh, oh yeah, they, they, those movies definitely need aliens. Yeah, they could, anything would be <laughs> anything would be an improvement at this point with the John McClane movies. Yeah, I feel like one of those comes out every other year, and I've like lost track of it. I, I just think like, up, you know. the way it sounds with it with it being this movie Hunter. This just sounds like direct like like VOD direct. To, you know what I mean? I don't know. If, if you throw Rambo in there, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be Rambo. Rambo, the baddest ass motherfucker on the planet, still kicking ass at the age of 70. And he's the, he's the guy you're going to send in there to take on this alien. This alien, this alien's fucking fucked some people up. Sent, they sent in a whole team and it fucked them up. Who do you get? You got, you got to get John Rambo. Oh my God. I would love it. Just seeing Rambo out in the fucking jungle taking on this fucking thing. Yeah, it's Predator all over again. Fuck you. So whatever. what about doing a triple threat? Huh? What about doing a triple threat? Alien versus Predator versus Rambo. Oh, God, bring it. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> throw, throw, hey, hold on. Throw, you're not familiar with the character, but throw Michael Myers in there, too, for a, well, while you're at it. Throw him out in the goddamn jungle. I want to see Rambo yeah. take on Michael Myers in Halloween, you know? Just do the Royal Rumble of 80s movies. They, they made that, right? It was called The Expendables. Oh, yeah. That was it. Oh, yeah, but I'm, I mean, you know, chucking Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees and Candyman and all the all the films we grew up with and the iconic bad guys and good guys and just throw them all in one on one island. Just, like, like a horror version of uh, Expendables with a Survivor yeah, with, twist. With a rom-com edge. <laughs> For as much as like this is like a completely different take on Rambo, it's nothing that they haven't done with Rambo before. In every Rambo movie since the original, like he's always been asked to take on these things that nobody else can do. They always come to him with this mission. He's like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm out. You know, and it's like every time he does it and to see him take on an alien, a badass fucking like uh predator type alien. I think it'd be fun. Just a fun way to go out. I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. You guys, now you guys are just unimaginative and you're no fun. You're no fun. <laughs> you guys are the guys that, when you know. When you, I don't want to see Rambo fight an alien. That no. sounds like the most silly, silliest no. Hollywood concept when Jake ever. was When Jake was coloring his coloring books when he was a kid, he was always in the lines. Always <laughs> in the lines. What yeah. are you supposed to do with coloring I, books? Yeah, exactly. Santa's suit has to be fucking red. You don't color no. any other fucking color. It's fucking purple in my world, you <laughs> son of a bitch. Santa was a big fan of Prince, you motherfucker. <laughs> I'd rather see fucking Santa fight the Predator than fucking Rambo. I would see that, too. I would watch that, too. But I would have no problem with Rambo taking on an alien. Oh, my God. Don't do it. No, it's blasphemy. I can't see Rambo taking on an alien. No. Oh, my God. Rambo is my goddamn Bible, and he can't take on a fucking science fiction character. <laughs> you can take it on all he wants. I just It's just something that doesn't interest me at all. Oh, God. You pretentious fucking assholes. <laughs> no, you're, you're sticking your nose up at Rambo taking on an alien. You guys sicken me. Both of you. You make me sick. <laughs> yeah, I took that a little too far. Rambo versus Alf? Oh, <laughs> hey, Willie. <laughs> yeah, let's get Rambo in the long-awaited Willow sequel. 
Oh yeah. Oh, now you guys are just being silly with it. <laughs> now you guys are just being nuts. Oh yeah, Rambo's gonna be in the new season of Ducktales. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> fucking com- you fucking Woo. comedians. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. Anyway, I got uh, – last thing I want to talk about here real quick in news before we jump into um, Marvel news is uh, Slash Film had an article about a new Mark Ruffalo project and they say get ready for two Ruffalos for the price of one. Mark Ruffalo will headline HBO's I Know This Much Is True series, a six-episode limited series based on Wally Lamb's novel – the Place Beyond the Pines director Derek Cianfrancais will direct, uh, will write, executive produce, and direct the series, which joins the recent HBO trend of adapting novels into mini series events. HBO has had a great success turning novels into limited series lately. Uh, Big Little Lies uh, started off th- started things off, although it was uh, later given a second season, and uh, this year Sharp Objects earned rave reviews. Now the cable network will try to repeat the success with I Know This Much Is True. The series is an adaptation of the novel by Wally Lamb about the parallel lives of identical twin brothers who will be played both by Mark Ruffalo. Here's the novel synopsis. I Know This Much Is True is the heartbreaking and poignant multi-generational saga of the reproductive bonds of destruction and the powerful force of forgiveness, a masterpiece that breathtakingly tells a story of alienation and connection, power and abuse, devastation and renewal. This novel is is a contemporary retelling of an ancient Hindu myth. A proud king must confront his demons to achieve, achieve salvation. Change yourself, the myth instructs, and you will inhabit a renovated world. Born in the waning moments of 1949 and the opening minutes of the 1950s, the twins Dominic and Thomas Birdsey are physical mirror images who grow into separate yet connected entities. The seemingly strong and protective yet fearful Dominic and the seemingly weak and sweet yet noble Thomas. From childhood, Dominic fights for both separation and wholeness and ultimately self-protection in a house of fear dominated by Ray, their adoptive father, a spit-and-polish ex-Navy man who abuses his power over his stepsons whose biological father is a mystery. Um, I read all of that. None of it really makes sense to me. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it does sound cool, though. I mean, I love Mark Ruffalo. The idea of him playing two characters yeah. is very fascinating. My biggest takeaway from all this, though, is just I think it's a very smart play by HBO. Um, you do these limited series and you draw in these big actors. They don't have to commit to you know, doing three, four seasons of a thing. They do six episodes and they're out. And we've seen it with all three of the shows you mentioned, um, Big Little Lies, Sharp sharp, sharp Objects, and now this new show. You're able to, like, you know, draw on the big star power, which I don't think you'd otherwise be able to do with a, you know, a big time commitment. So I think this is a very smart play for HBO. It's not like they've stopped doing their, you know, season-long shows on top of this either. So it's just one more thing to draw in viewers, draw in big names to get people to view. Uh, This is very smart business. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I have no idea what the fuck I just read. Like, I have no idea. I You got to see – I think even the first trailer is going to be confusing as fuck. I think this is just like one of those where like they're building it 
on the fact that this is HBO. These are the people that have brought us True Detective, big, you know, Pretty Little Lies, and fucking uh, Sharp Objects. And yeah, they're bringing in Mark Ruffalo now, and he's going to be playing two different roles here. And so, yeah, I think they might have another hit on their hands here. I don't know. I gotta, I gotta watch this one. I gotta see the first trailer. I'm probably gonna be confused as fuck by the first trailer too. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that you can make sense out of that story, even with the trailer. I think it'll just be, they're kind of like, um, placing their bets on star power here and the fact that they've, they've been able to make some great limited series here. So, yeah, and it sounds like they're doing a good job at picking like source materials that have a lot of intrigue and yeah. material in them. Yeah, and the track, like you said, Brian, I mean, at this point, you know, you're probably not going to make any fucking sense. What you read barely made any sense. A trailer's probably not going to clear things up. But I mean, at this point, the track record is going to mm-hmm. get me to tune in, right? Yeah, what do you call two Ruffalos? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good point. Ruffaloeses? No, I would say the Ruffle Bros. The Ruffle Bros. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Matt, <laughs> Matt, are you are are you, are you like are you done with us? No, <laughs> I'm here. Oh, that caught me off guard. <laughs> no, it's like I, if I were you and I was listening to me and Jake talk about two Ruffalos and all this just ridiculous shit, I would be done. <laughs> I would just be like, dude, I'm out. I'm still trying to work out what you said. <laughs> it, it's, 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 he's drawing us up a diagram. That's it, why he's not talking. The show I picked the graph up and everything, and trying to work out exactly what you were talking about. It, the show makes no sense to me. Like no. I, I literally read like everything Slash Film had to say about it, and I don't know what the show is. But like on the flip side, all I need to know is it's it's Ruffalo playing two roles on an HBO show, and it's like okay, yeah, I'm there. When this premieres, I gotta watch this for some fucking reason. It's, it's yeah. based on an ancient Hindu myth. A proud king must confront his demons to achieve salvation. It's based in the waning moments of 1949 and the opening minutes of 1950 about two twin brothers, Dominic and Thomas Birdsey. I don't know. This is fucking weird, but I'm gonna watch it. Yeah. Yeah, the ingredients sound good, so. It's uh, it's got to be checked out. Yeah, I don't know, Jake. I don't know, man. HBO doing some weird shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I like it. Like HBO at this point. I mean, it's been a long time since something was just a complete and utter flop. So yeah. you know, I, I'm willing to give everything a try. Yeah, me too. Me too. Hey, HBO can pretty much put on any new series, and I'll watch the first episode. That's true. Normally, you know. Yeah, HBO still got it, man. They're fucking amazing. How about their, their their 1983 musical intro, man? Oh yeah, don't even get me started on that. God damn! I, I think from now on that should intro all of our movie reviews. Oh god, <laughs> so goddamn glorious. Go back and listen to our Captain Marvel trailer review. We play that fucker uh, a couple times. It's it's beautiful. epic. It's so fucking epic. It's beautiful. Let's move on into Marvel news, gentlemen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you got something else to say real quick no I double clicked it that was weird uh-huh. <laughs> hold on Marvel News
Marvel news. Guys, uh, shit, I got it. We got to talk about this. Iron Fist talked about this last week was canceled last week, and now we find out on Friday that Luke Cage has been canceled as well. So <laughs> this is crazy. I uh, thoughts, Matt. Um, I don't know. I I don't know what's going on. I've got no idea. Um, I assume they're doing Heroes for Hire. Hmm. But oh, it's I'm... all just such guesswork with Netflix, right? Well, well yeah. It, it's also is um is this the start of the transition back to Disney's streaming service? That has. It, hold on. I we we gotta. We got to clarify some of this stuff. Number one, Netflix is in 100% control of not, I'm not saying like the content that they give. Like I'm sure, I'm sure like if Netflix just can't do whatever they want to with the characters on their shows, but they have 100% control on if a show is canceled or not. They have 100% control with whether they want to keep these characters on their streaming service or not. So this is 100% a Netflix decision and not a Disney decision. Yeah, I agree with that. It's like what I was talking about not knowing with Netflix is it's like we're not privy to any of their numbers, any of their ratings. We just get what they give us. So, and they really haven't like laid out a really grand excuse why this has happened. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know if the ratings are just that abysmal that they had to pull these shows. It, it makes you wonder what the ratings are like for other Marvel shows. Uh-huh. Everybody's saying though, like, okay, is this is this is this like showing us that these characters are going to come back to like the, they're going to do the Disney streaming service, like Disney Play. When you say that, do you mean like Finn Jones and Mike Coulter reprising their roles as these characters on the Disney Play streaming service and continuing what they did with Netflix on the Disney Play service? Because I say 100% no, that's not going to happen. I agree with that. This is the last – unless these characters show up on future Netflix Marvel series, this is the last iteration you'll see of these characters. I agree. I don't see these actors coming back to play these roles and because the whole thing with Disney Play is that it's going to be family-friendly. They're they're not going to have like – you know, you have characters cursing within the Netflix and it's darker stuff. You have Luke Cage – you know, having you know sex with women and 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 stuff like that in these shows. They're, that like you're gonna have a if you have these same actors come back and do the Disney Play stuff, it's a complete like kind of like tonal shift that you got. That and another thing that you said, Matt, and everybody's been saying this. People are sp- and I'm not saying you're wrong, but everybody is speculating that this means like oh. Then we might get them in in a Heroes for Hire series, and then to even add to that speculation, recently Finn Jones got on Instagram and he posted a picture of the scene where Iron Fist and Luke Cage like meet, and Iron Fist throws a punch at Luke, and it's a close up of like the glowing fist of Iron Fist meeting Luke Cage's hand, and does that picture like people are saying like oh that that means that he's talking about a heroes for hire series 
or do, I was thinking like I guess you can take that from that, but I was thinking it was just like getting the fans kind of like riled up so that they want that, and also kind of just showing like solidarity for like him and his buddy for like his buddy Mike Coulter and his series getting canceled as well. And the thing that trips me up the most about this, about like people saying like, oh, we'll probably get a Heroes, that we could get a Heroes for Hire series. The thing that trips me up about this the most is that you don't have to cancel Iron Fist and Luke Cage to get a Heroes for Hire TV show. Why do you cancel two shows that had season finales that don't set up a Heroes for Hire season at all and then cancel both of those shows only to do a Heroes for Hire TV show? You don't have to do that. This, think about it logically. Do you cancel a show? Do you cancel two shows to announce a Heroes for Hire or do you just announce the show? Do you announce that we're going to get a Heroes for Hire TV show? It just doesn't – I've never seen anything like that ever happen where like, like okay, like we've seen – Two shows canceled, but now we're going to, like, green light it for a Heroes for Hire show? You don't have to cancel the individual shows to green light a Heroes for Hire show first. Like, Yeah. And it feels like if that was the case, then they would insta-announce the Heroes for Hire show yeah, but, to avoid all the, like, the backlash, right? But you can't even set up a Heroes for Hire show with these actors the way that the seasons ended for these shows. Like... The Luke Cage season did not end setting up a Heroes for Hire TV show. The Iron Fist season two didn't end with the hopes of a Heroes for Hire TV show. Like, both of them ended on completely different beats to where it was like, well, Luke Cage has taken a completely different direction. I want to see how that plays out. Iron Fist season two has asked more questions. Colleen Ween's character is going to be doing some crazy things. Um, how did Danny Rand get to the point where he is now? I want to see that story played out. It doesn't logically take you to a Heroes for Hire, and you don't need to cancel both shows for a Heroes to Hi- uh, for a Heroes for Hire TV show to start. That's what I'm having a problem with. That's what I'm having a big problem with is the fact that both of these shows were canceled and that people are coming to the conclusion that we might get a Heroes for Hire TV show. Matt, does that make sense at all? Yeah, yeah, no, it wasn't something that I sort of jumped to the conclusion. Yeah, it's, okay. It's, it's it's the buzz around the net. Isn't it, it? I mean, it is. It I is. just, I just don't understand why they've cancelled them. Sure, that's what what I'm confused about. There must be a reason, and I'd like to I'd like to understand what the reason is. I would think it. I mean, is Jessica Jones next? Because season yeah. two of Jessica Jones didn't perform very well, did it? Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's like, like Jake said, we don't know the numbers. We can't see the numbers. And another thing, it's like if we got a Heroes for Hire TV show, I wouldn't think that that announcement was imminent if both shows got canceled. I would think that both shows would be doing well. It would kind of set up for that. And then we yeah, get the, then we it's like get a sweeps week event, right? You do it yeah. when the iron's hot, not when it's cold. Oh, we're getting an eight episode Heroes for Hire with Finn Jones and. And Mike Coulter, I don't know how the cancellation of two shows makes any sense. Like, we've canceled these shows, and then it's like, oh, well, they're just – 
And I'm not saying like all, I think fans are hopeful for a Heroes for Hire. I don't think that fans are like saying necessarily that, oh, these shows got canceled. That, that means that we're going to get a Heroes for Hire. I think that they're kind of hopeful for that, but I'm, I'm just logically thinking like, you don't, that's a weird way to announce a new show is to cancel both individual shows. It, that does not make sense to me. Like, yeah, unless it is some crazy marketing technique, cause it's already like, it's already signed the petition all over the place, you know? Yeah, but you've got, you've got Mike Coulter and Finn Jones and like the, the showrunner of, you know, Iron Fist and the showrunner of Luke Cage coming out and like even the actor that played Ward coming out, Colleen Wayne, the actor that played her, uh, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Henwick, I believe, like coming yeah. out and saying like, you know, I had a great time. It's, it's sad and uh, thank you to all the fans. And it's like, it's like saying goodbye to people. It's it's just such a strange way. I I don't see how that. I think it I think it stirs up more controversy than it does kind of like anticipation for a heroes for hire. No, and I and I completely agree with you. Honestly, I was just trying to think from the other side of it all. But yeah, it doesn't make much sense. At if that was the case, it would be one of the weirdest promotional campaigns they've ever tried to do for a like mashup event show yeah. to cancel both shows before doing it. Oh, it's so weird. I just, I, I like the other fans. Like when I first heard about it, the first thing like my, like when, like when they canceled Luke Cage next, I was thinking uh, for a split second, I did think here's for hire. I did. I did just like everyone else. But then I also thought about the performance of Defenders and how that Defenders is probably not going to get a second season. Mm-hmm. And then I just started to think logically, like, if why do you have to cancel both shows to get to a Heroes for Hire? Wouldn't you just announce Heroes for Hire first? You would you would announce Heroes for Hire first. It's not like you would just announce like, oh, we've canceled both shows. It just logically it just doesn't make sense to me, Jake. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm with you. I it's I, I'm done even like trying to fake the argument against it because I'm really pretty much on the same page as you. It's it just seems a really goofy way to promote a new show and that I, would yeah. gain so much from both the other shows still being on the air. I hate to like knock the wind out of people because I guys, you got to understand. I loved you know fucking I loved uh, Iron Fist season two, and I liked. Season two of Luke Cage. I didn't want to see either of these shows canceled. I wanted to see them come back. But I, I just, I don't see like where, I don't see the math here. Like, you know. If, if they were going for a Heroes for Hire, they would have rounded up series two of Luke Cage and Iron Fist into a point where, yeah. you know, they, the, they can just amalgamate the two yeah. and it wouldn't be a cancellation. They just, that was it. Two seasons of that and then we're on to Heroes for Hire. It would just be, really simple yeah. transition they would yeah um yeah but yeah no it, it just doesn't make sense and without as i said without no rejected without knowing the numbers and without having some inside news there's not really a lot you can discuss about it is there it's not it's 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 one of those things where like i think possibly we could see these characters show up in other you know, the other two shows. Could we possibly see these characters show up and maybe like Daredevil season four or Jessica Jones season three? Possibly. Yeah. 
but I think like we've seen like the death of like unless we get like a Daughters of the Dragon or you know something like that you know I, I think we might have seen the last of like Colleen Wing and um, might have seen the last of Joy and Ward and those supporting characters so I just I'm not trying to be like fucking Debbie Downer here but I'm just when you think about it logically like it just it doesn't add up that like cancel Iron Fist cancel Luke Cage and that means you get a Heroes for Hire TV show like th- that just doesn't make sense to me yeah I, I'm with you man I don't I think it's this is probably the last we've seen of these characters at best maybe an Easter egg cameo appearance on a future Netflix series but honestly I I doubt there'd be much goodwill to do that kind of the way this ended. And I don't see I don't see these characters showing up on Disney Play unless it's like a animated Heroes for Hire. You know? I'm talking about just the characters. I'm not talking about Finn Jones and Mike Coulter. I think like they're probably done unless they do cameo appearances. But like Iron Fist, as far Iron Fist and Luke Cage, yeah, there might be like an animated Heroes for Hire, but I don't see uh I don't know. It's sad. It sucks. I mean, I wish I could get on here and be like, yeah, the cancellation of both these shows definitely means that we're going to get a Heroes for Hire. It's just, I just, just saying that sounds silly as fuck. No, I agree. I agree. I tried to argue against it, and then I was like, yeah, this is stupid. Yeah, it's it's, (laughs) it's insane. Um, Hey, Matt, have you seen Venom? Yes. What did you think? (laughs) <laughs> low taste it <laughs> you're you are with dan yeah i thought it was dog shit i didn't like it at all <laughs> i mean you didn't toss it i tossed I dog toss shit it. i didn't toss it but it was it was i, I can't remember what i said to you jake it was it it's a early 90s superhero film with bad bad resident evil special effects i thought it was terrible but I still had fun, which is why I can't toss it. Yeah, special effects were not great in that movie. No argument there. Here's a, this is a, I want the reason I asked is like there is a uh, there's a big Venom plot hole. This is not huge spoilers, people, for Venom. If you haven't seen it, it's really not. But there's a huge plot hole in Venom. We didn't even talk about it in our episode. I didn't realize it until I actually like heard some other people talk about this, and then I read this article. And this comes from Dark Horizons. And it's actually pretty fucking hilarious. I love this plot hole. And I think it's so funny trying to make sense of it. And I love... I think it's uh, Ruben Fleischer. Yeah, he gives, like, the response on this one. In Venom, Riot is an evil symbiote who goes through several bodies before landing in an old lady in Malaysia. The film then jumps six months forward, and we see Riot again. He's still in the same old lady and still in Malaysia when he then chooses to transfer into a little girl and make his way to the United States. So what the hell was he doing in Malaysia for six months? Yeah, I, I actually noticed this when I watched the movie, too, how it was a very weird time cut. Right? Yeah, I me just too. Think you, 
I I think you just have to assume that these aren't accurate time cuts, right? It's very it's very much a smart movie like Pulp Fiction here, where it's just kind of jumping around where it needs to. Well, yeah, I, I wasn't quite sure how it took him six months to get from A to B. <laughs> a bit kind of weird. GameSpot actually talked to director Ruben Fleischer about this. <laughs> they asked Ruben Fleischer, the director. He was asked specifically, and he says, yeah, that's a good question. That's one of our few, hopefully few, logic bumps. But we had to have a passage of time in order to show Eddie's downfall. And that was the one thing that doesn't entirely track. But I like to think that, <laughs> but I like to think that old lady was going around murdering all throughout Malaysia. <laughs> and, That's a great answer. And she was just having a good old time just shooting shards through different people in Malaysia. <laughs> I'd like to see that movie. At least he's honest. Oh man. That's I'd like what to I want. Off against that. I want the Venom movie, the Malaysia cut. <laughs> Rambo. I, Matt Rambo versus the grandma symbiote. Yeah. Uh, oh God! You, give me that fucking. Mo- no, you guys don't want it. No, I'm in on that one. I'm in on that one. All right. All right. I'm, I'm still out. No, I'm still out. Now, fuck you, Jake. <laughs> oh. oh shit. Oh man. Yeah. Grandma versus fuck. Oh my gosh, I want to see Stallone punch an old woman just like fucking Captain Marvel did in that trip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm down. Oh, you're selling me a bit now. Thank you. I knew I'd turn you around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, elderly abuse is always a fucking. <laughs> always a trip. Oh my god. Yeah. You, if you, I can't count the times I've wanted to beat the shit out of Wilford Brimley. <laughs> oh man and those stupid fucking oatmeal commercials oh god I'll show you diabetes you son of a bitch <laughs> the, you know you, you can't you can't you can't you can't form the word diabetes without die you son of a fuck <laughs> oh man that's wow. like a poster fucking quote there as I'm punching Wilford Brimley in his mustachioed face <laughs> Oh man! Stellar again, Brian. You like? I'm here for that movie. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking. You like Quaker Oats, you son of a bitch? You like them? Huh? You like Quaker Oats? Yeah, he, yeah. Well, look up, hey, look up Wilford Brimley, millennials. He he was in Cocoon. He did some. Quaker, oh, he did some Quaker Oats commercials. He does the. He's the test strip diabetes guy. All right, look him up, people. <laughs> All right, hey, let's take a quick break. And come oh, back. awesome. I'm doing the pee dance. Me too. I gotta go. So fucking bad. We'll take a quick break, come back with the rest of Marvel News, and wrap it up with DC News. We'll be right back. Alright, hey, we are back. We're gonna finish Marvel News, but first, I gotta, hold on. So you're telling me, Matt, Jake, that nine-year-old Matt and Jake would not want Rambo taking on an alien? Um, I don't know. Nine-year-old me was probably, probably wouldn't, would be okay with that. Nine-year-old Matt, nine-year-old Matt Kirby. Nine-year-old Matt Kirby's too busy watching Rambo beat up Ivan Drago. 
You know what? I'm slapping nine year old Matt Kirby in the mouth. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Can't really argue with it. No, I would not. Probably deserve it. No, I, I would. I would not slap your nine year old self in the mouth. <laughs> Stallone's career path is kind of weird, though, right? It's like he does these things that are like really like people really respect, and then like it's like back and forth, back and forth, right? He does something like r- really critically responded to, and then he does something really silly again. And yeah. I really respect him for just kind of doing whatever the fuck he wants to do. What was that, what was that movie he did with uh, Stel Getty? Don't oh. don't uh, oh don't shoot yeah 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 don't shoot my mom. <laughs> No, stop, yeah, stop or my mom will shoot. Stop or my mom will shoot. I love that movie. Mom will shoot. You know what's funny about that movie is the fact that like uh, Stallone acted like he was really interested in doing that movie. He was like, I he he pretended that he was interested in that movie, and this was like fresh off of like Twins and Kindergarten Cop, and uh, he was acting. I well, was it was it. Before kindergarten, but it was uh, you had uh, fucking Stallone wanting to do a hit comedy. He did Oscar, which was terrible, and then he tricked Stallone. Uh, Schwarzenegger tricked Stallone into doing Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. He acted Stallone. Uh, Schwarzenegger acted like that was a movie he wanted to do, and then Stallone did it, and it was terrible. Oh man! Hey, you, here's a contest. See which one of you can get closer to the Rotten Tomatoes rating for Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. Twelve percent. Matt? 22. 8%. Brian Dang. wins. Wow. Woo. Single digit territory. Damn. <laughs> that's, that's horrible. <laughs> what was the uh, audience, audience score on that one? I would say 39, no, 33% for audience. I don't think there is an audience score for this one. I guess maybe it's too uh, before low the, or they haven't had enough people it was before submit the time, one. It was before the time of audience scores for Rotten Tomatoes, I'm sure. Yeah, geez. <laughs> I can't imagine that. I would guess, though. I mean, they're usually typically a little bit higher, so it's probably not 8%. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of, yeah. you know, not the most intelligent people watching movies sometimes. So Yeah. Halloween, Halloween had a critic score of uh, the new one had a eighty percent, pretty awesome. That's good. Uh, any any horror movie that's over fucking sixty percent, you should probably go see. Yeah, I agree. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three news from Screen Rant: A new listing by Production Weekly lists a February twenty twenty one start of production on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. This uh, comes after the working title of Hot Christmas was revealed on the same listing. Since this start date has yet to be confirmed, it is best to treat this as a rumor until additional sources corroborate this possible filming schedule. That means uh, we're not going to get a 20 – we're not going to get Guardians of the Galaxy – this is true. We're not going to get a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 movie until 2021 uh, – 2022. Yeah. Honestly, this is kind of the thing I was expecting, right, with the you know the upheaval of James Gunn. I'm, I'm not really surprised by this. Maybe it's like a year later than I'd kind of imagined, but it's still not very shocking news to me that mm. it's been postponed this long. I think in, in some ways they're probably kind of – rewriting the the future of marvel and marvel cosmic with with the developments i know they're most likely going to use james james gunn's script but i doubt it'll be a hundred percent to the page and i think they will take some time to kind of figure out what the next steps forward will be without gun oh and without using 
Guardians of the Galaxy as the catalyst for the cosmic universe. Uh, it's crazy. It's so weird to like think that we might not get these characters like post Avengers four until 2022. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, I guess the, the only good like solace you can take from it is the fact that you, you will be getting them and you got them in Avengers three, you'll get them in Avengers four. So it won't be a complete like lack of these characters, but yeah, it's, it is a little bit disconcerting that we have to wait this long. I've got. Is this is this going to have the same sort of knock on effect as Edgar Wright walking out on Ant Man? That the the it's going to change the structure of the of the the foreseeable phases a little bit because obviously the re I mean I I I look at it as though the reason Age of Ultron didn't work as well as it should do is because Ultron wasn't built up as a character which would have happened if Ant Man had been scheduled in the right point and he could have been created by Hank Pym. And it could have ran almost as the same as the comics do, mm. but because of that that had to be changed around because um, Edgar Wright walked out on it, and they had to get another director. It, are we are we going to be looking at the same sort of situation two years down the line? Is there is there going to be a knock on effect that because they can't get Guardians three out when they originally planned to, it's mm. gonna it's gonna have a bit of a, you know, we're not going to get Adam Warlock introduced now until twenty twenty one twenty twenty two. And it's all going to have a bit of a knock-on effect. Yeah, that's interesting. It's There's definitely similarities between the Edgar Wright Ant-Man stuff, but there's definitely a lot of differences too, right? I mean, the difference there is, like, we'll never know what that Edgar Wright Ant-Man movie would even, like, remotely look like. Whereas with Guardians 3, we've got a pretty good picture of what two James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy movies look like. And, I mean, so does Disney. So they're definitely going to have a lot easier time trying to, you know replicate that for a third movie now whether or not that'll be good is yet to be seen but it does feel like they've got more of a starting point or source material to do the next thing rather than just a complete like rewrite oh yeah no 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 that's not my point that's not even what my point is uh, you know they could they can almost make a james gunn clone film quite easily with to get a director in there that's got a similar kind of vision and, and away you go yeah, but, but other things. Now it's moved down the yes, road chronologically. Yes, yes, exactly. I, 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 I see what you're. I yes. think they'd already separated that though. I mean, the Avengers three and four feel like like crescendos of like a song, right? Like, and it didn't feel like they were going to be running a big event anytime soon after Avengers four. So I feel like they have the time to play around with this, and that it really won't offset something for like a big event movie or an Avengers five or the future of Marvel Cosmic. I don't think it's something that we're going to notice as, as much as we did previously. So it's almost going to be like after Avengers Four, you're going to kind of have a blank slate to rebuild, a, rebuild an overarching story again. Yeah, and, and, and Kevin Feige's smart. He knows the way to make these big crossover movies work is to start start these things separated apart, right? So we're going to go right back to that before we do anything like Avengers Three or Four again. So I, I think the time – it's unfortunate this is happening, but it, I think the time is right for these like postponings. I really don't think it's going to affect overall story arcs in too big of a degree, honestly. What's, what's I think they were getting ready to separate the cosmic and the Earth stuff anyway. What's different about this though from the previous Guardians films is that this takes – this this movie should take place closer to the time of like when these movies are actually happening because – you know, Guardians takes place in its own bubble, and then Guardians 2 basically takes place within a year after Guardians 1. 
And then there's like a three to four year time jump by the time we see them again in Avengers Infinity War. And Guardians 3 always felt like it was going to be, you know, like post-Infinity War Part 2, post-Avengers 4. And so... Correct. Like, for it not to come out in 2020, like it was supposed to, we've got... James Gunn needs... The way he wrote the script, it should be very removed from everything else that's going on in the universe. And what Matt's saying makes a lot of sense that, like, there's a whole two years of movies that are going forward where they wouldn't have. Like, this would have originally came out in 2020. So they've got to figure out a way to work around that. So... I, I just didn't see that Guardians 3 was going to be like interfering with the stories of the other Marvel movies, no matter when it came out, at least not that immediately. We don't know. We, but we don't know. We, we really don't know anything a, a lot about that Guardian script, to be quite honest, other than them setting up, you know, Adam Warlock, um, possibly Quasar, and then we know James Gunn was talking to Mark Hamill about a possible role, and we don't know if that's even going to happen now. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, we have the other two movies to go off of, though, and even though they set up things that pay off at other Marvel movies, they're still, like Matt was saying, they're they're very self-contained beginning-to-end movies, and I, I feel like that's what yeah. Gunn still wrote here. I, I understand that. The only thing that was different to me was the fact that this is more in the timeline of like where we are in the current universe and the current state of the universe and the Marvel universe. Well, and that's where the cosmic stuff helps them out though, right? Is because they could we could still see all that stuff. Yeah, but the and, world's opening up cosmic in the cosmic universe because now with the introduction of Captain Marvel, it's not like the Guardians are the only cosmic story going forward now. We've also we're getting Captain Marvel in 2019 in March. I mean, so that's going to open up the cosmic stuff. And we know we're already getting Korath the Pursuer. We're getting Ronan in that movie. I know it's set in the 90s, but I think by the end of that and by the time we get to Avengers 4, it's going to open up other storylines and things like that. So I don't know. Yeah, that's true. That, that's in it. The Immortals, which was the, the other the Eternals. one they were looking at doing. The, the Eternals. Eternals. So is that now going to be before or after Guardians 3? I feel like it'll be after. It'll be oh, the Eternals will definitely be before Guardians three, in my opinion, because like they're oh, already, really? yeah, they're really moving on that. I mean, we already have uh, we already have our director for that, and but I don't know how how involved that's going to be. I think that'll set up the whole cosmic side of the universe, but it's also going to be very much a prequel story about. You know, I think the, the beginning of like existence and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, in, the, in and, the cosmic Marvel and kind of tie into like the Celestials and stuff. So yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying, but I don't know. I I feel like it's not. Good. And I also like the Age of Ultron point was very interesting that Matt made. But I feel like the people that are Age of Ultron detractors, I don't think any of their complaints of that movie change if we have Hank Pym make Ultron. I'm a, I don't really think that was the catalyst of why Age of I'm, Ultron yeah, was I'm, disliked by people. Go ahead and answer. No, my, my only thought with that is that it would have made Ultron a little bit more of a uh, an overarching villain if he if you knew that he he had been in the background for a little while and stuff was going wrong. You know, they could have actually built him up to be an yes. intimidating and force. And another, another thing about that is he wouldn't have been modeled after Tony Stark. Exactly. Yeah. I'm just not convinced that... Um, 
Oh God! Why am I drawing a blank on the? Uh, I'm not convinced that Edgar Wright leaving had anything to do with the creative decision to not have Hank Pym. No, no, it didn't at all. But it it, it changed the timeline because Ant Man was supposed to come out before. Um, was it before? Ant Man was supposed to be. Ant Man was the actually like the first like a Marvel. Phase One movie. Yeah, it wasn't. Was it? Was it? Edgar Wright was working. Of phase Two, wasn't it? Edgar Wright it was, was supposed to come out before Age of Ultron. Yes, it was supposed to come out in like the uh, towards. I mean, they had been working on that since Phase One. Like that I was mean, the original Comic Con yes. footage was. God, that was like two thousand and. Well, Fuck, uh, yeah, I nine. Mean, I want to say something like that. Yeah, they had like that special effects sizzle reel that the they sizzle reel. Yeah, yeah. So. I just don't. I just. I'm just not convinced that that plot point like was changed due to any of that stuff. Like, I feel like that that change in plot was always something they intended, regardless. Oh, and of that's scheduling only my fan theory, but it, it, it to me it would have made more sense, and it would have made Ultron a more, I say, a more intimidating. Villain. I could, uh, no matter, if we no go matter back, who makes him. If he's cracking jokes, he's not going to be intimidating. If we go back, well, if yeah. we go back though, and we have conversations years ago. If, if uh, honestly, Jake, if we go back before Age of Ultron came out and before the whole Edgar Wright thing came out, we all suspected that Hank Pym would be the creator of Ultron in this in this MC universe. And I think like after like. We don't know 100%, but after like Edgar Wright like was kicked off the project for creative differences or whatever direction he had like not kicked off, but basically I think he kind of just like left because he was just like, fuck, you're taking this in a way I don't want to go. They were just like, well, let's capitalize on the popularity of the Tony Stark character and we can really kind of like bring in Ultron that way. And they thought that 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 it would work, and I mean, it did. It made a fuck ton of money. It really did, and a lot of people. Yeah, I don't know. It. I'm not convinced that that's the case because, like, even in the Edgar Wright version, like, it was always Paul Rudd, it was always Scott Lang, it was always an, an older Hank Pym. So, like, right there, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah, to but me we that know these. The we, plot point was always to have Tony Stark make. We know fun. these movies, these Marvel movies. They love their fucking post credit scene, and for us to get a post credit scene of fucking like whatever actors playing Hank Pym, whether it was you know, I, I don't know who they if they cast somebody else originally, um, and if Douglas came on later. But let, let's say we get a post credit scene of Douglas saying, "Hey, I've got this new AI." I, I call it Ultron. I could totally see something like that happening in a post-credit scene in a movie. It, it kind of makes no sense, though, right? Like it, ha- it has no connections. Kind of the the way they did it is so much more like connective tissue to the plot and all the other characters and all but, the other main players. Yeah, we're saying it would we're, be Tony that did this. We're like, forming these opinions post whatever we know what happened. This is like be, like pre Edgar Wright leaving. We all kind of assumed that. Ant-Man would be, well, well, excuse me, that Hank Pym would be the guy that created Ultron. We all kind of And then you also have Ultron being the, the, one of the catalysts in Winter Soldier, rather than the Armin Zola character in the computer, you have it as Ultron. That seems just really silly to me. Like, you don't do Ultron in a Captain America Winter Soldier movie. No, but uh, not, not necessarily do him, but have him as, as the, as in the background again. As a menacing, it could overarching have. Yeah. AI. I feel like even in the old days of pop culture leftovers, we'd kind of theorized that it might not be Hank Pym that made Ultron. 
I don't know. I felt like we all. Always... I feel like you yourself even theorized that it it could be Tony Stark, just given the presence. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows what I was thinking back then? I don't know. It's just like like I said. I to me the proof is in the pudding. Like we don't we don't know Edgar Wright's movie, but we do know that it was Paul Rudd playing Scott Lang, which means that that was who the main player was going to be. I get what you're saying about the flashback scene and everything, but I mean, to me that just has no like emotional connection to the overarching storyline if that's what you're immediately going to do in avengers 2 no they just they always set up like the future the future of marvel in those post-credit scenes for the most part and they they haven't done it in every film like we you know you do get some of the post-credit scene that are kind of like throwaways but it just seems like a lot of setup that they've always done and if this movie was to come out before you know if ant-man were to come out before age of ultron it kind of like they could have done it. They could have done it that way where Hank Pym created him. But since it came out after the, their hand was kind of forced to like, well, what character do we include? Well, we can have Tony Stark come, come up with the with the Ultron AI now. I mean, yeah, I mean, what character would have been the character that was trying to tell Michael Douglas that he shouldn't do that, that he shouldn't play God? Like, it's just like to me, all the puzzle pieces fit that it was it was just always going to be. They would have done a family story. They've always done like they always they like these family stories. It would have been his daughter, Hope, saying you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't be playing God. You shouldn't like this is not for you to do. So he's making Ultron today as in like the modern day Hank Pym. Well, it could be something that he had like in the past that and and now he's going to bring it to fruition. Like, oh, I can do this now. Whatever. I don't know. I have no yeah. clue. It's interesting. The thing it definitely yeah. either way, it definitely works. Like it definitely works better having Tony Stark do it in the movie universe. Like is it, it you know, it hurts my nerddom to say that, but it it works way better cinematically, emotionally, like it just connects everything so much more like it just makes sense well that's because we didn't get an ant-man movie pre avengers age of ultron but i feel like it makes sense before the ultron movie even comes out like it it all adds up to that it's not like it's like a, a big swerve that that happens in the first place and that was before even decisions were known that edgar wright wouldn't be doing ant-man i don't know I don't know. I'd have to... I, I find it very fascinating. I mean, who, who the fuck knows? You know what I'm saying? This it, We can't answer this question. And most likely, if they did answer it, they would they would say what I'm saying, but it could very easily be a lie because that's what you fucking say. You know, you yeah. don't tell everyone that you made this giant mistake and that, you, you know, this is what you did to fix the fucking, you know, to glue it together. No, I mean, we might hear that kind of stuff 20 years down the road, yeah. but we're sure as hell not hearing it tomorrow. Sure. I don't know. I so. just... The fact that Ultron, the the first introduction that we got to the character, he looked pretty awesome. And then the more it went on, he turned into like a Michael Bay Transformer. And then it was just like cracking jokes that was modeled after Tony Stark. And I, that movie just lost me. I hate Avengers Age of Ultron. I still toss it to this day. So, Yeah, as far as Ultron's concerned, that... That first scene with Ultron is is easily far and away the best scene with Ultron. Yeah. It's the oh, only the, the scene. Puppet Masters. Yeah, it's the only yeah. scene where they treat him as a scary creation, you know, where you shouldn't have played God and look what you've made. And yeah. you kind of get that feeling. But, yeah, they quickly um, they t- quickly take away the threat yeah. of Ultron and making him a big, bad, scary. I'm just not in the camp of like, okay, yeah, they had this planned out from the get-go. 
I can also I'm I'm not in that 100% in that camp of where you where you're coming from Jake that I part of me thinks that like maybe because of like Edgar Wright leaving the project that like they had to come up with something on the fly and it just made sense that you know Iron Man's our most you know popular character wow. here and blah 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 let's just do this as much as I love Edgar Wright and his movies I'm not leaving it up to Edgar Wright to make a scary threatening Ultron either well he wouldn't be in charge of Ultron he would just basically like that's the post credit scene right yeah he's not yeah. he's not doing the Avengers movie that's actually going to showcase Ultron that would be Josh Whedon and I don't know if like I don't Another guy not known for doing scary. But, I mean, I, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So we, I mean, it's not like I was terrified by the Chitari when I was watching Avengers. So. No, no, it's not like I was really scared by anything in Buffy. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, maybe, maybe a few Nathan, episodes. Maybe Nathan Fillion at the end of season seven. Um, I got yeah. more uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 rumors here from Dark Horizons. Marvel Studios still has yet to pick someone to take over James Gunn on a third Guardians of the Galaxy film, but a Twitter source named Daniel RPK, known for bits of Marvel news reporting, indicates Marvel's Kevin Feige and company are eyeing a female filmmaker to direct. It's thought that gun screenplay will still be used, but that's not guaranteed at this point. The tweet, which has been picked up on numerous sites, uh, comes a day after Production Weekly updated their listing for the film saying the working title during the shoot is Hot Christmas and filming won't begin until February 2021. So, yeah, there's a rumor that they're looking at a female director. So, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I, I, I feel bad whoever gets this job, right? It's, they might as well hire a crash test dummy. That's the job. Like, get in this car and we're going to slam it against this wall and hopefully you survive the fans. Yeah. Zack Snyder's not doing anything, is he? No, Matt. Okay. This is Matt's last episode of PCL. Did you know yeah. that, That's it. Never, never coming back. <laughs> uh, Marvel news from Screen Rant. Spree- speaking on the radio show on air with Ryan Seacrest. Um, Michael- he gets a lot of juice, man. I listened to that top 40. Oh, God. Michael Douglas confirmed that the quantum realm is not only crucial to the story in Anthony and Joe Russo's Avengers 4, but also the future of the MCU as a whole, thus affirming what many fans have already believed about Marvel's movie plans. In response to a question about if Ant-Man and the Wasp directly connects to Avengers 4, Douglas said, right, that is absolutely true. I mean all of them. The quantum realm, that's the key. The quantum realm plays an important role in all the next chapters, I think, of the Marvel film. So a lot of people were saying that the time travel scenes in the... Where they show the Battle of New York, like, we know that those photos have been leaked for Avengers 4. A lot of people are saying that that was the barf technology that Tony Stark came up with. Um, and I, that still could be the case. They could use that for test runs or something like that. But I think as far as, like, actually changing things and actual time travel, that's going to take place within the quantum realm. And I think... The quantum realm is going to be a big part of the Marvel Universe going forward. We know that the quantum realm plays a part in the um, Captain Marvel movie. And I think the quantum realm is going to be a big fucking deal in the Marvel Universe. Hmm, yeah. I mean, you can't ignore it, right? It's it's not grandma toxin. It's you got to 
Marvel doesn't fuck around, right? If they introduce something this big with this much science behind it and this much buildup, it's not just going to be a one and done movie thing. Like they, they do kind of follow through with these kind of things and things have repercussions and yeah, you can't open up this whole nother can of worms universe and way of existing and transportation and time movement. And then, you know, not expect it to have big repercussions in the upcoming movies. I agree. I agree. I think quantum realm is going to be a big part of Marvel going forward. So, yeah. And if it's not, it just makes them look, it's like egg in your face, right? It's like they enter, you're always going to be like, well, what about the quantum realm? You know, like stupid shit like that. Like, yeah. Well, they, I mean, okay. You, 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 you introduce a, uh, another realm where time and space are relevant to our world. And then you introduce the infinity gauntlet, which two of the stones control time and space. It just fucking makes sense that the quantum realm is going to be a big goddamn deal going forward in the movie universe. Yeah, yeah. It's it's pretty cut and dry here, right? I don't think the necessarily the layman quite understands the full effect yet, but I think it's going to be very cl- clear very quickly. Yeah. All right, let's move on into DC news. Whenever. Here we go. Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina. And now the leftovers are going to destroy DC News. It's time for DC News, you fucking pieces of shit. All right, last week I told my everybody my thoughts on James Gunn and Suicide Squad. Jake, you weren't here. Matt, you weren't here. So I want to know your guys' thoughts. James Gunn doing Suicide Squad Volume 2, what I like to call it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm excited. It's definitely a great move by Warner Brothers, I, I think, to do this. Um yeah, and you know, I I, I don't I kind of don't think Gunn will direct. I feel like he's kind of sitting behind the scenes and doesn't really want to be in the limelight. So I predict that he will. He's obviously writing the screenplay, but I, I kind of think that's where it'll stop for a while. I don't think we're going to see him in the director's chair on a big movie this soon. So that's my prediction. As far as like you know the movie itself, I'm excited for it. I mean, the first one's a giant turd, so there's nowhere to go but up if you're getting a whole new like creative team like this. And I don't think he's beholden to the first movie either. Right. It's not like he is writing a sequel to that giant turd. I think it's James Gunn. And I think one of the reasons they got him to write this movie in the first place was he's going to be given a little bit of creative freedom. And I can't imagine he's going to use that creative freedom to write a an, an exact sequel to suicide squad one. So I this thing, in my opinion, probably won't even be called Suicide Squad 2, right? It'll have its own little little surname to it to identify it as kind of a new franchise moving forward is kind of what I see. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited for it. I'm glad Gunn's doing it. I'm glad Gunn's doing comic book movie stuff still. Like, you know, I'm, I want to see that continue. There's a bunch of other stuff, you know, not just in the DC universe that's out there for him to find and do a lot of cool stuff with. So you know, I wish him all the success in the world, and I'm excited that he got this project. I can't wait to see what comes out of it. Matt. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jake. I think this is a great thing. My only worry is is whether the Warner Brothers executives can keep their noses out of it, and because I don't think James Gunn will, will stand around and be told what he can and can't do again. I think he'll just walk after the trouble he's had with Marvel. So that's my worry. Um, but I really do think that it's the exact 
set of characters that, that James Gunn can do something great with. Yeah, I think yeah. he. I think he will direct. I think that announcement will come later. I think he will. I think. I think it'll get to him. I think like once he gets the script done, he'll get excited about it. He'll see it and he'll want to bring it to life. I really do. It's one of those things where I hope you're right, Ryan. Mm. You know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I hope he does direct it too. That would that would be fantastic. I don't know. I just. He's going to do press. He's going to do. He's going to do press anyway. Either way, he's going to have to do press. It's like not necessarily. The writer never really does the the junkets. Well, shit. It's not like uh, fucking uh, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick don't fucking do interviews all the time. Like like the Deadpool writers. Same thing with like you know. I don't know. We see a lot of these writers do a lot of the press junkets. Yeah, I feel like the majority of of it is you're not really seeing the writer do the junket. I, I see a lot, especially with the Marvel movies and, and the DC stuff. You see a lot of these guys doing uh, at least some interviews. I, I, I think it'd yeah. be. I think, uh, I think lately it's been a lot of writer director combos, which makes that more the case. But um, I don't know. I mean, maybe not. The, I, I'd love to be proven wrong on this thing. Yeah, not the case with like the Deadpool guys. Like those guys aren't directing. They're just they're just the writers, and they get a lot of credit yeah. for like what they do with the Deadpool movies, and they do a lot of junkets. I feel like that's a, another special like case that kind of an exception that proves the rule, right? They were just so involved in like the whole process of the movie being made in the first place that they've just kind of become part of the thing itself, you know? And I feel like more commonly the writer isn't doing the tour with the actors and the directors. I don't know, man. I I guess. I mean, it's just one of those things where I just can't see – I don't know. I don't know why he wouldn't want to. I mean, yeah, you're going to have to do press. Like, what do you have to hide? You didn't do anything wrong. You apologized for it. So, I mean, you don't know why he wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I mean, maybe James Gunn is, you know, bothered by this kind of stuff and insecure, just like we are with this kind of thing. Like, right. Like who wants to go out into the public and then hear the kind of comments that I see people making about James Gunn still to this day, like on the internet and stuff. So, and I don't think, I also think as a studio, Warner Brothers, like, it's one thing to have the guy write the movie, but it's another to, like, bring that all out again. Yeah, but, and I don't... Like, but the majority of the people out there are supporting this guy. Yeah, I hope that, I hope that that's You're going to hear, you're going to... Yeah, gonna... but it, it's, it's not the people with power, is it? You know, it, the reason he got fired was because people with power don't want him doing stuff. You know, they, it, it's very easy to expose him for, for, for the stupid tweets he made uh, and got him fired now warner brother warner brothers is going to put him forefront on a on a franchise that they're really trying to build again from the catastrophe that was justice league um yeah, I, are they going to risk that and they're getting to write it because they know he's going to write a good solid script for a, a bunch of misfits that turn good turn bad whichever they do but are they going to put him on the forefront as a director and then have him doing press as well? Because they know that as soon as he gets in a press interview, the first thing that any interviewer is going to ask him is about the Marvel stuff. Yeah, yeah it's not even going to be point. about – it's like it would be such a distraction still to this point. It would it, become not even about Suicide Squad 2 at that point. And I just don't think James Gunn – you know, I saw a Facebook post today about, you know, Batista wanting to be in the Suicide Squad 2 movie. And just, you know, the first comment right there is that James Gunn is a pedophile. And I mean, I know that that's not the majority, but it's still something that's getting branded on every single social media post about any James Gunn story. Yeah. And I just feel like until 
that washes away a little bit more, they're not going to be sending him around to do interviews with, you know, Margot Robbie. Yeah, just, you know, well, shit. I mean, Will Smith. Well, it's, yeah. you know, you see fucking Mel Gibson fucking directing shit. And I know it's been a long time, but still. You yeah, just, it's, see- yeah, same thing there, though. The, the feelings kind of washed away. Like, he did not do shit for quite a long time after fucking, you know, yeah, going he, all over the place freaking really out. Did, yeah, he went quiet, didn't he? So, yeah, I just don't think, I think Warner, don't think Warner Brothers will want him for, front of house anyway for the moment, just, just in case, just because they won't want the heat. So yeah. let him write it, let him do what he does and make turn in a brilliant script and even be an executive producer on the film. And then Suicide Squad 3, after the success of James Gunn's written Suicide Squad 2, then he'll come. They'll bring him into direct. I'm and looking. Yeah, I'm looking. Uh, this is like slowly opens the door for it. Like I'm with you, Brian. Like I, no, I no, hear no. your passion I, and I respect it so much. I want what you're saying. I know. I, I want know. James Gunn to be like fuck these fucking trolls. I'm, I'm re- I, realize, I don't give a fuck. I realize what I'm saying, and like I understand like how it doesn't make sense. I'm logically thinking about it. But on the flip side, like, that's me. That's just, I'm always been a fan of like the underdog. You guys know this. I love those underdog stories. I love stories like the bad news bears and fucking like Rocky. I love these underdog stories. And that's like part of me is like, there's a part of me that just wants to see James Gunn, who's been like, he's down on his luck. He's been kicked down to the ground. I want to see him come back, write an amazing screenplay fall in love with it and feel like I'm the only one that can bring a great movie and I want the art to speak for itself I don't want the detractors to fucking like take away from like what he can give us here I want him to give us a Suicide Squad sequel Suicide Squad 2 that only he can give us and to I I just kind of like want to see a um, a resurgence a uh a resurrection here of James Gunn, and I want him to be—I want him to get 100% of the credit for this movie uh, being a success. If it is, if it is a success, so yeah. I mean, I want what you want, 100%. I just—I uh, don't know. I just don't see it happening just this quickly right away. I hope so, though. I would love James Gunn to be like, "Fuck you, trolls! I don't give a fuck what you think of me. I know who I am, and I know I'm not that." And you're a bunch of oversensitive fucking troll babies on the internet <laughs> and just fucking go out there and do all the junkets and not give a flying fuck and mm-hmm. giving fingers. And, but I just, I don't know. It just seems like such a circus this soon. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I agree. I, I, I really do want it as well, but I think that James Gunn is, is not going to want to deal with all that. I really think he just wants to sort of let it, let it go and, and let it, let people get bored with it prove his worth as a writer and then come back strong with another directorial in yeah. a year or so's time. Yeah, it might be baby steps here. So yeah. we'll see. We know we know, I mean we all know James Gunn takes a lot of stock in his online presence, or he did, you know, before all this went on. And I think that's a lot of the reason he's so radio silent right now. And um you know, I just don't think he's ready for it yet. I, I think it probably really eats him. I, it will happen. I think it probably eats him yeah, up a lot. Yeah, but it's fucked up. Like, he just can't get on there and just fucking chat with the fans right now because of all this bullshit. Yeah, it's fucked up, though. It's like it's like you got Roseanne who got fired for what she did. And what she did was, like, legitimately fucked up. And yeah. she's getting on Joe Rogan talking about how she's going to fucking go on tour and, like, do a whole complete new stand-up comedy act where she talks about how – what is it? Uh, she's going to tell 
Mothers of America, How to Raise Good Sons. And it's like, what the fuck? It's like, but I can't have James Gunn who's just making some like distasteful jokes that like everybody makes distasteful jokes as far as like in comedy, like not everybody likes what everybody says in comedy. And, um, I'm not saying everybody makes distasteful jokes. I'm saying like, um, comedy is supposed to like, he was getting himself in that mindset because he was working for trauma. He's working. He was doing fucked up movies. So like, like that's what's coming out of him at that time creatively. And he's saying fucked up shit. And it's like, yeah, that's not who he is. That's just like what he was doing at that time. And, and, um, that's just the difference between the two people a little bit too, right? Like Roseanne is basically who James Gunn was still, if you follow that logic, right? Like she's still that shot. Well, she suffers comic. from mental. She's still that fucking yeah, crazy you. person. She's got and me- like she's got mental illness too. I mean, that's like a she's got problems as far as like that's concerned. And like James Gunn just, is just a creative guy, so I don't know. Yeah, I think Roseanne has a thicker skin to that kind of criticism. Like a very much like fight fire with fire type of attitude when it comes to that stuff because she's it's been that way for a long time for Roseanne yeah. right this is kind of new territory for James Gunn a little bit yeah Roseanne's used to millions of people being offended by some dumb <laughs> shit she did that's true it's, it's a common occurrence right we can yeah. name like we can do a top five list of the fucking dumb uh, shit Roseanne has done in the last fifteen years at know? least once every five years isn't it yeah yeah between you know the baseball shit and just, you know, God yeah. So, and I think this is new, new crowd for poor James Gunn, man. I feel bad for the guy. Like, he loved his fans. He loved talking to his fans. He loved hanging out with his fans online. And that all just kind of got ripped away from him because of all this. Mm-hmm. And it, it really shakes me up for the guy. I feel terrible for him. And I could see why he's not ready to just jump right back into that saddle again. Yeah. And get eaten up by all these assholes one more time right now. I so, I want, I got, I want, I don't know. I'm just a huge supporter, so um, I would like to. I would like to see him take it on, but we'll see. I'm right there with you, man. I James Gunn's my fucking dude, man. I those two movies mean so much to me, like on a personal fucking level. As ridiculous as that sounds, so like Jesus, you know. Oh, I know. Like, people, I, people, I love the guy. Yeah. I, I, fuck, yeah. it's a crazy story. Um, to kind of switch gears, um, yeah. Um, still talking about the James Gunn and the Suicide Squad stuff. I find it very ironic that um, as far as like the really heavy DCEU drum beaters go, like two of their biggest targets over the last like five years has been James Gunn and more recently like Taika Waititi, right? It's like James Gunn and his sense of humor and Taika Waititi and shake weight jokes are like the biggest targets for like the DCEU guys beating the drum of how much better, like our universe is better type, you know, geek culture, disgusting bullshit. But like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like, and now it's like that this, all this has happened. It's like, it seems like those same people are like, yeah, we got James Gunn, the guy we've been shitting on for the last five years. Mm -hmm. Well, and we got him now. They should also remember that Taika Waititi was, uh, in Green Lantern. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, he yeah. played Ryan Reynolds' exactly. buddy in Green Lantern. So, yeah. I find it funny. Yeah, because I, you know what I'm saying. Like, oh, like, I, it's just, I, I find yeah. some of that stuff to be very humorous. I, I kind of alluded to that last week on the podcast as well. 
in so many words. Like, yeah, like the same people that like can't stand Marvel. Now they're championing James Gunn coming over to their side of the fence. So yeah, who did what they considered to be like some of the biggest fallacies with Marvel, right? Sure. Like the lighthearted Marvel approach and just the, the campiness and the cheekiness. Right. I mean, Gunn is, has that in spades. Yeah. If it was legit, they'd be pissed off that fucking Gunn was actually coming over to their side of the fence. Yeah. They'd be like, no, <laughs> it's going to turn up, turn our shit off fucking Marvel and fucking, it's going to ha- going to have jokes and, you know, fucking human fucking emotions and shit no <laughs> what are we, gonna do? we want more goyer so um <laughs> oh yeah i just i find that very funny so i yeah. i'm definitely i'm excited to hear more about the james gunn suicide squad stuff i can't wait to hear more information i can't wait to find out like exactly like story and timeline time wise this is going to take place i can't wait to hear casting news character news so i'm definitely on the pulse of of uh it's the most excited I've been about any DC news we've done for a long fucking time. I'll tell you that much. Sure. <laughs> uh, Epics has cast its Alfred for their new Alfred Pennyworth prequel TV show titled Pennyworth. <laughs> oh, shit. That's a real thing? Yes. Yeah. This is a real thing. Um, it will be the story <laughs> of Alfred Pennyworth, a, formal special, a former special forces officer living in London – and working for Bruce Wayne's father, the first season is ten one-hour-long episodes. Um, Epics has cast actor Jack Bannon, who was in uh, Benedict Cumberbatch's film The Imitation Game. He's going to be playing Alfred. Imitation Game, if you haven't seen it, it's a great movie. But anyway, Bannon's Alfred is described as a handsome, cheerful, and charming young man. And the series will see Alfred struggle to reconcile the kind-hearted boy he used to be with the cold, calculated killer he was forced to become. Ben Aldridge has been cast as Thomas Wayne in the series. He made his television debut in a show called The Devil's Whore. (laughs) 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 Oh, Jesus, we're like five now. (laughs) The Devil's Whore. Oh, man. Uh, I think that's what my mom called my ex-wife. Anyway, um, here's a description from Deadline. Uh, It follows Bruce Wayne's legendary butler, Alfred Pennyworth, a former British SAS soldier in his 20s who forms a security company and goes to work with a young billionaire, Thomas Wayne, who's not yet Bruce's father in 1960s London. Aldridge's Thomas Wayne is a young, fresh-faced billionaire Hailing from the east coast of the United States, confident and extremely disciplined, this young aristocrat meets an unlikely business partner in Alfred Pennyworth. Uh, the show is being helmed by Gotham showrunner Bruno Heller, executive producer uh, director Danny Cannon, and Warner Horizon scripted TV, which I want to point out, Warner Horizon is absolute garbage, people. Um, this, uh, will premiere sometime in 2019. There's no release date as of yet. It's going to be on epics. Um, I, I think like, like in in 2019, the thing that people are going to be saying about, uh, this show Pennyworth is probably, I think the most said thing about this show is going to be, uh, what's epics. Oh yeah. I thought you were going to say why. (laughs) That's what I'm saying now. Why? Hey, hold on, hold on, hold on. What is Epics, though? It's a, it's like a movie 
like a like a, it's like a, it's like if HBO was like uh, like if HBO took a crap, that's what Epix is, or you know what I mean? I thought that was Encore. Yeah, Encore is that. No, this is okay. If Encore <laughs> took a shit, <laughs> then you'd get yeah, then you'd get this. Wow. If Encore fucked Plex. What are the chances, what are the chances like this show comes out? What are the chances that we start hearing people say like, you know, like, when I first heard about this Pennyworth show, I said like, this is, this is stupid, there's no way it's gonna work. A prequel show, you know, based on Alfred, that's silly. It's set in the 60s, I don't give a shit. And then, then all of a sudden we hear them say like, Oh my god, I can't believe I'm saying this. I love it. It's so good. I love Pennyworth. It's such a great show. Like, what are the chances that we hear people yeah. say that? I, I, I've got some stuff to say about this, I guess. Um, I, I think, actually, it could be a really good show. Like, it, it's it's there. Like, the material's there. Like, if you get some comparable writers and a decent cast, like, this could be a super fun show. Like, no doubt, right? No. It's just, um, no. it's just it, so needless. <laughs> Who the fuck is tuning into Epics? Like, literally, like, five seconds ago, you were like, what's Epics? What is Epics? Well, I mean, every, I'm just talking about the concept of the show in general. Like, I, I don't know. I could see it being a fun show. I, I'm, I can't, I couldn't stop laughing while you were talking about it though. It's just so fucking needless. And mm-hmm. no, like, it's, it's bit- hold on. It's, hold on. Here's the thing. It's, it's, I'm not the biggest fan of Gotham. I know people love it. I, I got through almost two seasons of the show Gotham. I, I know people that rave about it, that love it to this day and think that Gotham is just fantastic. That show on Fox. This has got the same showrunner, Bruno Heller, and he's doing it. And it's like, if, the, you know, but, you know, go back to fucking two years ago when they say that there's going to be a Legion series. I'm like, ah, how the fuck is that going to work? But then I remember, oh, my God, oh, they got Noah Hawley to do this fucking bad boy. There, there's the difference. There's the difference. There's the hope. Noah Hawley, the guy who did Fargo, this guy is just a, a brilliant guy. And here we are. We're getting, like, Bruno Heller, who did a... I don't know, a Gotham show that's okay, I guess. Some people still are watching it and still enjoying it, but I don't know. I don't, I don't think you take Bruno Heller over to Epics and give him Pennyworth and we're gonna get a fucking, I, I don't think this show's gonna be worth a penny. No, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be good either. I, I, I was just saying, like, it's, it's the concept you could, like, you could squeeze a diamond out of it, I think, if you tried hard enough, but I don't think they're, they're gonna be capable of it. And yeah. I think the, like the biggest thing that hurts this kind of thing is kind of one of the biggest things that kind of hurt Gotham. I think is that at the end of the day, if, if it it doesn't feel candid at all, right? They don't. You're never going to connect this Alfred Pennyworth to a future Alfred Pennyworth that you know is the sire of of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Like because you'll just never get that show or that series or that interpretation. So it's kind of this weird Elseworlds bullshit. I want to see a strong Alfred. I want to see an Alfred that's like strong enough and like has gone through a bunch of shit so like he can pass that knowledge on to like, you know, Bruce and keep Bruce kind of in line. I think that's kind of cool. But uh, I feel like that kind of story is better told like in an actual like serialized Batman TV series. Like, you just do the fucking Alfred flashback episode. I'm just saying, like, you know? that's the kind of Alfred I want. I'm not saying I need to see the whole goddamn damn thing played out on a fucking bullshit show on Epics. That's not what I'm yeah, saying. Exactly. It sounds like something that could be a really fun 60 minutes, but, like, what? 12 hours of this? Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Well, fuck. This is just the first season. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, Matt, what are you thinking about Pennyworth? I don't care. <laughs> 
I really don't. I think it's a fucking awful idea. Hold on, hold on. What if I told you? What if I told you they've cast the villain for this Paloma, Paloma Faith. Paloma Faith. I know nothing about her. She is a uh, British platinum-selling singer. A British. A British, yeah. Did I say British? Did I say British? Yeah. <laughs> well, shit, I'm a fucking idiot, aren't I? <laughs> no, 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 no. You're just coming Sorry. up with another mashup for... Uh, yeah, it was great. British. Um, yeah, she's a, she's a uh, pop star over here. Ah. Um, she's done a bit of acting, but anything I've seen her in has always been sort of game shows. And ah. she's just a bit garish to watch. She's not... She's kind of... I don't know, a little bit like a poor, very, very poor man's Lady Gaga-ish. Mm. Um, British Bjork kind of and, and eccentricities to her. Yeah. So... And she she's right. she's the villain of she's the piece. The villain. Yeah. yeah, she's going to be playing uh, Bet Sykes, a spirited, sadistic, and sharp-tongued villain who will test the courage of Alfred and Thomas. She's the villain. <laughs> Bet Sykes, huh? Yeah, she's mm-hmm. playing Bet Sykes. I'm trying to look up this character, but that's like a name you could spell eight thousand ways. B E T. It could be two T's, two T's and an E. One T S Y K E S. Okay, thank you. Fine. I never heard of it. Is that an actual DC character? I don't think so. I think this is a new character just invented for this stupid bullshit epic show. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, they're smart to invent another villain and let down people with another character that you'll never see the payoff to. Well, I don't understand why the Joker's not in it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why Batman's not in it. Like, yeah. can, can we get like a fetus to play Batman? Gosh, cut back to it every episode. I'm sure, we know we know Batman's still involved. No, they can just like they can just show us. The cow? They can just no. Yeah. They can they can zoom inside fucking Thomas Wayne's ball sack, and they can just show us like a little spermy swimming around his nuts. <laughs> Exactly. I, I'm I'm here for it. It's weird because like, otherwise, how will I know that this is tied to Batman? Yeah, it's. Just stupid. Stop doing prequels. They I never. Get, yeah. Just, they just don't you Go somewhere else. You don't see any other comic book company doing this with like one single character either. Like DC, like literally. Well, hold has, on, like, hold on. A thousand the, interesting characters. Do you remember? Do you remember when uh, Sony was uh, still? You know, it was like Amazing Spider-Man Two just came out, and they're like, uh, you know, they're. Thinking about doing the Sinister Six movie, the Ant May fucking movie. Remember that? Yeah, the the Ant May movie. That's for sure. That's for sure. But just but oh Dan, uh, Matt, 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 you don't remember this? No, I don't. They were talking about doing like a fucking Ant May movie, an Ant May standalone movie with Ant May, like a young Ant May, and she's like. You know, like, uh, like Peter's parents, like, they were originally, like, spies and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. I think they were gonna do something with the Aunt May and, like, her, like, past lines up with that bullshit or something, so. No, I, I tried to block out the Amazing Spider-Man movies or anything <laughs> associated with them from my life, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that's, that's so We know the why they're doing as well, it. Haven't you? No, I was just throwing, you, you asked for, like, you know, like, who else is doing this? Well, and, like, but yeah, but uh, that proves my point, though. Like, it's, like I'm saying, like, Sony's, they're stuck in the confines of the Spider-Man thing, right? But that's not the case with the fucking Warner Brothers. 
Yeah, but not Warner Brothers. In the yeah, but like Batman they've got epics. Batman. They've got epics throwing money at them, and like right now, like Fox owns the TV rights for Batman, and but they don't really necessarily own like the TV rights, I guess, for like Alfred. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. In my in my fan fiction, it's that the the Gotham creators just have a hard on for writing fucking Elseworlds fan fiction, and they probably were like epics. We got this idea. <laughs> the Alfred flashback show. I, it just seems like Bruno Heller, like, I don't know. I, I, it's so weird. It, it just seems like this is just like third string DC shit. Like, you've got like Batman, like the bat, like Batman movies are like, you know, first string. And then second string is like, oh, it's a Batman prequel in an Elseworlds universe, and that's called Gotham. And it's like, yeah, that's fucked up. That's what I'm saying. And then you go third string, which is like, oh, dude, uh, you think you like Batman? Let's like check out what the fuck his butler's doing. Yeah, like it's you, to even get the Superman is like fifth string. Well, shit. What are we gonna like? <laughs> on, like on Superman, are we gonna have like a Paul Kent series? You know, and like, well, no, you, you've got Metropolis coming out, haven't you? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, well, well, hold on. That's been put on hold. That whole fucking, uh, what was it? That Lex Luthor and like Lois Lane team up show. Don't even just stop. It's stop true now. though. That was why. The- why did they make eight hundred shows with the same two fucking characters? That's what. And like the one obvious thing to copy from Marvel's success, and they can't fucking figure that out. Yeah, you can smack your heads together and figure this out, asshole. Dude, it's I've not- been. I've been begging for a fucking Metal Men TV show or a Metal Men movie. God, how big of a hit would goddamn Booster Gold be? Or Booster fucking... Gold, Blue Beetle, boom. Yeah, Do you, give us a an, it, yeah. And I know, I know, DC Universe is starting to like do some stuff you know with some more of their like c-list and d-list characters, and that's fine and dandy. But it's still kind of ballless compared to what Marvel did. Where they just fucking said, fuck it, we're doing big, bu- big blockbuster movies untested. Let's see how that goes. They're like, know? yeah, fuck it, we're gonna give you an Inhumans on ABC, motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but they did so well. <laughs> but they did it all, you know what I'm saying? Now. Like, they're, they're still doing the Guardians of the Galaxy. They still it. did Iron Man. They didn't just do, like, eight Iron Man movies. Like, that, it just feels like what DC keeps doing. Like, it's not, Batman uh, and Superman over DC and over again have for a 20 Kevin, years, DC, rinse, wash, repeat, is not working. DC doesn't have a Kevin Feige that can put a universe together for them. That's why they need to stop doing their their fucking shared universe. All these movies, in my opinion, should have just been um, standalone movies, like just what Nolan did. Just like, hey, here's Batman. I'm going to give you some cool fucking Batman movies. Same thing. Gal Gadot should just be giving us awesome Wonder Woman movies. I'd be totally happy with seeing like the adventures of Chris Pine and Steve Trevor and Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman doing their thing and not having to worry about fucking like Batman or the Flash showing up and fucking something up in that movie. You know, like I yeah, and if, I, I completely agree. And if that needs to happen within the confines of the fucking DC universe, there's a million different ways to fucking crisis it up. Like, if those solo movies are giant fucking hits, it's like, guess what? It's not hard to naturally do the Justice League movie without having pre-planned it just two movies ahead, you know? like it, I don't – I honestly, I don't think that anybody out there gets the shared universe thing except for Kevin Feige. I don't think that they're thinking that far ahead. I think that people just see dollar signs and – 
they just throw shit together and it I, I, they don't have an architect that can put this all together for them. You look at, and I'm not just saying just DC's fucking it up. I'm saying like everybody, like look at like fucking like, uh, Universal can't even get it right with the, with the Dracula Untold and then the Mummy movie. Like they fucked oh, it up. Jesus. Like with those two movies, they fucked it up. They can't, like yeah. nobody's getting this done right. And like the, the fact that like, you know, Hasbro starting their own fucking production company and they want to give us like Transformers and Mask and G.I. Joe and all these fucking different, it's going to be garbage. If you do it that way, it's going to be fucking garbage because you don't have a Kevin Feige, somebody that, that can, that's competent enough. And Kevin Feige, like people will be like, well, who's Kevin Feige? Where did Kevin Feige come from? Like, how does he know all this stuff? He was fucking working on the original X-Men films. He's been working with fucking like Amy Pascal and all these fucking people for years before he yeah. got his fucking shot. He fucking has learned from the mistakes of other production companies. This guy, Kevin Feige's, they just don't, they don't grow on fucking trees. You, yeah, you, and you work harder when you have things taken away from you. And I think that's another place that Kevin's come from is like he had to do all this with the confines of not having a Batman and not having a Superman. Sure. And so, you know, it, he had to pay, take those risks to do these things. And I, I think, like, it, having Superman and having Batman as characters within their roster has kind of made Warner Brothers a little bit lazy and incompetent when it comes to making their shared universe, right? That's purely evident by the fact be, that the yeah. second movie is called BVS, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, we shouldn't have had, we shouldn't have had this. It, it should have just been, they should have, there was no good plan in place. And, uh, and honestly, I don't know. If they could ever get it right, you, you just Kevin Feige's don't grow on trees. You just don't. Just gonna, just gonna throw <laughs> Step one: there. wait. Well, go on. What, what if Kevin Feige has done DC a solid by firing James Gunn on purpose? No, he didn't fire. It was. It was. No, it was, I know yeah. he didn't. But if, if if that was orchestrated to get James Gunn over there to help them. Nah, that's, I that's, that's if the DC movie expanded universe is ever going to be a, a giant success, the the number one key is ex- establishing popular heroes that aren't named Batman and Superman, and more than just like one of them, right? I mean that's how that's how Marvel did it. It's there's a whole fucking cast of people you care about. It's not just built in Batman love since you were a kid. Like they made you care about these characters. Just throwing a Batman symbol in the sky isn't going to make everyone give a shit. It's just they're just they've been lazy and incompetent with their universe building and just relying on these huge public figures to propel them along the way. It's greedy big business going on over at Warner Brothers with the way they want to create their, you know, expanded movie universe. They had no patience for good storytelling. They want all the monies now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. They they jumped the gun. It's unfortunate. I felt like all these movies should be standalones because they don't have somebody in charge that can weave together these stories in a in a masterful way that Kevin Feige has. They just they just don't have that. And you know, as for as much as like you know, people are like, "Oh, Jeff Johns is that guy." And like at one time, I was like, "Oh yeah, Jeff Johns. You can't go wrong with that." It's Jeff Johns is not he just doesn't have that kind of experience. He just, you know, he's great. Let let him write the comics and let him be a consultant, but as far as like putting a whole universe together the way it should come together, he just 
he can't do it. I, I don't know. It's, it's it's a lot about patience, I think, Brian. No one has the patience to do what Kevin Fahey did. That's that's the big problem, right? It's this it's this now 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 mentality. Like oh, sure. there was such a lapse between you know Iron Man one and Avengers. Well, yeah, and it's they also didn't um, give anybody else a crack at anything. There was such a long gap in between movies too. Like we got Man of Steel. And then all of a sudden, it's like that came out in 2013, and we didn't get another movie until 2016. It was like a two. It was like a three year gap, wasn't it? Before we yeah. got another movie. Yeah, exactly. Like in between, there you should be fleshing out your B characters and your C characters, so you you start creating that. You start creating new things to sell people on. You know. I don't know. God, I'm just, and, I am and the thing so is, is the new excited. Things are ruined. No right. one has opinions on the new things because no. You, if you give us a new thing, DC, which you have over a thousand licensed properties mm-hmm. that you could do that with, we don't have a built-in opinion of how that. What's the best version of this thing? You know, how can we tear this thing apart compared to this other version of this thing? It's like it'd be so easy for them to just start creating new franchises out of their multitude of fucking cool characters. I well, they're doing that now with Pennyworth. So I am so, so <laughs> <laughs> I am so fucking, fucking Batman, man. Oh my god. Yeah. I, don't know. I think Batman's a great character, but it does make me resent Batman the way DC monetizes him. So it's very unfortunate that he's become such a like a byproduct of fucking DC trying to churn the fucking money wheel. I'm done. I'm done. I uh, that's it. I ain't got anything else. <laughs> Pennyworth yeah. has broken Brian. Huh? Pennyworth has broken you. It has. It has. I, I think it's inspired him. He's gonna go write Pennyworth fanfic. He's gonna outdo. <laughs> Oh god! And then Thomas Wayne looks into Alfred's eyes, and they share a moment. And yeah, and then you smash cut to fucking Thomas's ball sack. Oh god! And they are just like like we find out that Thomas Wayne is a power bottom, and just it is just like we see like yeah we see Pennyworth's coin sack just bouncing off of fucking Thomas's ass, right? Wow, this epics is like mature channel. I take yeah. it. Oh yeah, to- well it's yeah, of course. Yeah, there's gonna be nudity. You got to tell the tale correctly. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. This is weird, Matt. Thank you uh, for joining us this episode. <laughs> I I apologize. This was uh, this was trash. There is there is no need for an apology. <laughs> it's, uh, awesome. Always is awesome. We yeah. I, I you're one of my favorite people to have on the show. Just gonna throw thank it out you. there. So. Mm. Mm. Jake doesn't feel the same way. People, hey, uh, Jake doesn't. Jake doesn't want to see aliens show up in a fucking movie about a. Ra- you don't either, you son of a bitch. <laughs> God, yeah, God. Take it all back. Ooh. Yeah. To be fair, Matt, my feelings are neutral. I just really I have no feelings about it. I know. Everybody, you can check out Matt Kirby on the Leftover Army podcast. Uh, you play Aurelius for, uh, Brute Force and Ignorance, and I, uh, I've had a fucking, uh, great time listening to you guys every week. Yeah, we, we love doing it at the moment. It's going to be awesome. We're doing a, we're recording the Halloween one shot tomorrow night, so. Nice. 
This could be interesting because we have no Mr. Dan West with us tomorrow, so it's, uh, we're all going to have to pick up the role-playing slack. That's right. Dan's like doing a camping trip or something right now? Yeah, he's up, up in the mountains for the weekend. Son of a bitch. LARPing. LARPing. What the fuck? What's he uh, live-action role-playing as? Alfred Pennyworth? What is he doing? What's he doing? <laughs> oh, let's hope. Let's, he's got better taste than that. Let's give Dan some credit. We know the guy. <laughs> He's no. He told me. He sent me a message. He's like, "This weekend is going to be epics," and I was like, "What? Oh, you're going to be Pennyworth, aren't you? You fucking son of a bitch!" And he wouldn't answer me. So, <laughs> epics. Who the fuck is going to epics to watch Pennyworth? Who's doing that? They. Uh, who's getting an epic subscription? Is epics free? Do you got to pay for epics? I, I got to imagine epics is free. Or part of your normal cable package. <laughs> I don't know, man. Car, call your local cable provider. Jake, are to we going to find gonna, out more? We, Demand we, epics now. Are we going to review the first episode of Pennyworth? Um, yes. I'm doing it. I, I want. I want to see it. Matt, you coming back? Are you going to review it with us? <laughs> I'll come back and review Pennyworth with you. Fucking a, yeah, it's on. Oh my god, yeah, man. Holy shit, oh, man. What? What aspect of Batman have we not seen on TV that we can really milk next? Oh man, yeah, well, yeah. But what have they not retired done Batman in a in an OAP retirement village, just just solving crime, solving yeah. who who stole my Xanax? He's fucking like you know drinking, you know uh, taking like uh, drinking his meals through a straw, fucking shitting yeah. his britches. He's wearing yeah, like having, having his catheter bag changed. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, like sometimes the whole Batman thing, like it makes good stuff. Like I love Batman Beyond, right? Like that's such yeah. a great cartoon. But even at its core, it's like ridiculous that that's where they went, right? They're like, okay, we're gonna make this Batman cartoon. We're gonna make this Superman cartoon. We got eight thousand other characters. What should we do next? Ah, Batman in the future. Look at comic books, though. It's the same way. It's like how many X-Men titles were there at one time? Yeah, but everything exists together in unison. Like, I can go to the comic book rack, and it's all fucking there. Yeah, but, like, how many fucking Wolverine books were there? And You know? (laughs) Oh, dad. I I hear you. I hear you. So it's. Like, I'm just saying though, it's it, there's not that one thing that they just fucking milk to goddamn death over and over. I know over it's again. just one of those things where like, okay, yeah, it's like uh, we've got nine Wolverine books, but we come out with like one fucking like uh, I'm trying to think like one, um, you know, like Black Widow book or like one just another fringe character. Like okay, like. One book for like this bizarre, and I, it gets I, that's a whole apple and oranges conversation for me. Like talking about like the publication of titles and why and stuff gets published or canceled is different than what we're green lighting for movies and television. Like that's a whole different pile, right? I guess it's like Marvel Studios. They were pretty much they didn't have like a Spider Man or like a Wolverine that they could go to, so they had to go other places. And oh, yeah. they made that's, up. That's for, what I'm saying. I know, but they see. That's the thing. It, it's it's for DC though. Like you have access to like all the the top tier characters. So like that's where they're comfortable with. Like I agree with you. It's like fucking give me like a, a Blue Beetle fucking Booster Gold. I mean, they are giving us a Shazam movie. It's not like it's not like Shazam is like 
you know, like everybody knows who the fuck Shazam is. So we'll see how. Yeah, that turns I mean, they've, out they've slowly made strides, and with the DC universe is promising that other characters will be finally getting some kind of live action treatment that aren't like Batman's cousin and shit. So, but, but it's when, just, you have, know, it's when you have, when you have, been my whole lifetime that they've just fucking yes, because like the, uh, Batman and Superman are the crown jewels of DC, and it's like since they have those, it's like hard for them not to want to like cash in on it. It really is. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, I don't know. It's a little excessive, and I think they've kind of overstayed their welcome with the kind of the shitty tricks they've tried to pull on them as far as the business is concerned. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, I, I get it. I just can't see, like, you know, I understand where they're coming from. It's not like, it's not like, okay, we have access to Batman and Superman, but, like, all right, guys, we're going to start off our universe, and here's, like, you know, and just think of any, like, weird fringe character. Like, that. Marvel was kind of forced to do it that way, and but they, you know, and they did yeah. it the right way. They really did. Like, they gave us the best versions of these fringe characters like Iron Man and Thor and Cap, and I don't know. They did it the hard way. But like we – like we said, though, they didn't even really try, though, at the beginning. They just, like you said, they didn't let anything happen in between two Zack Snyder movies. They just let it go straight into the event, into their giant cinematic universe. Oh, I know. I agree. No, I've always said that they jumped the gun. I've always said that they jumped the gun. Oh, I'm not saying that you haven't. I'm just, I just, it's the reiteration over and over and over again of, of Batman and Superman, mostly Batman, that's just really made me impatient with DC stuff lately. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like you know the Matt, even the Matt Reeves thing, like yeah I love Matt Reeves I'm excited to see what he does but am I like fucking beating the wall to see that movie no because I'm fucking burnt out of fucking bat everything. Mm, I'll take Batman. Get, get, if, if, if there's a chance that I get a great Batman movie, give it to me. I don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, good is good. I'm just telling you what like my attitude is like right now. Like the hype train mm-hmm. isn't chugging down the fucking tracks for me yet sure I like good, see, yeah. good good movies change everything now. i just I, like i personally i'm we're in a place where we get comic book movies you know three four five six a year now and i'm not at the place where i'm like well um i've got comic book movie fatigue no man keep throwing them at me dude i don't give a shit come on no i don't have comic book movie fatigue no i, I hear it all the time though and i hear no, people DC all fatigue i hear no i hear people all the time like oh i've got batman fatigue i need to take five to ten years off of batman it's like no it's i mean i i'm not i don't i i can't get behind that i i want great batman movies if you can I mean, I know I haven't been a big fan of like what's come out recently. I, I'm not necessarily asking, I'm not necessarily saying, well, in order for me to get back into Batman, we need a good 10 year break. No, I mean, like, just make good Batman movies. I'll be there. Like, yeah. it has nothing to do with me taking a break from a character that's been around for 80 fucking plus years that I've never gotten bored of. Just give me great movies about said character. I don't need a goddamn 10 year break from him. It's not like I read a comic book from ba- about Batman that I didn't like. I, I, I read a fucking, uh, 32 page comic book about Batman. I'm like, I didn't like that one. I need to take a 10 year break from these books. No, it's, Give me just let's start over and let's like try to make a great Batman movie because I do enjoy the character. I don't need a goddamn five to ten year break from him. Yeah, five to ten years might be excessive. 
Um, how big of a break was it between Batman and Robin and Batman Begins? Batman and Robin, did that come out in 97? And then Batman Begins came out in 2005. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it definitely helped the hype, man. I remember when Batman Begins was coming out and people were losing their goddamn shit. So, I honestly, I, I think we do need a fucking break. They need to shelve the Batman for a few years. Ten years is super excessive, but, man, three to five years, I think, you actually make the hype train start moving. At least for me, I get me. it. I understand. I, I know. I know. For like some people, it's it, it, it is that way. And like Star Wars was the same thing. And like The Force Awakens was a big event because we hadn't had Star Wars in a decade. And now it just seems like oh, now we're just getting a lot of Star Wars at one time. And um, I don't know. I just give me good fucking Batman movies. God damn it! That's all I want. Yeah, I mean, if it's good, it's good, and it, it'll kind of make me reevaluate. But yeah. as of now, like, oof, I get just it. Give it a break. I understand. I understand. I, there's, there's definitely, yeah, there's valid points to each side of it. So, I oh yeah, I hear a lot of what you're saying too, and I surely would rather see a good Batman movie than a fucking Alfred series or a million other things about his fucking paper delivery yeah. boy or just whatever the fuck loosely connected shit to Batman we want to do just to capitalize off the name that is Batman. No, like I, do, I, I also don't, for Batman, I, I also don't want my eyes at that. I also don't want to just shit on Batman cinematically. Like every like couple of years, we just get a shitty Batman movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. So, yeah. Ah, fuck it. All right. Sorry. I know you were trying to end it, and I just can't stop rambling on about this <laughs> it's shit. It's fine. It's fine. Hey, Matt, thanks a lot, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. Check out uh, Brute Force and Ignorance Dungeons and Dragons podcast on the Leftover Army podcast. Download it on iTunes, you lazy fucks. Just give it a listen. You'll enjoy it. Uh, Aurelius, you and your bow. You, ha- you, you have my axe. You have my bow. I love, I love Aurelius. Great shit. Cool. Thank so, you. Yeah. All right, guys. And just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week with whatever the – whatever. I don't know what's going on next week. What are we doing? Bohemian Rhapsody, isn't it? Mm, is that coming next out? Next week. Is that next week or in two weeks? Have you heard about what people are saying about that, Jake? No. Mm. They're saying Rami Malek is fantastic. Um, there's good and bad. They're basically saying like it's a glorified. I've heard one critic say it's a glorified Wikipedia entry. Um, <laughs> I saw another critic say basically like it was like you can see how much the members of Queen resent resented Freddie Mercury. Um, and I've also heard other people say that like the formula for these movies is getting really old. Where <laughs> you know like these these these. Uh, you know, we're we're all gonna show up for the music, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see how. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Still, I think that I think that it looks really interesting what they're doing with the Elton John movie, where they're kind of yeah. taking a different approach, where it's not necessarily like an you know yeah. a biography movie, yeah, like a fantasy re- movie, isn't it? More than anything else. Yeah, it kind of shades of what they did with like across the universe type of feel to some of the stuff that it seemed like that was going on in that trailer. That looked very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to see that. I saw the trailer for that in the theater, and it looked really good. So, yeah, Taron Egerton playing Elton John. Look good. Look good as Elton Taron did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
I can't, I can't disagree with you there. I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm not, I haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm just, I'm still going to go fucking see it. So. Yeah, me too. Me too. I'm excited. Got my IMAX tickets for Wednesday. Oh, you're going to see it in IMAX. Nice. Yeah, that's the only showing they've got. That's the oh, only shit. thing they're doing. They're not doing it in regular. Yeah, I'm hoping to, I'm, I'm hoping to see it in either IMAX or Dolby Atmos. Cause I, you know, it's like that, uh, that fucking Live Aid concert that they've been showing in the trailer. Like, I, I want it to feel like I'm fucking, like, in that stadium listening yeah, to Federal Mercury. So, like, you gotta go to the biggest screen with the best audio. So IMAX is gonna be really good, man. So. Mm. Yeah. They gotta stop 3D though. I can't imagine that those teeth that big in 3D. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> So yeah, uh, 2D showings only. Do you yep, think definitely? Uh, Freddie Mercury eaten an ear of corn. How long do you think it would take him? <laughs> oh man, I don't know. Thirty seconds. I would five I, in the morning. Come on. I would say seventeen. <laughs> I would say seventeen seconds. That ear of corn is gone. He's just destroyed it with those fucking chompers. <laughs> I like the arbitrary odd number that you just threw out there. 17. 17 seconds, man, with those chompers on an ear yeah. of corn. And I'm not, he's not even using fucking like those, uh, those fucking corn holders. You know what I mean? Oh man, oh man. I was in a corn cob eating contest once. It was oh, crazy. That make, yeah, that makes sense to me that you would be. <laughs> Jake's, Jake's life journeys take him to a fucking corn cob eating contest. <laughs> Somewhere in Jake's life, the, the path that he chose in life took him to a corn eating cob contest. Yeah, it was pretty nuts. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure it was crazy. I did not win. It was like 17th place or some shit like that. Wow. Right. So yeah, they just said it's really intimidating when they just set like, a plate of like eight ears of corn in front of you. Oh like, man. Okay. Yeah. It's that moment, that, that moment in a young man's life when they're face to face with eight ears of corn. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I need a screenwriter right now. Let's it's a podcast. real crossroads moment. <laughs> Edit this part out. This is going in the movie. <laughs> It's, it's that moment in every boy's life. Jake was like, today you become a man. <laughs> you have the obligatory turn the cat backwards as you start to eat it. <laughs> Slow motion. Hold on. Hold on. Onto the hey, kernels. Matt, if you could name that movie, it would be named Over the Cob. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit I want to see that movie poster now Oh my god Oh my god That's too fucking funny Alright guys okay. Let's actually end this thing now I'm Let's, end myself. It. Let's end it guys Matt thank you again so much dude oh, Thank you guys Incredible Alright guys and just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags Thank you for your patronage. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We will see you next week. Later. Later, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap.
Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it toss it, good it taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's fix it. Hate erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Push over pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good. Have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture carryover. Counterculture pushed over pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent Is the band that's singing this Pop culture leftovers Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, push over, pop culture. Leftovers. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.